Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. My name is Jess Perkins, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart. Hey, Jess. So good to be here. It is great to be alive. It is good to be alive. That's the catchphrase you were trying to get going a little while ago, and it has it's, taken off. It's back. You can get your It's Good To Be Alive t-shirts mm-hmm. at itsgoodtobealive.com. I <laughs> don't know why I've gone immediately into this um kind of announcer voice, but I'm stuck in it. We are not... So you are, Jess. We don't have Dave with us still. He's He's, still in Europe. He's jaunting. Gallivanting. He's having a great time uh, around Europe. He's not thinking about us once. Sometimes we message him and he's like, who is this? Uh, And that hurts. That's rude. But we are delighted to be joined by our friend... Hmm? Okay. (laughs) An actor, comedian, improviser and... Very tall. It is Marcel Blanche de Wilt. Oh, it's a thrill to be here. I hope not many people, when you said Dave still isn't here, they just went click. Oh, <laughs> He's my favourite. Um, look, probably. Yeah, probably some. Um, uh, and that's got nothing to do with you. It's definitely to do with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave, universally, every year being voted as everyone's favourite report doer. Mm, interesting. Which, um... Does it hurt? Yeah. 
But is he also our favourite? Yeah. Are no, you saying not that anymore. Like in, in, I'm my favourite now. In terms of a sandwich metaphor, like, are you guys the bread and here's the filling? Um, I feel like he's the bread and we're the filling. Yeah, he's the he's the boring bit. Yeah, we're the flavour. To contain uh-huh. everything. Yeah. yeah um, right. And we're He's the, structural. Yeah. Well, look, we're delighted <laughs> that you're here because obviously when one of the three of us is away, mm-hmm. it means the other two have to do more report writing, mm-hmm. um, which obviously we love. Grateful. Hashtag blessed um, to have mm-hmm. this incredible opportunity. But you reached out because you're mm-hmm. in Melbourne uh, doing some gigs, catching mm-hmm. up with friends, and you said, hey, like, I listen to the pod. Could I come and do a report? And I want to crash the pod. I want to crash the pod. And I said, oh, God, yes, absolutely. Amazing timing. Um, so we're delighted to have you. Um, so this is going to be a lot of fun. I know what the the topic is. Oh, um, I so, don't know. So maybe I'm the only only one with hands on buzzers. You'll, but You'll get to have a guess. Well, maybe first I'll explain the show yeah. to new listeners. And uh, The way it works is normally one of the three of us goes away and researches a topic, usually suggested by a listener. And then bring back that new knowledge in the form of a sort of an old high school report. Mm. And we do a little oral presentation while the other two people quietly and respectfully listen (laughs) and don't annoyingly jump in with tedious tangents. Never interrupt. Mm. Uh, Never riff. Why would you? And this week, Marcel is doing the report and we always get onto the topic with a question. Marcel, what is your question? My question is... What $3.5 billion franchise wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Lucille Ball? Oh, Oh, that's a good question. I Love Lucy is a $3.5 billion franchise. (laughs) (laughs) You're not familiar with that franchise? Yeah, I knew Ricardo was doing well. I didn't know he was doing that well. Um, Lucille Ball. Oh, shit. I I don't think thinking Lucille Ball will help Okay, that won't help. All right, just think big franchises. Big franchises. We've done Star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, we're talking about movie franchise. Oh, yeah, I, I can give you that clue. Yeah, we're, okay. do, we're talking movies. I don't know how many other franchises that don't have movies of that of that ilk. Yeah, true. Ma- it wasn't Marvel. her green lighting the Halo games or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Call of Duty. Something Pixar might- related. I reckon nope. think like the. I'm pretty sure Dave's a big fan of this. Franchise. Indiana Jones. No. Mm, no. Dave's a big friend. Oh, Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> the Poirot franchise. Yeah, those those later ones uh, they really Branner. took off. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh movies are they're big. They're pretty good. Oh, no, we've done James Bond. Big movie. Oh, Chris Platt. Jurassic Park. It's not Jurassic Park. Chris Platt. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Pratt. <laughs> I was getting him confused with Justin Plapp, who was a, an old Richmond footballer. Plapp. <laughs> Plapp. Yeah. Plapp was a name. Plapp. Um, oh, the my God. Of, let's, we're not going to have any time for the rest of the episode. It's just Katie Holmes' ex-husband. Katie. Oh, Tom fucking Crew, Mission Impossible. That's correct. I love these movies mm. as well. Oh, oh, big fan of the Mission Impossible series. Dave hates it, doesn't he? Oh, oh Dave he hates Tom Cruise. Okay, Ooh. yeah, I should have said yeah. franchise. You, I knew one of you liked it. Sorry, oh, I thought interesting. it was I He hates Tom Cruise. Yeah, he hates mm. Tom Cruise. And I'm, I'm right. I feel, I feel like I've come in and been like, oh, now that Dave's away, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about his most hated thing. <laughs> this is like the evil podcast version. Yeah, so you're going to talk about uh, Tom Cruise and food with flavour. <laughs> uh, I hate, Dave I hate pies. <laughs> 
Oh, that's great. No, I'm a, I, I watch all of these movies in mm-hmm. one of the lockdowns, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to the new one coming out soon. Oh, so am I. Should we get stuck into yes, it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I've been working on this for a while. I'm a big fan of the show, and it's first time doing a report. Yeah. So I sort of threw myself in here. So feel free, if I ever go off you know, into some sort of fugue state, you can steer me back, you know, and go, Marcel, we don't know what's going on bring anymore. Bring it back, buddy. Okay. Bring it back. Well, yeah, can I, I can I um, bring it back now? What's a fugue state? <laughs> fugue state, if you're, I remember, I first learned the term in, in Breaking Bad when Walter White had to figure out an explanation for like why he, I think he disappeared for a while. And I think he got naked and then walked into a supermarket and then Skylar was like, oh, something's medical has happened to you because of your cancer. And he's, yeah, I went into a fugue state. Uh, but really, he was doing meth stuff. Yeah, okay. oh, meth yeah. state. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a fugue state, I guess, is a meth state. <laughs> it's it's when you've it's when you've left your body. Yeah, I've just yeah. checked the hat to see if anyone suggested it. It's never been suggested. Yeah, yeah. right. I was yeah. assuming someone would have. Mm, interesting. Which means no one is interested. <laughs> no, I reckon they are. I mean, you heard Michelle Brazier come on and talk for three hours about the Fast and Furious mm-hmm. franchise, and that, um, and and Michelle was worried. To be honest, we were a little worried mm-hmm. that people wouldn't enjoy that. They loved it. I loved it too, and I think I listened to it over about three or four sittings. Yeah, um, I think that's the way. I always do sit it. down to listen to my podcast <laughs> in my podcast chair, of course. <laughs> Some people have reading nooks. Yeah, not my channel. My challenge will be to uh, beat not like beat it by going under that that run. Okay, yeah. okay, great. Yeah. Well, you got I'll a good chance. Know, yeah. <laughs> Every other episode we've ever done, beat it in that way. <laughs> <laughs> she talked. She, I think it had been like half an hour, and she'd finished the first film, and I was like, "There's so many more films." <laughs> All right, so let, I'll give you a quick little uh, overview of. Uh, in relation to the the question, so Desi Lu Productions was an American television production company founded and co-owned by husband and wife Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. The company is best known for shows such as I Love Lucy, The Lucy Show, Manix, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible, and Star Trek. So oh, wow. you know, they've, they've got a lot of big uh, big names under their belt. Yeah. There, there's a recent was there a recent series where Nicole Kidman played her in like a biopic or something? Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. Didn't I get wonder if they got into reviews. The Mission Impossible. <laughs> Just a lot of scenes of her going, mm, what's about this Mission Impossible thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. Wink. <laughs> that, I love those scenes where they're like, that will never take off. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, they yeah, love yeah. those scenes. That's or the origin it. of some tedious thing. It's like, and that's how that character got a mustache. <laughs> yes, that's so we the saw start that. of the Poirot movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, folks, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to listen to this report. This podcast will destruct in self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about why I love these movies. I love Fast and the Furious as well. If Michelle hadn't done Fast and the Furious, that would have been my my first thing. Great. I love I love silly movies. I love a heist movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I love a caper. I love a movie that ends with the villain going, "Oh, how did you do that?" Yes. You know, love love a bit of that. It would have been. I mean, she left room for someone to do an episode about the Fast and the Furious makings of. She didn't really give any <laughs> yeah, details. Yeah, yeah, it was just plot. Um, how do you feel about a romp? I love. Oh, my favorite genre is a romp. Yeah, yeah me too. Later, you mentioned Thor. My, that's a romp. A lot love of people didn't love the last thought. I love a romp. I did. I liked it too. I'm, mm. I was surprised to hear that people didn't like mm. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But the, I've, the I've mummy. That's a romp. You know? Mummy yeah, is mummy's... a romp. Yeah, yeah best kind of film. A romp. romp. And they yeah. don't make enough romps these days. And I love it. Like a, I love a Marvel because like there's lots of action and fight sequences, mm-hmm. and you're like, 
Normal, these fight sequences are completely unrealistic. I love it. Mm, I love a spaceman and a and a god having a fight. It's so a, fun. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. And in a world like nerds. this at the moment, oh, give me a little bit of light relief. <laughs> That's what my mum would always say if we watched. Uh, often, if it was a bad movie, like you chose the wrong movie on a Friday night from the rental place, and then credits are running rolling. No one really had a great time, and she'd go. Well, that was that was light. Yeah, <laughs> she's still trying to look at the silver lining. Yeah, I've heard some parents would be like, "Well, that was a waste of time." I'm like, oh, what a, what a, what a bad feeling to leave after yeah. sharing a time with your family. Going, yeah. well, great choice, Matt. <laughs> well, that sucked. That's the and last I time you're choosing the video. Time with you. <laughs> I'm not going to confide in you again, Marcel, if you keep divulging my secret memories. Secret memories. <laughs> then why do you have that blog titled MattSecretMemories.com? Um, I'm also a big fan of um, any movies or TV shows where you can say out loud to the TV screen, how are they going to get out of this one? (laughs) That's that's always a, and I always annoy my wife by doing that a lot. Um, That's a little, I realized that was a little Simpsons reference to Treehouse of Horror 9 when Bart and Lisa are trapped in the itchy and scratchy show. Homer looks at the TV and says, how am Bart and Lisa going to get out of this one? It's always just seared into my brain. So I'm going to give you an overview of the TV series, and then I'm going to run through the movies. I'm not. Go- I'm going to give you a little bit of plot, a little bit of behind the scenes, some of the trivia, my favorite bits, the most iconic bits that mm-hmm. people would know, um, you know, Tom Cruise's insane stunts and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I've absorbed a lot of what I didn't write down as well. So I, I'm also on hand to like, to, you can test me on things right. as well. Right. What, what do you, what do you think of, cause this is one of the things that mm. Dave really hates about Tom Cruise that he does his own stunts. Mm. He's like, who cares? Get a stunt man to do it. <laughs> Dave reckons Doesn't he's, taking, matter. he's taking the job of a stunt man. <laughs> yeah. Well, The Rock had, had a uh, statement about this. Did you see this? Like he, he believes strongly in giving stuntmen the roles because if The Rock injures himself, then like how many millions of dollars that's going to take until that movie can resume totally. production. So it's like the responsibility a side. Cruise. He's but the, the most yeah, famous one. To do pretty much. Of... And all the other, cause, and it becomes a marketing thing to be like, oh, this guy did all these, all these stunts. Or like, oh, the marketing around this scene was actually improvised. Yuck. Yeah. Um, I yeah. hate that stuff. Um, I think I've just started because I've been, I was watching a few other Tom Cruise action mm. movies this week and I... Um, I think it started to make me think about the action scenes. I'm like, I'm thinking about them filming it while mm. they're going on. I'm like, oh, this isn't helpful. I shouldn't know anything about the yeah. process. Yeah, just let me and just let it wash over me. You're about to ruin that for this whole franchise. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it if, like, especially fight scenes, if if they can film the fight in like one nice tight shot. And because they don't need to hide that that isn't really the actors, that that's really nice. Because I love a good fight scene, hand to hand, and you go, oh, cool! They've done some cool, interesting choreography for that. If it's some of those things where they are doing the real leap off a building, and you're like, that could really be anyone doing Mm. that. You didn't really need to break your ankle. That seems a little extreme. (laughs) That seems extreme. But he also loves it, and also. Tom Cruise is a producer and is also sort of in, has insured himself for like whatever cost that it, it takes for him to do his own stunts. So it's not like everyone's like, "Hey, you're not getting paid for the next two months because I hurt my ankle." They're, right. yeah, they're, they're still going to get that time covered. And it seems stuff. like it's really important to him. I think his, you know, his I, Tom Cruise could have his own report about just him yeah. and like his brain and stuff because that's a whole other thing of who is the man off screen yeah um 
Yeah, because we all know that he's done some questionable things in yeah. his private life. He's an odd guy. Oh, I, do. yeah. I didn't know about the questionable things. Which is an odd. Have you heard of Scientology, man? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Didn't you give me that pamphlet on the way here? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you? You did a report on it. Yeah. Yeah. On Scientology. I, yeah. But I, yeah, I knew he was a Scientologist, but I, yeah, I think... I like uh, knowing he does stunts. I think the less I know, the more I can enjoy his films. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you love the films of Roman Polanski so much. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't want to know anything about personal life. He's good stand-up guy, right? <laughs> good work. Your favorite filmmakers, Roman Polanski, Woody Allen, <laughs> and uh, Louis, Louis C.K. <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm blowing up your spot, Matt. Sorry, I apologize. These um, are secret memories. <laughs> secret <laughs> memories. Uh, all right, so Mission Impossible, if you didn't know, started with a TV series that I said was greenlit, greenlit by Lucille herself in the year 1966, which I am told is around the time when Matt graduated high school. <laughs> it's also the year the Saints won their one and only VFL premiership. <laughs> Uh, there's other things that I think the Chicago Bulls were founded that oh, year. Oh, really? Who Michael Jordan ended up playing with. And oh, he, Michael Jordan. He mm. famously wore two pairs of shorts. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know the full story, look it up. It is oh, I've a seen, ball tear. I've seen the, what is it, The Last Dance? I saw that. I didn't know it mm. was a, a TV series. Mm, it's begun as a TV series. Oh. Same, and the, same and with the theme the... song was from that? I guess you're going to spend some time on that. Oh, probably. you, you yes. bet I'm going to mention that theme Fuck song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, most of this report is the theme song. Uh, so it was created and initially produced by Bruce Geller. Uh, no relation to the Gellers from Friends. Uh, <laughs> the show chronicled the exploits of a small covert team of secret government agents known as the Impossible Missions Force. Did you guys know that that's what IMF stands no. for? No. Impossible no. Missions Force. And their sophisticated and subtle methods of deceiving, manipulating, and thwarting hostile Iron Curtain governments, third world dictators, corrupt industrialists, and crime lords, among others. That were your go-to thwarters. Yeah. If you needed something thwarted, <laughs> yeah. IMF. Gosh, we yeah. need something thwarted. Yeah, there's no one thwarting things anymore. No, no. sadly. Can't mm. get yeah, you can't they don't thwart things like they used to. You look in the yellow pages under under teeth of a thwart and it's hard to find. Yeah, because who's got a yellow page? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the first season the team is led by Dan Briggs, and then Jim Phelps takes over in the second season. I, I read that uh Dan Briggs, the actor who played Dan Briggs, uh, had a religious reason that he needed to end his. I think it was Jewish Orthodox, and he had to end his workday by four p.m. So he just became a struggle to, to work oh, with. I think when he's always, I got to knock off at four. So yeah, he got he got booted. So, um, so uh, Phelps usually assembles the 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 same core team of agents, all of whom have careers and some degree of celebrity outside of espionage. Oh. The team is occasionally supplemented by other specialists. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, later on. Uh, so the inspiration from the series, I, I read about this um, from a Mission Impossible fan website called wikipedia.org. Oh, um, wow. Are you guys familiar? Oh, no. Mm, just got um, Mission Impossible facts. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. yeah. About the great. series, the TV series specifically? Or just have movie stuff Anything as well? Anything Mission Impossible you can find. The whole $3.5 billion franchise. Indeed. Holy Wow, that's cool. So a key inspiration for Geller was the 1964 Jules Dassin film Top Cappy. I did not look up how to pronounce that. Uh, Innovated for its methodical depiction of an elaborate heist. So this sort of started as a heist film sort Mm -hmm. of idea, which makes a lot of sense. 
Geller switched the focus away from criminals but kept Dassin's style of minimal dialogue, prominent music scoring and clockwork precision execution by a team of diverse specialists. Several episodes, in fact, show close-up shots of an agent's wristwatch to convey the suspense of working on a deadline. <laughs> oh. Good bit of product placement, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tissot. Yeah, because My like Rolex it... says we only have 30 <laughs> seconds to go. Because James Bond always has, like, a fancy watch, but I think yeah. rarely, I mean, unless he's, like, got a lasso, what is it, like, a little, yeah. he shoots a little thing out of it. Rarely does he have a real good reason to check it. Geller also insisted on minimal character development because he felt that seeing the characters as blank slates would make them more convincing in undercover work and because he wanted to keep the focus on the caper. Geller vetoed attempts by writers to develop the main characters. Even after Geller was removed from the show, the agents were rarely, if ever, seen in their real lives and had only one scene where they interacted at Phelps' apartment. So they were very bland. Even in like the first episode, the main actor did a little smirk after one of the missions and he was told by the producer not to smile, um, which I thought was very strange. That is yeah. so odd. <laughs> so, but you were saying that the characters initially, they all had celebrity set double lives? Well, like celebrity in terms, I think they're using that word a bit broadly, but like they're like iconic sort of things, like this person's, and like one of the team members is a, is an actress. Yeah, so, right. So like... She's been That's like one of the most that. famous kinds of celebrities, myself. Not a good example. <laughs> but she's not a huge, like, superstar <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But that's interesting because yeah. I, I don't think I know what Ethan... I don't think Ethan Hawke has a, a second life. He just lives on an island when he's not... He, Ethan or, Hunt. Ethan Hunt. Ethan, <laughs> <Hawk>? <laughs> Ethan Hawke is an actor. I don't think Ethan Hawke has a life. <laughs> I don't think so. I no, you were just Ethan talking Hawk. about Ethan Hawke as an example of just a guy... <laughs> This Ethan Hawke is an actor. <laughs> yes, man. I'm, I'm all of a sudden, I'm curious to see if, mm. where Ethan Hunt as a character started, if he's from the TV show. I wonder if he'll get to Ethan Hawke at some point. <laughs> oh, my God. The suspense is killing me. You keep looking at your wristwatch. <laughs> Uh, so in the in the show, there's like the origin of a few things like disguises and theatrics to trick people. It's like a lot about brains over brawn. Like a lot of it is about how to entrap and like they they use the term mouse traps a lot to like uh-huh. how can we trick people into like confessing to things. Cheese. Yeah, a lot of cheese being used. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and, I, and I've always liked shows like MacGyver and, and things like Star Trek where they are. Often it's not about... Another one like, of Lucille Ball's great works. This is true. Like yeah. it's not about beating up the bad guys and, and therefore you win. Like it's about using losing your wit, mm. which, I, which I really like. Uh, another iconic thing is that the mission briefing, you know, on that, in those recordings and they say, uh, good morning, Mr. Phelps. Uh, and the tape message usually continues your mission, Jim, should you choose, should you decide to accept it? And then that became choose to accept it for the big nerds. I like choose better. I like choose a lot. And at the conclusion, the listener is reminded as always, should you. Should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Right. And then this tape will destruct in five seconds. Sometimes it was 10 seconds. Ah. But so there was some teething issues. Okay. Like, what's more exciting, five seconds or 10 seconds? Yeah. Sounds like a real toxic relationship between IMF and the agents, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> oh, we're not, we will disavow you if you do anything <laughs> wrong. Oh, yuck. Well, we don't know him. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. don't. Oh, oh, he's not with us. It, it was that, no, that's not one of ours. No. I don't know who that guy e- is. Ethan Hunt? Ethan Hawke? I don't know. I, need, I know Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Is that who you're talking <laughs> that about? Is that who you mean? The actor, Ethan Hawke, who definitely has a second life outside of this. And what? then, of, and then, <laughs> and Sorry, then of course, um, 
And then, of course, the, there would be smoke that would come out of the tape um, that, that was had the recording on it. In some early episodes, the, the, the chemical um, would be added to the tape and then, and then Briggs would blow air onto it, causing the chemical to, to react and destroy the recording. Oh. Um, so it didn't self-destruct. But interestingly, the word self-destruct was coined by the show's writers Whoa. and became widely used after that. Oh, that's Isn't that interesting, interesting that self-destruct didn't exist after yeah. that? What? This is from, of course, wikipedia.org, <laughs> so take everything with a grain of salt, what of if course. You, um, what if you hit play on the tape and then like your phone rang or... Like the cat yes. knocked something over, and then you're like, "Shit, no, I didn't, I didn't get my pen and paper. I, I missed what they said, and then it's gone." Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I think a lot of these guys have really good memories. Yeah. Wow, that must be part of the training, because mm. yeah. I would forget. So if I can't write it down, it's not happening. Yeah, mm. you want it? Oh, can I, oh, I need to find a pen. Need to find a pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm like, it's not in my Google Calendar. Mm. I have no can idea. Can you repeat what you're that back? About. Send me an e invite, yeah. please. Can you e invite yeah. me? Thank you. I'm like, I know we had a phone call about this, but can you send me a follow up email so I have it in writing? Yeah, that's very that's very nice. So let's talk about the iconic theme. That the iconic theme uh, composed by Lalo. Schifrin, uh, who was born Boris Claudio Lalo Schifrin in 1932. He's an Argentine-American pianist, composer, arranger, and conductor. He's best known for his large body of film and TV scores since the 1950s, incorporating jazz and Latin American musical elements alongside traditional orchestrations. He is a five-time Grammy Award winner and has been nominated for six Academy Awards and four Emmy Awards. And this theme was written in just three minutes. Whoa. Three minutes? Yeah, it goes for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you said three days, I was going to be impressed. Three yeah. minutes? Yeah. Doesn't that also mean, like, did you really try that hard <laughs> as well? Like, you'd be like, anyway. Just but imagine not Do-do-do. really trying that hard and you make something iconic. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> That's what I do every week. <laughs> right here on this very podcast. Oh, on this? Oh, okay. I was wondering what you are referring to. <laughs> certainly not my radio work. <laughs> He was uh, he was asked about the theme, uh, where he was. Uh, uh, he said, "I was in Vienna and at a press conference, and one lady asked me why I wrote Mission Impossible in five four time signature." Schifrin told the New York Post, "I said everybody knows that there have been beams from outer space coming because of the interplanetary flights. The people in outer space have five legs and couldn't dance to our music." So I wrote this for them. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> That's fun. As Schifrin said, the reporter believed it, and all the magazines in Vienna published. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been like, "Oh my god, uh, who was on, I talking lady. to?" Jeez. Sarcasm. Oh my come god. on. So it's just been a little bit cheeky. So then. On top of that, the TV series from 1966 was then rebooted in 1988, the year I was born. <gasps> Coincidence? When were you born? 90. Or 1990. And then approximately 88 years before Matt's birth. Um, <laughs> Jim Phelps is back. Before a- my birth? <laughs> you are, Wait, I'm not here yet. You are yet to be alive. <laughs> you are yet to be alive. <gasps> what a way to I mean, find who, out. Who writes this stuff? Um... Did you get that from wikipedia.org? <laughs> yeah. They also have a section on Matt's secrets. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Secret memories. So Jim Phelps is, has been brought back, the, the same actor. He's got a fresh team of recruits. I, I watched one episode of this, and you can find them on YouTube, and it was fun to watch. Like It's very light, 
very silly. Um, so it opens with this. So at a party at a high-rise apartment, a man gets shot with a dart to make him hallucinate that he's on fire. Okay, Ooh. so he gets hit with a dart, and suddenly he's looking at his arms. He's like, oh, my arms are on fire. My legs are on fire. Now, let me ask the two of you mm-hmm. if this happened to you and you, were, you suddenly thought that you were on fire. You don't know you're hallucinating. You just suddenly think Stop, you're on fire. drop. Roll three words. Mm-hmm. What do you what, what do you think? What you do, I would Jess? do is I would run around the room, mm-hmm. flailing my on fire arms, mm-hmm. trying to get as many people, things, pets, whatever, also on fire. Interesting. Okay, so two. The third answer was uh, to jump out the window. That oh. was my second option. And this is because he got shot, he gets shot by an assassin, you know, with this dart. So the assassin. Must have known. Oh, I know what he'll what he'll do. He'll jump out the window. He'll obviously jump out the window. Obviously, because otherwise his plan. Because he also leaves after he shoots him with the dart to not be suspected. Um, and he just goes, yeah. Well, he'll definitely jump out. <laughs> what else could you possibly do? And especially like high rise apartments, usually pretty hard to open a window. It's true. Or, or the win- the windows are quite solid. This is this but is very true. He just jumps true. out a window. He just has, has, that, that's has, the yeah. worst thing you can do. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Because <laughs> you don't like oxygen. You don't want to starve out of oxygen. And there right? wasn't Not... even like a big pool underneath or anything like that. He just jump in the yeah. shower. You know yeah. where the most oxygen is outside. That's true. You're just jumping right into oxygen. Mm. That's dumb. And very uh, dumb. yeah, I, what I would you, surely you would assume that he's going to at least go into a bath or a shower. <laughs> yeah. Or a tap of any kind. To overturn Somebody his fish tank, you know? Drink, mm. Throw a drink at me. Throw, yeah, throw a drink. You want me to throw a drink at you? Yeah, this, yeah. this wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> Sorry, talking was... about in the scene. I'm just saying, hey, Marcel, can you throw a drink at me, please? <laughs> and then let's get back to and whatever you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> so it's like the show's very camp and, and silly. Um, once again, it's more about trapping criminals. So in this episode that I watched, the assassin from the start has killed Jim's best friend. So this is what brings Jim back into the field. Um, And there's even when he goes to the funeral for his friend, the Mission Impossible theme is playing, but it's a sad version of the Mission Impossible theme. Uh, And and all the composers for all the movies after that do play around with the Mission Impossible theme in different sort of ways, which is cool. Um, So they, they need to trap this guy to get his like his main contact so and so they they go to they recruit um a spy who's also a drama teacher <laughs> which i think oh, is yeah. delightful yeah, as a drama teacher myself yeah, um yeah. i think that's great because i also that means i could be called up to be a spy Absolutely. yeah day. as some sort of celebrity yeah. just, a drama <laughs> teacher space jump you know, you'd be able to do stuff like that which is really cool <laughs> but really they are sort of doing like immersive theater on this guy because they they pick up the assassin in a taxi and this guy's a strong Australian, and he's doing an Australian accent but pretending to be British. You know, and like, because Americans don't have good ear for accents, so mm. this Australian guy's sort of doing British, but he just sounds completely Australian. Americans don't have good ears for accents. I didn't I didn't know you that. You haven't heard that? You, you know how you never encountered an American, they're like, oh, are you British? You know, you never had oh, that situation before? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. They don't have a good ear. And like, if you ask an American, I'm speaking very generally, to do an Australian accent, like, it is wild I, I think, think we it, sound like. It just feels like they're two separate the kinds of accents. Like, it's easier... I would, I'm guessing, but it feels like it would be easier for us generally to do an English accent than to do an American accent. Would that be fair? Mm, but there's so many so. Australian actors who work in Hollywood with American accents, I guess. I just I just think Americans, as far as I've encountered them, are very in their own little 
part of the universe. Right. They don't really think much I'm, about I'm it. I'm talking general. I can do American or English equally Can you well. show us a little taste? Yeah. Do you I'll... need a phrase to say? Or... Yeah, well, ask me a question. I'll... Um, oh, <clears throat> where's uh, your favorite restaurant in Melbourne? Oh, favorite uh, restaurant in Melbourne? Oh, let me have a think here. Um... Where are you from again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm from America. I'm and, sure. uh, what, part, America. what part of America? From America. Um, no, from America. I'm oh. from America. Um, yeah, I'm from the Midwest and uh, or you know the California coast. I've uh-huh. tra- actually traveled around it. Uh, accent's a little muddled because of that, but I mm. um, yeah, I uh, I love a little bagel place down on third uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> down on third. Yeah, down on third Enough. and uh, okay. talk to Keith there. He's fantastic and he'll uh, he'll he'll hook you up if you yeah, tell right. him my name, which is uh, Johnny Pizzazz. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was. I mean, this was awkward that like someone named Johnny Pizzazz happened to walk in and interrupt Matt's impersonation. <laughs> Matt was about to do that impersonation, and Johnny Pizzazz walks in. <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Matt, do you want to try it now? Now that Johnny Pizzazz is left. Um. Oh no. I mean, we've already had an American. I could do an English one if yeah, you like. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. Well, you ask me a question. Or... Uh, <clears throat> Jess, do you want to ask this question? Yeah, I'll ask a question. Mm. Um. Uh. Hey, Matt. What are you? What are you doing tonight? My doing tonight, uh, good question that. Um, probably uh, head over to uh, this great bagel place on Third. Um, <laughs> talk to Keith, uh, he'll look after you. Just tell him I sent you. Uh, my name is Johnny Pizzazz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so weird that another guy named Johnny Pizzazz walked in right before you were going to do that impersonation. Matt, do you want to do. The actual impersonation? What? I mean, I don't know. What? What Why is this bloody central station here? Everyone's coming in and out. We're trying to podcast here. God. Yeah. Honestly, we probably should get back to the report. But yeah, I, I would have so. loved to have had a go. <laughs> um, but what's great as well, so you might have heard about the, the, the people doing using masks and disguises in the Mission Impossible series. So in the 1988 version, they don't have the technology where like they're getting uh, like a a computer chip attached to their neck or whatever that that changes their voice. Um, In this one, they're just very good at impersonating people. So there's multiple scenes in this one episode where like they're listening to a recording of the assassin and the guy's going... Oh, let me just uh, try and see if I can get this voice. Hmm, a little bit deeper, a little, mm, a little bit up, and then it swaps to a dubbing over. <laughs> yeah, so it's just the other actor great. doing the voice, and it's so amazing. It's like, oh, wait, I've nailed it now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that awesome. is that is very it's, good. It's very very funny because it would have been hard. Like the mask thing, I guess, would have been harder to pull off with. Smaller bud- TV budgets in the yeah. 80s? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of disguises. I was t- I was listening to a podcast called Light the Fuse that digs deeper in. Like, they've got, like, over 100 episodes on everything Mission Impossible. Wow. And um, they were a great resource. And there are some episodes, I believe there's an episode where they are disguised as um, people from uh, the Arabic people, I believe uh. they were described as. So they do a little bit of brown face in the show, which is a little... Awkward yeah. in today's world. It's a hard. It takes you out of it, doesn't it? When mm. you're watching something, you're like, oh, you know, it's it's dated, but it's a bit of fun. Oh no, <laughs> oh no, I'm not enjoying it oh, anymore. Whoopsie daisy. So let's get stuck into the movies, which is really why we're here. I just yeah. wanted to tell you a little bit about the TV series to get us stuck into it. So as I say, they've they've made over $3.5 billion to date. They're the 16th highest grossing film series of all time. Wow. Name a top 15. Just go. 
uh, series, mm. Sound podcast, of Music 1 like. and 2. <laughs> there's Be- a second movie? There's a second one. It's not good. Do the Nazis come <laughs> back? Yeah, the Nazis the get them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's shit. not good. Sound of Music 2. Nazis fight back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Less sounds of music. Oh, um, I actually don't worry about the rest of that list. <laughs> So the general formula, if you don't know, the general shape of these movies is like Act 1, a mission doesn't quite go to plan. Uh Act 2, they have an extremely tricky mission. Some might say impossible mission um, to try and pull off. And then Act 3 is usually the showdown or like a third mission to make up for the main mission not quite going to plan. That's usually the the sort of framework. Did they play around with the different title? Mission a bit tricky. <laughs> Mission pretty tough. I'm sure there was a pretty. I'm sure there's a million parodies of this stuff. So yeah, I'm yeah. sure there are. I should also. I should. You should forgive me because also this show, this movie series is called Mission Colon Impossible. Mm. So sorry about that. I didn't make that quite clear. It's Mission Colon Impossible. I don't know if I like it. Mm. I mean, it makes where sense would you put the grammatically. I understand the need for it. Yeah, where would I put the colon? Mm. Probably uh, uh, in the in my guts. Oh. <laughs> I reckon. I would have just that's used where the, I put the colon. Yeah, I think that's where it belongs. Get it back in there. So I think you should take it off this table and put it back where it fucking Do belongs. I have a colon? Yeah, I got Do a colon. Do you have a colon? Got a colon? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, wait, this is a medical emergency. Like a one. Yeah, yeah, probably. You do. <laughs> <laughs> do I have a colon? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a colon? <laughs> brief moment where I was like thinking of it like a prostate. I was yeah. like, I don't have one of those, do I? <laughs> Wait, is colon is that the, what is that the technical name for a dick and balls? Have <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those or not? It's fine either way. I'm, I'm, I just... Upcoming special report just on the colon. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so Mission Impossible, 1996. What were you guys doing in 1996? Oh, I was in. Uh, I was probably the year I was in prep. First year of school, I think, or was that ninety? Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was uh, I was uh, redoing year seven for the, I think a hundredth time or so. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. It uh, hundred times just didn't take. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it took me a long one. time to get through school. Uh, hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah right. But he got there, and we we're very proud of him. Yeah. So this one was directed by Brian De Palma, who's famous for The Untouchables, Scarface, and also I found out the music video for Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh. Yeah. So quite an oeuvre, as they Classic. say. Classic. Mm. So Brian, Brian De Palma wanted to make his own thing, as evidenced by, by this behind-the-scenes anecdote. So uh, the person responsible for directing more episodes of the original original Mission Impossible television series than anyone else was asked by the head of Paramount Pictures to be present on the set for consulting and advising. Director Brian De Palma approached him and told him how much he had enjoyed the original series. He also added that the movie would be nothing like the television show and that his presence on the set would only result in making both of them uncomfortable. And then Reza, uh, the the director, thanked him for his honesty and left the set never to return. Oh, that's so I, awkward. And I kinda, but I kind of liked that that's as right. well. You yeah, know, yeah. Paramount said, oh, you should come and be present. And then Brian's He's gone like, like, don't worry yeah, about don't, it. Yeah, it'll be a waste of your time. Yeah. 
And the guy's like, sick, thanks for telling me. Hooray. It is boring to ha- hang out on film sets. Film sets are so boring. They're incredibly Imagine boring. Imagine if, and you don't have anything really to do. Yeah, exactly. Which is what most people are most of the time, right? Mm. Yeah. It's a lot of sitting and waiting. Waiting to be consulted. Hey, what do you reckon about this shot? Yeah. Do you reckon it's good that I've filmed the actors in it? Or <laughs> yeah, something? it's good. I think it was a good choice to film the actors. Do you usually point the camera at the actors when you were doing the Mission Impossible? TV series. Cameras are a bit bigger, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big help. Thanks, Can I get you a cuppa? Oh, you just want to head off? Yeah, all right. All right. All right. So this, this feels a little bit like a gritty reboot, and I feel like Batman Begins was like when people started using the term gritty reboot, but I feel like the 90s had its share of gritty reboots. Like, even movies like GoldenEye, which came out the year before, had a little bit of grittiness to it. A lot of, like, post- Cold War movies. Mm. Batman 1990 at the time was a gritty reboot of the 1960s ones. I don't, I don't know that much about the Bond films, but I, I didn't realise Pierce Brosnan was part of the gritty reboot. But I guess because before that, was Roger Moore was like even sillier or something. Yeah, I mean, the, the GoldenEye in comparison to the other ones is much more grounded. It's right. way sillier compared to Casino Royale. Yeah, but yeah. like at the time, it was a it was a shift. Yeah. And you got Judy Dench turning up, you know? I love you, Judy There's Dench. There's no one grittier. There's no one I grittier than Judy. Love Judy I love Dench. her. I love her too. Um it was yeah, written not by a fan. <laughs> It was yeah. written by David Kep, who wrote Jurassic Park and one of my all time mm. favorite Alec Baldwin movies, The Shadow. You guys have you guys ever seen The Shadow? No, was I don't that think like I've a seen it. Is that like a, an old comic book or something? It is. It was based on a noir radio show and turned into a movie. It's delightful. It's 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 very camp and silly if you're into that sort of thing. If you do, you guys like romps? Yeah, <laughs> I it's love a romp. a romp. Oh my god, I love a romp. It was produced by Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. So all the Mission Impossible movies have been produced by Cruise. So he's yeah. always had a level of control. Some might say cruise control. <laughs> Sorry, I did not write that down, but I felt in my head it had to be said out loud. I paused to see if anyone else was going to take that You said up. it, but then you did a mat and instantly regretted it, kind of, but you also delighted in it, which is beautiful to Some watch. might say cruise control. Yeah. I just want to get that clean in case you need it for the edit. Dave would have said it for sure mm. if Dave was here. So um, I'm talking like he's dead. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Moment of silence. Um <laughs> Dead to us. R.I.P. <laughs> Rest in pie. Um, Rest in pie. Rest in pie. Uh, unlike unlike Michelle, I'm gonna my my summaries of the movies. I'm gonna use the wiki synopsis, and then I'm gonna, just gonna pull out a bunch of other things. So if the movies don't seem super clear, feel free to to shake me if you cool. want. Wiki does it cops a bit of shit, but the, it it does some things really well, and, mm. and synopsises are often the best ones online yeah, or yeah. on the wiki. I think so too. So. Uh, in the first movie, Ethan Hunt is framed for the murder of his IMF team during a botched mission in Prague and accused of selling government secrets to an arms dealer known only as Max. On the run, Ethan seeks to uncover the real traitor and clear his name. Mm. Mm. Intriguing. I don't think a, like a, you know an anonymous kind of person only known as Max. It's not that, I don't know, it's just not very intimidating. What's a better name? Like as in it should be like only known as the Baron. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You know, yeah. but just Mr. like Max. X. Yeah, Mister Mr. X. X something with a bit more mm. mystery, but it's like Max. I I know people called Max, and they're lovely. Mm, so I'm not intimidated true. by that. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we can get on the phone to Brian. 
Yeah, what about Skullface? <laughs> yeah, known only as Skullface. Oh, should, I, should I redo it? Yeah. Ethan Hunt is framed for the murder of his IMF team during a botched mission in Prague and accused of selling government de- se- secrets to an arms dealer known only as Skullface. Ooh. Yes, now I'm watching that movie. I'm, oh, just got a chill. Got chills. Okay. Every time Max comes up later on, I'll just say Skullface. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. That's it. Max is his first name. Max Skullface. <laughs> so Ethan Hunt, uh, I was surprised to find out that Ethan Hunt was an original character created for Tom Cruise. I assumed uh, that, you know, he I must be in the original well. series. And did you know that Tom Cruise's full name is Thomas Cruise Mapatha the Fourth? No. He, oh, Cruise is his middle name. I believe so, according to his surname is Mapatha. 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 I don't know if, the, and this is why Cruise maybe deserves his own thing because, like, I don't know if that's also like a Scientology name, like his alien name uh, or something. Mapatha. Like the fourth. Oh. I don't know why that fourth is there. Like that seems extreme. But anyway. It's also just kind of weird to think of him as a Thomas, you know? This is true. He's not a Thomas. Yeah. Some people you're just so used to their shortened name. Like, like okay, so like my friend Mish Wittrup, if mm-hmm. we're ever out and she has to put her name down for something and she says Michelle, I'm like, what? Who are, who's that? Who's Who the Michelle? hell is Michelle? Mm. You're Mish. Mm-hmm. Very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or when I we go out and I put my name down as Matt Alexander, um, you're like, what? Mm. I didn't know that's what it was short for, but it is, yeah. Metalexander. Metalexander. <laughs> yeah. It's long and it's stupid, but it's we his name. We love him. It's his name and we love him. So this first movie is more espionage than action. Not only is it the first mm. only film in the franchise when Ethan Hunt doesn't fire a gun, it's the only one to not have any shootouts or gunfights. There's only five gunshots in the whole movie. Wow. Isn't that wild? Because I watched them all back to back to back in mm. a week. They're all they've all blurred together, but this yeah. is the one the classic drop down on the wire. You better believe drop of it sweat is. sort of thing. Mm. Yes, uh, that iconic. That, that is scene. iconic. Simpsons probably parodied that. I would have thought. I think everyone's had a little go, <laughs> just like everyone did their own Matrix parody. Everyone yeah. did their yeah. Mission Impossible. So the team, I won't tell you too much about the team that gets killed off in Act 1, besides Emilio Estevez. Oh, yeah. That was shocking because mm. you're watching the film going, he obviously survives. He won't mm. get crushed by this elevator. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was deliberate. They wanted at least one face in that in that first team that you're going, oh, okay, cool. We're going to be with Emilio for the whole movie. And like I watched this as... I would have been about seven at the time. I had older brothers, and it's a it's a PG thirteen M rated movie in Australia. So like it is that means you can sort of watch it with parental guidance. Um, but it's pretty violent. Like mm. the first scene, Emilio is getting smushed by this elevator, and then like also blades come out at the top that he gets sort of impaled by. You don't see it all, but it's heavily implied. And as a kid, that was always sort of worse. Real yeah. nightmare fuel stuff. Yeah, like in that movie. Remember? Did you ever see that movie Volcano? Where like the guy gets melted in the subway. Oh no! Oh, I, no. I, I did see Dante's Peak, which I think came mm. out about the same time when yeah. volcano movies were big. And the grandma gets melted in the yeah. river. Yeah, that's... with the boat. Is that it? Yeah, 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 she pushes the boat. And you rewatch that movie. She, I don't know Doesn't how much you really to. needed to jump out and yeah. push that boat. I think she just wanted, she was just tired. Yeah, she yeah. was like, time "Leave to me! Go. I'm 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 done. Wow. This is this is hard. I was wrong to doubt the mountain. Oh, <laughs> I um. Yeah, I um, reckon around the same time I remember seeing a movie called Executive Decision, mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if this was a big thing at the time where they, they'd kill off a big character that you didn't expect. Because Steven Seagal, I think it was sort of like top build in the film almost. And he died in the first 10 minutes. Really? I didn't. I thought like Steven Seagal had a, a clause in his contract that he can never lose a fight. Oh. That's interesting. Probably, Maybe it was after this movie. And it, he might have sort of martyred himself or something. I can't remember. Interesting. Mm, interesting. He, he might have personally made the executive decision to kill himself. <laughs> That's the titular executive decision. Kill himself off in the movie. So so Brian De Palma doesn't really do fun for the whole family movie, which the movie sort of evolved to become. After the original team is killed, Ethan Hunt has to put a new team together. He recru- recruits Luther Stickle, played by Bing Rames, perhaps most famous for playing Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, and Krieger, played by Jean Reno, um, acclaimed French actor. Mm. You, know, you might know him from... Movies like The Professional or um, Godzilla, the 1990s Godzilla. And also Claire, played by Emmanuel Bier, uh, joins them as the only other survivor from the botched mission who used to have a relationship with Jim Phelps, who, ah. who's a returning character who oh, gets, cool. the, gets the mission. So the movie opens with Jim Phelps, played by John Voight this time. The original actor did not come back, receiving his mission on a passenger jet via an in-flight movie on a videotape. So this really shows like yeah. the, the era. Uh, he lights a cigarette on the plane to disguise the tape self-destructing. So it's a cool little opening moment. Hmm. That's in I didn't realize he was a returning character. That's great. Hmm. That adds a little sum. Then a certain, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but I like, like the a little, little fan service sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, sort of certain, sort of fan je ne sais quoi. Oh, interesting. I don't know if you could put it in those sort French of terms. There. Um, That's something that uh, Leon the professional <laughs> might have said. <laughs> We're introduced to Hunt and his team at the end of a mission using masks and trickery to get their target to give up his secrets. It's a classic IMF-style moment from, like, from the TV show, doing a bit of theatre to track, trick the baddies. I'll, uh, each each movie, I'll, I'll mention some of the cool gadgets that, that feature. It's not, Love that. It's never James Bond sort of levels, but they always have a few things. Um Masks are a big fixture of the films, like I mentioned before. Like they always love a, a mask reveal where they they pull off their mask and that they were a different person than the person we thought they were. Um, and I'll, it's the it's the same as the, the the voice version in the old TV shows. It's like they just fully change <laughs> actor, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. then the, it's just that mask coming off and the mask on the ground. You're like that didn't do this. <laughs> There's no way. There's no <laughs> way. That's a mask. Made. And the other funny thing is in this. I'm sure it's this first film. Mm. Uh, Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. <laughs> goes in under disguise, but it's clearly Tom Cruise in disguise. But every other disguise is perfectly the other actor. Yeah, the senator that he's doing the impression of also looks a lot like Tom Cruise. Yeah, so like yeah. him doing the disguise is just him. But it makes sense because like otherwise that whole first mission you wouldn't have a Tom Cruise performance in right, it. So it yeah. does make sense. Yeah, but, had, it, it, yeah, it had to be in there for mm-hmm. that reason. Yeah. Otherwise you're like, where's where's Tom? <laughs> where's the guy I bought the ticket for? There's also this movie features explosive chewing gum as well um, it's, it's green on one side and red on the other so then when you combine it it explodes ah. and Emilio explains to, to Hunt he says um, red light green light to explain how it works which is an explanation, I suppose. Yeah. Sure. A so what are you supposed to do well. with it? You, you smush them together and then like smush it on whatever you need to explode. And then well, Marcel, you're, you... over to, you're over explaining. <laughs> Jess, red light, green light. Sorry, got it. I'm just thinking like, I mean, you know, you might need to explode a wall to stop. But why not just give somebody the chewy and then they 
chew it and then they they explode. Yeah, I you mean, know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, how many guys are accepting the chewy that you need? To, if like, if you're if you've been captured by them, you're like, hey, before, yeah. <laughs> stand next to that wall and chew on this. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, your breath stings. Here oh, you go. Wow. I'll look after you. Sorry, I'm the good cop. Yeah, I won't tell anybody how bad your breath is. Um. So Kittredge is a big character in this first movie. He's the director of IMF. And after the first mission uh, goes to shit, Eugene Kittredge meets Hunt on, in a restaurant in Prague and accuses him of being the mole that destroyed the mission. Uh, the mole was just trying to get the knock list, which is a list of undercover agents' real identities. This is the MacGuffin of the first movie. Every movie has a MacGuffin. None of the MacGuffins really matter like mm-hmm. in terms of like what they actually do they just need something to chase of course um this scene is full of dutch tilts uh to create unease and tension and i appreciate the dutch tilt as a dutch person a big fan uh, but what it, are like, your oh. thoughts on the dutch oven <laughs> not a fan not a, not fan. a fan interesting uh, okay. okay my wife hates it you're, <laughs> you're picking and choosing what dutch you like i love all du- dutch things dutch pancakes <laughs> Dutch history? Uh-oh. Um, don't look into it too much. Um, so realizing that Hunt is in a s- sticky situation, he he uses his explosive chewing gum on the nearby giant fish tank and leaps out the restaurant. Oh, it's a really great good. scene where he, he dives out the window and, and Kittredge is like, what am I going to do? I'm surrounded by fish. <laughs> yeah. you know He's trying like... to pick up the fish. <laughs> Somebody get buckets of water They're quick. flipping and flopping on the ground. Hunt Kittredge knows that fish. I love fish. Oh, I love these fish. I need I love, to chase it, but I love fish too much. When they use editing in that sort of way to, to don't show like why they couldn't really pursue the guy, you know, like they're not. There's not really a good reason why yeah. he could get away in that situation. But most of these movies is Ethan Hunt on the run or having to pretend he's on the run, and Kittredge becomes his pursuer for the rest of the movie. So he's having Hunt is having to find who the mole is after his whole team is dead, while also Kittredge at IMF is like, we've got to get Hunt because we think Hunt. It was the mole. And who, who's Kittrich again? Who, he's the director of the IMF. And the actor, that's not Voight. No, no the... Voight is Jim Phelps, who dies in the first mission. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. His mission goes... He was played by Emilio Estevez. No. <laughs> <laughs> was Voight, Voight was played by Estevez? Estevez is just a tech guy. Okay. Yeah. Man in the van. He's man, the Simon Pegg character. He's the man on top of an elevator for some <laughs> reason. Um... So unlike most of the future movies where, like, you know who the villain is from the start, this movie is like, oh, who's the mysterious mole? Who is the villain? Um, Hunt meets Max, who's played by Vanessa Redgrave. She's a shady underworld broker. Oh, sorry, Skullface. Did we say Skullface? Skullface. Yeah, Max okay. Skullface. Sorry, Hunt meets with Skullface, played by Vanessa Redgrave, uh, a shady underworld broker, and agrees on a deal to steal the knock list himself from the CIA in order to get contact with the mole, codename Job. Like from the Bible. Job. You're, you're a Bible person? Yeah. Oh, big Bible people over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Have yeah, you done yeah. an episode on the, Bible? the good book? Uh, not yet. No. Saving that for uh, lucky number 400. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, when I hear Job, I think of Job Watson, the mm. old Essendon captain. <laughs> I think of Arrested Development. Yeah, oh, this, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. So, yeah, you are correct. So I will mention uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that there is, a, there is a cable guy moment in every... In almost every movie, and this one, of course, has the, is the the CIA CIA building where Ethan Hunt has to drop in via the ceiling to slide down. Okay, not slowly. A Jim Carrey yeah, cable guy. Cable guy. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> 
Um, so Brian De Palma describes it as as setting a suspense hook, and then like so, you, once you set set the suspense hook, then you can milk it for all it's worth. So in this scene where they have to break into the CIA, uh, the computer is protected by heat sensors. You can't make sound. You can't touch the floor. And then that means, all right, let's throw... What if a rat comes in? Uh, what if he starts to sweat? What if Jean Renault has to sneeze? What if the guy is coming back to the computer? What if uh, Jean Renault's knife falls out of his pocket? So they, they find everything they can do to go, all right, what can go mm. wrong to make this extra intense? So there's a big chunk of the movie is, uh, is sitting around with a whiteboard and just... Troubleshooting. Probably. Yeah, Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll talk more about the set pieces as we go on. Um, while filming the film, famous scene where Tom Cruise drops in the ceiling. Oh, wait, that was behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he, when he was filming the scene, Cruise's head kept hitting the floor um, when he was got moving down. Like, I think just the weight distribution. So he got the idea, apparently, to put coins in his shoes for balance. I'm not quite sure... How that works? He's how, got a small head, doesn't he? How many Famously coins you have to No, put? he's got a big head. So he's got to have a lot of coins. How many coins do you think we're rattling around in your shoes to... What in the hell? Yeah. Shoes, coins in the shoes, that'll balance it out. Yeah, coins in Great the shoes. Great call, Tom. Why didn't any of us think of that? <laughs> All right, let's get some coins for Mr. Cruz's shoes. Not like ankle weights or something? No, 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 coins. Coins in the I shoes. Need a 50, I need two 50-cent pieces. <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. And I'm balanced. Um... I, I want to tell you, if you uh, every every move I tell you one of the cool spy moves. In this one, one of my favorite ones is like when Ethan Hunt is hiding out after running away from Kittridge. He finds an apartment, and when he's going in there, he takes a bulb off the light in the hallway leading up to the apartment, breaks the light bulb, and then moves it along the the hallway so he'll be able to hear the crunch oh. of anyone's feet would they approach. Because there were no cornflakes handy. Yeah, the cornflakes are much harder. And I think it would be less cool if we saw a scene where he bought some cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to see him at the shop. And then he, and then he sees the crunchy nut yeah. cornflakes and he's like, perfect. And then he sees some bubble wrap like, in the produce yes. section. And then he lines up behind an old lady who's trying to get the exact change. And he's just there a bit bored. And then, then... He, that's when he has his light bulb moment, which is him taking a light bulb. <laughs> and also, and he's looking for that exact change. He goes, I'm going to use put that in my shoes. <laughs> While um, I'm here, can I get a little change for a 10? Uh, the big finale of this movie is uh, a showdown on a moving train. I think we all like sh- moving trains. Love shows. that. Love that. Love that when a tunnel is coming. Also, I love any movie where like all the key players are invited to the same place. You know, everyone that has a stake in the in the movie is like, oh, lured to the same location. Yeah. So you've got Skullface there, you've got Kittredge there. They've all been lured there, and they all you know don't quite know what go- is going on. We also learn who the mole was, uh. and the mole was Jim Phelps himself. No. He just pretended to die. Yeah. Don't you, this is why he didn't want the original director there. He's like, I'm going to make your hero the villain. <laughs> you are 100% <laughs> right. The original cast response that I'll tell you about, um, none of them were into it. They, 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 I imagine they would have hated None of them liked that. the movie because rumor had it as well that they initially were thinking about getting the original cast back to kill him off in Act 1, that they would be the team oh, that, that gets killed yeah. off. Cool. Yeah. Which is not a, it's a t- sort of a cool idea. Um, that was just a rumor. No one wanted to go to see the premiere. Only one actor accepted the invitation. 
and he walked out halfway through, which is probably about when it's revealed who right. the mole is, and they would have gone, but he's the hero of the whole series, and, and oh. you've just made him the bad guy, which is a cool move for people that aren't, I guess, in love um, with yeah. that. It's a bit, yeah, it's like a, an even more full-on Ryan Johnson thing, what he did with Star Wars. Oh, right? yeah. Exactly, the fans up in arms, and like I guess people with the Ghostbusters watching the Ghostbusters be like, they would never be women. What are they doing? <laughs> women can't see ghosts. <laughs> we all know that they can only be ghosts. I remember at the time with all the backlash, Martin Dunlop did a a, a little listicle about the reasons why it won't work to mm. gender swap. And one of the reasons was, how are they going to do the scene where Bill Murray takes his balls out and makes everyone look at his balls? <laughs> A great question. A great question. And then Melissa McCarthy got her balls out. <laughs> she made it work. Yeah. I've butchered Martin's bit there, but something like that. I'm sure it was um, incredibly funny. So this is actually similar to Goldeneye that came out the year before that the villain turns out to be a former ally jaded by the Cold War, jaded by his job, and who he had assumed had died in Act 1. So uh, yes. coincidence? Um, Claire and Krieger also revealed themselves to be working for Phelps. Claire is shot by Phelps before attempting to escape uh, the moving train via a helicopter piloted by Krieger. Uh, Hunt manages to leap onto the helicopter from the train and slap some exploding chewing gum onto the helicopter's windscreen. He yells out, red light, green light. That's good. Even though that no one around him would have been able to hear him. Doesn't matter, it's very good. <laughs> he goes, red light, and then slaps it down, green light. And then, you know, you've got Jean Renault looking at that going, and you hope he knows yeah, yeah, yeah. also what exploding chewing gum looks like because he wasn't there when that was explained right. in Act 1. Um, but I guess he might just know, or he might be like, why is he putting gum on the... Does yeah, he think that's, that's, that's going to obscure my vision or something <laughs> that I won't be able to see? It's a tiny amount. It's a speck. I can still see what's is going on. Is he saying I've got bad breath? Because <laughs> I just brushed. <laughs> I always brush before a mission. <laughs> um, and then Jim Phelps also gets... He's, he's holding on to the um, bottom of the helicopter at the time because he's trying to escape. And quite graphically shows him as the helicopter crashes, sort of grinding him into the ground. So that's also a moment that the original cast probably wouldn't have enjoyed. Yeah, um, what a way real, to go, the real hero. Tribute, real tribute to, <laughs> to the old cast. Um, bit of trivia, Bing Rames was going to be killed off in Act 3 uh, on the train, but this was changed in the script um, when Bing Rames asked David Kep, why does the black guy always got to die? And they went, Ah, good point. Yeah. I mean, everyone's dying, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, good, uh, good that point. That was a... Geez, that question led to him getting, what, eight more films? Yes, he is in every one of them. Um, so it doesn't hurt great. to just raise those questions. Great question. Know? Yeah. You could, be, you could be giving yourself a lot more work. Exactly. Why miss out on and I imagine they, like he keeps getting the jobs because he's very good and people love him. And it's actually, they might have realized it's actually nice to have some continuity between films yeah. rather like than killing too. everyone. Yeah. Each the time. Marvel movies are bad for this. They kill off the villains every time and then you're like, oh, well, now you can't bring them back in interesting ways. Like they're just yeah. dead and you're always having to reset, reset, reset. Take him to Gotham Prison. Yeah, exactly. And wait for him to escape. <laughs> Let him break out. Yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So let's jump into Mission Impossible 2, the year... 2000. Ooh. Where were you guys in the year 2000? Um, I was awaiting um, a family trip to Sydney for to view the Olympic Games. Interesting. And but I was I, no, at no, no, Olympic Station. <laughs> Olympics. I was at Olympic Stadium hanging from a wire singing a song as a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <a> twist. <laughs> okay. You've lived a life. Beat that. No, back to mine. Um, well, you might have seen me there. I didn't see you there because I didn't get to go because I got chicken pox. Oh, no. The week before the Olympics. So my brother and my dad went and mum and I had to stay home. So I missed the Olympics. Did your mum have chicken pox too? Nah. Just me. Oh, that's a sad That's a sad story. Sad yeah. story, but a good mum. Speaking good of mom. Sydney, guess where Mission Impossible 2 was mostly filmed? Yeah, this is Los the Angeles? bad one as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst. I'll spend the least amount of time on this. So okay. don't think that every one of them is going to be equally the same length. Was, but, um, is this the, I'm trying to think which one had the Metallica song. I, oh, that's a great question. I did write down. I think this might have been the Bono one, or they maybe they might have done the first two, The Edge, and um, one of the other members of U two did the first one. This might have been Led no, Limp Bizkit. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That feels very too. And that yeah, because they yeah, they like Fred Durst sort of sang or rapped over um the th- a version of the theme, right? Yeah, it's embarrassing. This whole movie sucks. Um, <laughs> well, it's a shame it's, it's the Aussie one, and it's yeah. also got... Um, who, who was in Rake? Who stars in Rake? Oh, a bit of Richard Roxburgh. Richard Roxburgh is mm. in it. Rake himself. So I think this is a result of the, 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 the Matrix era where every movie had to be cool now. Like, we wanted a cool movie. And I, and I think... 
Like I would have been twelve-ish by this time, and I wanted every movie to be cool as yeah. well. I, I I was thrilled to see Ethan Hunt with sunglasses on now. <laughs> so like, it's like, what if Ethan Hunt was a mountain climber that did kung fu? What if his mission was sent to him in a little missile that had a pair of Ray Bans in them, a little <laughs> microphone? What if Ethan Hunt had a sort of wavy mullet thing now? That's that's what if what if John Woo directed it? Cool. Look, I'm I'm I said this is the only bad one. I've taken that back. <laughs> this sounds amazing. It sounds incredible. It is a lot of fun. Like it's very silly, and I I love a light film. Um, uh, there was slow, there's slow mo and there's pigeons. Uh, apparently, his first <laughs> cut of the movie was three and a half hours. Ooh. I always find that when like they they release that sort of trivia, sort of strange. It's like you've done a bad job if that was your first cut. Like no yeah. movie should be that long. Um, I assume it was mostly slow mo. Uh, <laughs> Cruz's <And pigeons. laughs> goal was to have each movie uh, be sort of episodic, so it would have a different style, um, which sort of makes sense. But having a different director, this movie was written by Robert Town, who was a writer on Chinatown and apparently a contributor to the first Mission Impossible movie. The wiki synopsis: Ethan goes. Back in action and works with professional thief Naya Nordoff Hall, which is p- played by uh, uh, I want to nail this Tandyway Newton, uh, an Australian Billy Baird, um, who oh the duo go undercover to stop rogue IMF agent Sean Ambrose, probably the the, the shittiest villain name Ambrose. Yeah. Uh, he's also Naya's former lover. <gasps> from stealing a deadly virus, starting a pandemic, what? and selling the antidote to the highest bidder. Mm. Maybe this is why I didn't like watching this movie in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole idea is like, if I can create a huge pandemic, but also have the cure to the yeah, pandemic, yeah. Money, money, money. then I've, I've, I'm, I'm a genius. I mean, isn't that also the... Um... Story of Big Pharma? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, isn't that also the story of Big Pharma and also Kingsman 2? That's that, I think that happened. Electric yeah, Boogaloo. that's true. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's mm. not necessarily a pandemic. I like the Kingsman like, movies. They're fun. I yeah. like them See, too. Freaking romp. They but, are romp, and they're all they're so silly, but they're fun. So and silly. the latest so one was particularly silly. Yeah, let's go watch a romp. Let's just hang out. And the way they introduced Hitler at the end of the last one. <laughs> oh, that was weird. Was that so was bad. so strange. But I laughed so scene. big. It was so. I I've not laughed that loud in public in a long time. I assume they were having fun. Yeah, obviously having fun. Yeah, because. Colin, so Colin Firth just kicking the shit out of people. Mm, it's good. I'll fun. watch that any day. It mm. was basically like, let's do a, a Marvel character reveal, but it's Hitler. Yeah, so I, it funny. Was, it was amazing. Um, so the payday for Tom Cruise apparently was seventy-five million dollars. <laughs> Oh. You, you make good money if you're the producer. You're like, oh, what if the most of the money was uh, spent on me? This is the only film in the series where Ethan Hunt doesn't go on the run and instead just does a mission for the IMF. This is the only one where he's just doing a mission. He's not falsely accused sort of thing. Yeah, he's not falsely accused or having to go on the run or, yeah, shadow operative mode. How many times do you have to be falsely accused of something, prove you didn't do it, until people are just like, I reckon maybe Ethan didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> He's the boy who didn't cry wolf. Yeah. He's working so hard for his peers to just like treat him as an equal. Yeah. Oh, well, my God. Well, sometimes he's on the run because they think he is on the run. Sometimes he's, they're pretending ah. he's a ghost operative or whatever. So sometimes it's deliberate. Some, you, know, it's, you know, it's spy stuff. Yeah, it's spy, spy stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
as I said, this one has a lot of Australia in it. The Outback, the Opera House, the Randwick, the Randwick Race Course. It's it's very tacky. I find watching Australia on screen is often it's not very filmic. I think. Have you watched Lost? Yeah, because um, the there's a lot of like flashbacks are in Sydney yeah, or in strange. Australia, and yeah. the opera house is in the background of every scene. It just to feel make like it I'm watching a show, yeah, it takes me out of it. It just makes it just to make it nice and clear that this particular <laughs> scene is happening in Australia. Oh, look you at that! Put opera house, Uluru, or Sydney oh, Harbour. It's in so it. funny. It's got to be an outback. Yeah, that, in this movie they did that where they it was like cut from Sydney Harbour and to the red yeah. dust of the outback. Yeah, as like if their they hideout just... is in there. Yeah. Yeah. They're so far away from <laughs> each but other. But it's, it's the kind of thing that's not going to worry anyone else, no, I guess. No, no, no. But it just takes you out of it because you oh, know totally. it's a bit silly. But, yeah, but no, I mean, this just... is a super silly movie anyway. But like with Lost, it didn't matter which character it was. No matter where they were in every scene, <laughs> they were always right by the opera house. You would have hated water rats because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every crime was happening. They were big crimes. That the water police wouldn't normally handle murders, but yeah. they would be they would be happening under the Sydney Harbour yeah, Bridge or time. on the steps of the Opera House. It's good for tourism, and I love that bridge. Oh my god, do I love you that freaking bridge? That but you bridge. can't see it from every house in Sydney. <laughs> so it seems like Tom Cruise wanted to be closer to Nicole. This was the during uh, the Kidman era. Uh, this was also the highest grossing movie of two thousand, beating really? Gladiator. And Castaway. Wow. So the team in this one, Luther is back with new additions. Uh, Nia Hall, as I say, by uh, Tandy Wayne Newton and Australian Billy Baird, who I mentioned. Uh, The the cable guy moment of this one, uh, Tom Cruise jumps off a helicopter this time into a building and and finishes with that, I I call it like a starfish move. Yeah. I I think that's a good little bit of imagery. Yep. Uh, as I say, this is a post-Matrix movie. Uh, it's made for 12-year-olds. He does kung fu. There's ludicrous kick flips off the ground. He like he is sort of a member of the A-team or Charlie's Angels now all of a sudden. like He literally has moments where he's beating up tons of bad guys and can leap off the ground, full backflip kick, <laughs> and that person's defeated. And it's bizarre. Like Where did these skills yeah. suddenly come from? He didn't smirk, though, I hope. <laughs> there's no smirking okay. at all. Oh, there's no character development. There's very little character. I mean, there's a, this is he's got a love interest. Apparently, him and Claire were gonna have a love, like a love thing in the first movie. They were gonna make love on a train, the oh, most romantic yeah. place to make love. Could not That's a great euphemism as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Train going into a tunnel, isn't that? Yeah, that's, that's an old school beautiful. euphemism. Yeah. indeed. Visual euphemism. That's nice. And what about when the train comes out of the tunnel? Oh. oh, well, and then in again, and then out again, <laughs> and then in again. <laughs> it's a very confusing journey. Am I remembering it right that at one point he basically throws a motorbike at another motorbike or so rides a motorbike or something? You are, you're beautifully timed this. So in the final showdown, like the, him and the villain Ambrose, you know, which is a, a name that would send a shiver up anyone's spine. Yeah, spooky. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's the name of a different way to score golf. <laughs> you know, it's like... It could you couldn't get anything more pedestrian than that, could you? <laughs> so they both ride their bikes at each other. Um, before the bikes hit, they dive off their bikes, so they collide in the air. As they're colliding in the air, they then also sort of go against physics and fly off a cliff sure. together into some sort of softer sand. Uh, 
So that, yeah, this is classic John Woo heightened action. Mm. Uh, Tom Cruise also said like he was very much inspired by um, Bruce Lee movies and wanted to do a bit of Bruce Lee action as what, well. What's, I, I know the name John Woo. What other film? What's his famous He's film? done the hard... I haven't seen a ton of John Woo, but he, he's done movies with Chow Young-Fat, like the, the Hard Boiled series, which is a lot of like Chow Young doing like... Um, uh, dual wielding guns and, and oh, shooting okay. them. Um, so this is yeah. classic Wu. This is classic Wu action. Yeah, hard boiled. I believe is the series. If anyone's yelling at their iPod right now, well, I, I would I, hope so. I, I po- apologize if I get any of the actors wrong. I'd be underestimating our listenership. Over <laughs> underestimating. Um. <laughs> So this movie also has so this movie has so many masks. Like this movie does the masks to death. Okay, right. this is the high, highest amount of masks. So Ambrose wears an Ethan 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 Hunt mask. Stamp, who's Richard Roxburgh, wears an Ethan mask, and Ethan wears both a Stamp mask and uh, another guy's mask, Nik- Nikarovich uh, mask. So like, there's so much mask wearing and so many dramatic mask uses. I have to talk about this part, okay? It's because it's so ridiculous. So there's this scene. Tom Cruise is fighting Richard Roxburgh, and we cut to the villains there. So we cut away from the fight. We know that they're fighting uh, like down the hall from this room with yeah. the, where the villain Ambrose is, and then. Richard Roxburgh comes in with Ethan Hunt and his his he's got a um his his mouth is taped up. So you're like, oh Ethan Hunt can't talk and Richard Roxburgh's got him. You're like, oh, how's Ethan Hunt gonna get out of this one? And Ambrose starts kicking Ethan Hunt and he's like, Yeah, I've got you now. Well done, well done, Richard Roxburgh. And then he shoots Ethan Hunt. And you're like, Whoa, Ethan Hunt's dead. Like, this is crazy. But then suddenly Ambrose is like, wait a second. And he pulls back to re- realize that Richard, uh, that Hunt is actually Richard Roxburgh underneath. Yes. He just killed someone in cold blood. Yeah, taped, taped and bound. So some, so somehow off screen, this means that Tom Cruise, like Ethan, was able to defeat Richard Roxburgh, and then had two masks available: one of Richard Roxburgh's face and one of his own face, yeah. which we find out in one of the movies take a long time to three <laughs> D print. Yeah. Um, and uh, was able to make that. Ha- I don't know where he puts these masks. He doesn't look like he ha- has a big backpack, a backpack or anything yeah. like that. So, and like how quickly you're able to also swap clothes. What year was it? 2000? Probably cargo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah, yeah, swap clothes. And it also means anyone you've ever swapped faces with, you're just very lucky that they have similar frames and builds yeah. to you as well. Yeah, true. Some of the movies. They have extra padding that they've put on um, when they have a different frame, but most of the time it's just pure luck that they're able to go, oh, we happen to be the exact same height, we're nailing it. Nobody's going to be all that sus. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if Jim Carrey was a big influence for these films. we got The Cable Girl, we got The Mask. Oh, this you know, is true. What else have we got here? Mm, that's an excellent point. Liar, liar. Yeah, they're oh, all liar liars. They're all liar liars. That's a good point. That's, good, That's an excellent point. point. Yeah. yeah, very good. Truman Show is also a film. Yeah, <laughs> they're filming it they're like filming in the Truman it. Show. The Truman Show. Um, just to highlight some of the stunts as well and how d- dumb Tom Cruise is, there's a scene where they wanted this shot where uh, the villain uh, has a knife going towards Tom Cruise's eye that, that Ethan Hunt stops at the last moment. And rather than like using CGI or camera trickery, they instead Tom Cruise was like, "Oh, let's put a cable attached to that, to that knife, and then you can you can 
point you can stab it at me as as hard as you want and the camera and the cable will just stop it from going into my eye so we can get this shot where it looks like <laughs> Jesus this Christ. knife is only a few centimeters away from my what? eye because it actually was because one of his things John Woo is like hyper realism isn't it I think it's hyper-violent. Hyper-violent. Yeah, but yeah. But it's all very believable stuff, is what I mean. It's real in terms of, <laughs> yes, this is pretty gritty. This is really happening. Uh, this is grounded. Mm, yes, um, That spike. I could believe that spike <laughs> really did that. Um, a little bit of trivia. The villain, um, Ambrose, played by Doug Ray Scott, was going to be... Doug Ray. Doug Ray. As in... It's his first name, Doug oh Ray. Oh, my God, yeah. that is a great name. Hmm. You've taken Doug, an already fantastic well, I've always name. wondered what Doug was short for. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Ray. Um, he was going to be Wolverine, but lost the role because he was busy with this. He oh, had a, wow. He had an injury and filming went over time. Uh, That's you know, a big sliding doors moment. Doug yes, Ray. indeed. He could have been Wolverine, but instead he went on to a glittering career in films such as Taken 3 and Death Race, colon, oh, Inferno. Yeah. So he him. also... He's, like, oh, he, yeah. he's, he's had a oh, big he's, career. He's, yeah. he's been in a lot of things. He's fine. But he's not... I'd say he's, he's pr- probably, to me, if I could pick one of those careers, I'd take his. Over Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, he can't, like, he's so recognisable and well-known, right? Mm. This guy could, he could he could get around still. And this ha- is true. And just be making movies, doing what he loves. Yeah, and if you That's said, why oh, I'm never going to yeah. be a superstar, because I'm <laughs> choosing not to be. Yeah, yeah that's, I don't want too. it. I don't want it. Not for me, If thanks. you're If you're a Hollywood producer listening to this and you're like, I think I might give myself a movie, don't yeah. worry about it. Don't do Unless it. Unless it's a bit part. Mm. Or a mask part. Wacky Waiter, I'll do. Yeah. I'm yeah, happy to do Wacky Waiter. Wacky Waiter. Yeah. I would do, like... Um, Average looking funny friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could do that. Like, I'm the friend of an incredibly beautiful that woman. That is easily the best role, anyway. I reckon. It's always the best, what role. About, the best What role. about quirky concierge at a hotel? You? You. Me? Yeah. Ooh, do you think you could do quirky? A female concierge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd call it lady concierge. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, I could do that. Yeah. Concierge, yes. I'm wearing yeah. a blazer. I've got the shoulders mm. for a blazer, so yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I could do that. Yeah. I don't have that role. Oh, okay. If it cool. comes across, my She'll desk. take it. Let me it. know. Let me know. Mm-hmm. I think, accepts. but I think because I actually, I think I could see you as a as a concierge very much. Thank so. you. So I think maybe like if I'm the quirky concierge, you could be my supervisor or something. Yeah, you've or got a real boy. Oh, you in a little hat? Yeah, a little hat. You would look so cute Thank in a little hat. You. you could have a little monkey sidekick. I like I that. Name myself. I haven't friends. been to many hotels, but is that a normal thing? <laughs> monkey sidekick. Uh, monkey, I guess it depends on the country and how quirky the filmmaker okay. is. At least a four star. Like, five what is this? Star. A Wes Anderson film? Yeah. See, I'm just trying to work it back into my other podcast, Primates. I suppose mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was doing that until it was too late. Oh, well, we it was just like a backdoor episode of 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 Primates. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to another episode. Um, let's 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 jump on. This is what's the name of this show? Jump on with it. Yeah. Jump on yeah. with it. Jump on with it. Please, Marcel, do jump on with it. <laughs> <laughs> jump on it. Uh, Mission Impossible Three: The Year Two Thousand and Six. Oh, a bit so of we've a gap. Jumped, we've jumped. We've jumped a little while. What? Do you, so, two thousand six. I was. That was my last year of high school, I believe. Um, yep. What were you guys doing in 2006? I was uh, completing my 150th year of my <laughs> arts degree uh-huh. and uh, doing a bloody good job of it. Oh, yeah. well done. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah, I was in year 10 and I was on the year 10 ski camp, which also coincided with my 16th birthday. 
Um, so my parents let me go probably so they didn't have to give me a present. Um, and I hated skiing and a snowboarder hit me <laughs> as, as he fell down oh. and slid down the mountain as I ska- uh, skied across. He hit me. We went flying. My skis went flying. And then I went and had a hot chocolate. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it was, mm. the hot chocolate was really Apre. lovely. Is that Apre? What is it? Apre skiing or something? Someone d- told, told oh, I've never really been yeah. skiing before, but there's some, there's some word that ski people use for drinking after Can you skiing. Oh, Are you allowed to say ski people if you're not a ski person? <laughs> oh, good point. Gosh. Very good person. Very good point. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, edit point. <laughs> edit point here. 2006 oh. was the first year I went overseas. Interesting. Oh man, I love oh, going cool. overseas. Mm. Want to do it again? Imagine, imagine going overseas. So why the long gap? The studio was hoping for a summer to possible to possible holiday season 2002 release. So there was the idea that oh, yeah, yeah. let's keep this going, but Cruz had other things on, and he also didn't want people to get burned out by the franchise. Like, and everyone didn't it get bad reviews, but it made so much money. I guess I think it went very well. I mean, if they wanted to make another one, like it must have done pretty well. I, I didn't look at quite about what the the critical reception, but I'm sure if you look up the Rotten Tomatoes score, it probably must be the, the, the lowest one. one. But, but like you said, it was still. It was the biggest grossing film. The second one was still the biggest of the year. Like yeah. it's still it's done fine. And you know in Hollywood, we go by saying money talks, bullshit walks. Mm. Yeah, and also the movie Money Talks as well. Yeah. With Chris well that's what yeah. that's what that's <laughs> referencing. If this movie isn't on par with Money Talks with Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. then I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Uh, the release date was then moved to summer 2005 because of uh, War of the Worlds coming out. Uh, oh, that then... movie I hated. Oh, you didn't like that movie? I remember it, it yeah. I just remember being like, and I like Tom Cruise, but mm. I, I don't know. I, is it good? I haven't seen it since, I... but I went to the cinemas and mm. I remember just hating it the whole time. Mm. I encourage a rewatch. I think a lot of people... It was left with a sour taste in their mouth because the ending is is a little bit too romanticized and idyllic. Oh, okay. But like the rest of the movie, it's pure Spielberg. It's a it's a it's a thrill ride. Oh right, is I it love, a romp? I love rompy. I don't know Spielberg. if I call it a romp because it's pretty dark. It's probably too dark to be a romp. Mm. I feel like a romp requires a little bit of lightness and not feeling like these characters could die at any moment, and okay. that it doesn't really matter when they do. Yeah, people die in romps, but you're not mourning them. Yeah, not like in the long. mummy when that scarab goes into that guy's head or whatever. Like you're not, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, a bit a, of, that's a funny. little bit cartoony. Yeah. yeah, he runs into a wall and you're like, yeah, well, yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. Who else we got? What else we doing? That's, we're, I'm talking <laughs> yeah, out loud yeah, yeah. in the cinema. All right, next. <laughs> next. That was good. What else? Next, do jump on it. <laughs> um, this is a new era. I think it's interesting, like you know, because this movie, these movies have been made for such a long time. This is this is post nine eleven Mission Impossible. Oh, that's a good point. Everything changed when those two towers came mm-hmm. down. So this, yeah, this would be very different. This is post Born. This is the same year as Casino Royale. Ah. Kanye is on the soundtrack. There was a lot of Kanye. Potential- <laughs> I didn't realize he's been around. Really, yeah. early Kanye. He's been around for fifteen plus years. Mm-hmm. He's he's got an illustrious career. Wow. And I hope I've got that title, that right, right. I mean, he could have been on the next one, but I'm pretty sure he was on this one. Um, potential versions that were floated around in those six years. Uh, David Fincher wanted to do an R-rated uh, version set in Africa around organ trafficking, oh, which okay. doesn't feel very Mission Impossible. No. Yeah, and if you're going to get R-rated, I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. What are we going to do? Nude, <laughs> nude Mission Impossible? Oh, we're going to see guts and butts. <laughs> 
Give me tits and bits any day. Guts and butts. I've never heard that before. Well, I think it's never been said before. <laughs> Guts and butts. I want that like in the TV guide when you're looking to see if anything lewd is on that Yeah, night. G and B. You're like, all right. Um, there was a version also set around the idea of like private military in Africa. Um, Kenneth Branagh was going to be the villain at one point. Great villain. Uh, Frank Darabont of the you know Shawshank Redemption wrote a version. There was also a prequel version that was thrown around with Emilio coming back. Oh, um, like I, I don't with know the why there'd be any thing? interest of like oh no like, like set before the first movie. Oh. Like, but who who cares? I, I thought that would be a strange move to be like let's get Emilio back in here for yeah. some reason. Had Mighty Ducks 3 just really taken off? <laughs> it really... Maybe he was just like whispering in people's ears, what if we brought Emilio back? <laughs> it was just like, him. Oh, just idea. him trying to get that in people's head. Um, one version had attacks on icon- iconic landmarks around the world. And I think that one was like, oh, wait a second. Does this... Does attacks, this... not attacks, which a- is what I heard. <laughs> very, <laughs> very financially minded. Ethan, we've got to stop these attacks. <laughs> I heard tax also. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for clarifying. Uh, J.J. Abrams was brought on as the new director as a result of Tom Cruise enjoying the TV show Alias. You guys fans? I didn't see a lot, but it feels like Alias was probably inspired a bit by... Yeah, uh, for sure. Mission Possible. So this is effectively a a bit of a reboot. This is a bit like what Fast and the Furious did after Tokyo Drift. Like, Mm -hmm. let's do a bit of a reset. Let's get this back on track. Ethan has lost his Neo powers. There's no explanation. He doesn't like hit his head and go, oh, I forgot how to backflip. Like, it's just never <laughs> mentioned. Uh, his main superpower, like, I think some people still see him as like a superhero of sorts. Yeah. I'd say his superhero power is is luck yeah. and, and tenacity. <laughs> like, he's just like, I'm going to go for it. And yeah. it happens to. to and he never out. dies. Yeah, whatever he does comes off in the end. He never dies, but also like. I mean, some of the later films, like, more is injuring him. Like, but it's really to that sort of John McClane sort of level of, like, how is he surviving this thing? It's like, because usually it's like, oh, I just made it, rather than, like, I had to, I got shot 17 times and I'm, right. I'm okay. So, wiki synopsis of this one. Ethan is engaged to Julia Mead, played by Michelle Monaghan, who is unaware of his true job. He assembles a team to face the elusive arms and information broker Owen Davian... Davian. I think this one is the is this the one that starts like at a house party? Uh, so we see a much. bit of his private life there, yeah. and he's playing just average guy. So yeah, the, this mm. the uh, the old crew would have been hating. They that. They would have been hating. We don't want to see anything at your house. We don't. I don't want to see, see him passing the dip. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is the villain. R.I.P. Oh, great villain great villain. He intends to sell a mysterious, dangerous object known as. The rabbit's foot. Ooh, is that does that sound dangerous rabbits enough? Are cute. Mm-hmm. Rabbits are cute. Rabbits are cute. That's yeah, true. and that, yeah. that's a symbol of luck. Which yeah, you think point. that Ethan Hawke would love. <laughs> Ethan Hawke I don't know why luck. that's relevant here, but... <laughs> <laughs> so there was a choice to give Ethan more emo- emotional stakes. So this movie, before the house party scene, it opens with a flash forward of later in the movie. We see his wife is tied up, gun to, his, gun to her head. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character has the gun to her head and is giving Ethan a countdown. Like, tell me where the rabbit's foot is or she's going to die. And we hear a gunshot. And then we, we cut to You're earlier. probably wondering, how do we get here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow do down. Do a rewatch. Record yep. scratch. Yeah. <laughs> Love that Six move. Six months earlier. 
So, yeah, he is one of the best villains of the series. And I like the idea after how silly the second one was, like, opening a movie like that is like your wife is getting shot in the head. It's like, all right, this isn't your, this isn't your grandpa's <laughs> Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible movie. All right, this is real. And it's sort of growing up with the kids who started watching it, I guess, in the 90s as well. Um, the new team. At one point, Ricky Gervais was cast as the film as an ally to Ethan Hunt. He was <laughs> going to be the man in the chair, but then that movie went that that um, role went to Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. Yeah, I love so he's good. he's one of the best new characters in this series, and he so continues yeah. in the rest of it. I would hate to live in the universe where <laughs> Ricky Gervais got cast in this role. I think that would be the worst shit. Yeah, it wouldn't have been good. I think he because in this movie. Benji is just a small character. He comes in like twice as just like the be- the guy on the other end of the phone. Man in the van. Man in the van. But I don't think I reckon Gervais wouldn't have then been moved into the mm-hmm. into the team. I, I don't think that would have happened. He would have insisted on some weird things, and uh, they would have said, <laughs> "Oh, actually." And he's just roasting everyone on the team. He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Can you not be mean to us?" <laughs> Um, the big stunt is this is this fulcrum swing in 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 Beijing. He does this huge swing off one building to another. I know what a fulcrum swing is, but just in case any listeners don't, do you want to break it down for them? Um, I wrote down fulcrum because this is what they told me in the movie. But like it's essentially a pendulum type mm. swing of like let's go from one building and I can swing on to the next, which is further away, and and like release the cable at the last minute, and I'll be able to. Spider-Man style. Yeah, that's how, yeah, basically my understanding as well. Yeah, and you have that written down to prove that you had that understanding yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, I thought, yeah, the exact same wording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so this is also the, the beginning of, of more of those layered action sequences. So he like breaks into this building, but then his escape route is parachuting out of that building, and then that falls into a car chase, and then like there's just that beautiful level of... Uh, but this happens, and then this happens, and what if this happens? And it, and it turns out later on that a lot of these movies continue to just so sorry start with just the set pieces being worked out before the script is, so they know oh what if we had this sequence, what if we had that sequence, and then they fill in the story later. Yeah, number two, it started with the two motorbikes crashing into each other, <laughs> and they worked out from there yeah. <laughs> okay let's work our way backwards how do we get to this point so uh, maybe we have a scene set in a motorcycle <laughs> shop he's buying a motorcycle yeah oh that's yeah. good and the, and the guy says that down. what you, you should never run this into a different motorcycle whatever <laughs> okay. you do yeah, yeah. yeah. Chekhov's, Chekhov's morning, morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chekhov's motorcycle <laughs> every time a motorcycle is introduced in a movie you know it's going to explode I've only recently learned what Chekhov's gun is and mm. now I am referencing it too much yeah it's a it's a great little little it. literary reference I'm like, oh, here there. we go Chekhov's Book every <laughs> that book, day. That book's gonna get read. Uh, someone's gonna read that book. <laughs> if a book is introduced in Act One, it's gonna be read by Act Three. <laughs> uh, the cable guy moment. I guess there's two in this one. He he climbs on onto the wall of the Vatican and then cables off. When he gets on top of the wall, he whispers to himself. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Oh, that's right. For no reason. Oh, to that's nobody. right. I remember that being very funny as well. That whole sequence was very funny. It's that a, sucks. It's a real cringy moment, <laughs> and like it's so out of character for yeah. him as well. It, it's in reference I can see to nothing. James Bond saying that, you know, but maybe early James Bond. Oh, maybe. I was joking. Yeah, but that's great. Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sitting on a wall. I, I didn't realise how corny James Bond was oh. until I watched the most recent one. And uh, like the Daniel Craig's last mm. one, I guess. I don't know if it is or not, whatever. Yeah. But um, he's like just so many of the catchphrases. Oh, he was yeah. even saying like shaken, not stirred and... And someone explodes, and and there was a clock or something. He's like, I guess it was time to explode. And, you know, like oh, really, terrible. yeah, like lots they're of all ha- like that though. But it happens with the James Bond movies. Like I think Casino Royale is his best one, and then yes. by the time it comes where he's done like five of them, it's like we need to then pull it right. back again. They they get to they get to, I don't know, cocky or something. Yeah. Um. This movie explains the voice of the mask tech for the first time, which is fun. Like, we see a mask be molded. We see the voice sample be encoded. So there's this cool scene where, like, Tom Cruise has the mask of Davian, of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, and has him pinned down in this bathroom where, like, his henchmen are outside, and he needs Davian to read this this sort of series of phrases in order to encode his voice Ah. properly. So it adds more tension to the idea of even stealing someone's voice and identity rather than being able to do it just off camera with no explanation. Like yeah. now, what if we made that a challenge to do? Oh, that's that's cool. Which uh, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting. And how did he get F- Philip Seymour Hoffman to say the phrase? He just has a gun to his head. Right. And he's just, and I think David, he, yeah, he's just, he's just sort of true. doing it because I don't think he's like, thinking too many steps ahead of like, oh, he's going to steal my voice right. and therefore be able to... I don't, yeah, it'd be yeah. a weird thing for somebody to hold a gun to your head and be like, read this! <laughs> I'd be very Happy confused. birthday to you, yeah. Jess. Uh, you are one of my closest <laughs> friends. Uh... If I was Ethan Hawke, I would have used reverse psychology. Bet you can't read this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to say this three times fast. <laughs> I can, I bet you can't. <laughs> I mean, I've been saying it heaps of times when you weren't around, but... Anyway. Yeah, go on, you try. My, my mate said that your mates didn't like you. <laughs> um, as usual, Tom Cruise did the vast majority of his own stunts. Most of them were done without major injury. However, he cracked a couple of ribs once he turned his upper torso too quickly. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, at work, yeah, yeah. all yeah. the time. When Jeez. someone wants your attention and you just swing yourself around yeah. immediately. That's uh, that's got to be really fast. I don't think I can move fast enough to break my own ribs. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> nah. I mean, it hurt. You moved very quickly, though, i got to say. I've never Was seen you move that fast. Was it that, that he moved fast? too fast or that he moved too early and something hit the ribs? Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, well, as with a lot of things on the internet, they don't always give you much information. I'm going right. something hit the ribs. Do your own research. <laughs> yeah, You're sorry. listening to a podcast. Yeah, my bad. Um, I want to tell you about his new spy power in this movie. Like, each movie, he sort of gets a new spy power. Uh, in this one, he can read lips now. Oh, that's cool. Maybe maybe this is what happens. He loses one, gains one. Oh, so he lost he lost Kung Fu, mm. but he gained lip reading. Yeah, like some video games, if like you want to upgrade a power, like you have to like take a point out of a different power. He's only got a certain mm. amount of room in his brain. Yeah. Yeah. So he he reveals this power in a creepy way of eavesdropping on a conversation on his wife and her friends at their engagement party. Like he's over on one side, like helping with a drink and they're having a conversation across the party in the kitchen and they can't remember the name of this lake. And he calls out, oh, Lake Wanaka. And then his her friends are like, how did he possibly yeah, that hear is. that? It's, it's like, not oh. how lip reading works either. How does it work? Um, it's like you read their lips. 
<laughs> you can't, yeah. If I you was said a, that with so much confidence, Jess. Well, it's not like if you can't read lips from across a, a party. That is bullshit. What about in that Seinfeld episode where the, they recruit I want to sweep with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that would have ruined the whole premise of the bit. She correctly saw that he was saying, I, I want to sweep with you. <laughs> they yeah. were saying sweep. But they thought Sweet. it was sleep with you. Mm, it's a fun little, <laughs> fun little moment. Fun recording different shape, different shape with the mouth. Before I move letters. on to the next film, I, I should tell you as well. There's this fun little thing about the publicity of this particular film. Um, Paramount rigged 4,500 randomly selected Los Angeles Times vending boxes with digital audio players that would play the theme song when the door was opened. The audio players did not always stay concealed, however, and in many cases came loose and fell on the stock, the stack of newspapers in plain view, with the result that they were widely mistaken for bombs. Oh, yes. No. Police bomb squads detonated a number of the vending boxes and even temporarily shut down a veteran's hospital in response to the apparent <gasps> threat. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Despite these problems, Paramount and the Los Angeles Times opted to leave the audio players in the boxes until two days after the movie's opening. Well, this yeah. is in the 2000s, right? Post 9-11 world, people yeah. stopped being so stressed about... <laughs> The threat of attacks or, mm. or bombs or whatever. I like the so, idea of just sort of blue tacking these boxes in and being like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. A little bit okay. of sticky tape. As long as you can't see them. Mm. Yeah. Make fine. sure they're hidden, but not too hidden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this would be the last uh, film that Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner c- collaborated on. Uh, this was around the time, uh, apparently Redstone was disgusted by Cruz's recent antics, particularly his appearance on the Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey show. Oh my God. Following that, Cruz and his partner Wagner resurrected the United Artists Company, which had been closed a few years previously. Uh, but then of course, Cruz goes on to produce the rest of the film. So this was in that sort of era when people were a little bit cringy on Cruz. Yeah. Cringy on Cruz. Yeah. Ev- I think everyone's sort of gone, it's all, he's a, he's a bit different, but we love him anyway. I think, yeah, there was, yeah, I think there was sort of two schools of like, this guy's a bit wacky now or a bit silly. And then they're like, oh, but hold on. What's, is he lovesick or is he just sick? Yeah. Um, what is it? Yeah. But then I think, wasn't it like uh, when he was in, what was the Tropic Thunder? And he mm. was there like, oh, look at him. He can have fun. He's mm. funny now. I think he's someone as well. And this is for the Tom Cruise episode that like his public persona after that had to be like, more manicured and curated of like, hey, someone would have talked to, I mean, he would have had a whole team talk to him and say, this is how you're being perceived. If you want to keep making movies, let's sort of change how you're publicly presenting yourself, I think. And let Katie Holmes out of the dungeon. (laughs) No comment. Uh, (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Jess alleged that before. Mm. Off mic. I, <laughs> that's not something I thought. Just looks stunned at being I was, called out. I was like, out. did I say that? <laughs> oh, I'm I mean, sorry. I'm that was one of your secret memories. <laughs> you know it... how it feels when Marcel reveals your secret memories. I'm sorry. Yeah, we should all apologize. I'm sorry. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Ah, uh, yes. 2011. We're in a post-Avengers world and it feels like it. <laughs> so this is the same year that Fast Five came out. And like these, it may, sort of makes me wonder if these, if both production companies sort of peaking in each other's test screenings because they're, they're well and truly romps now. So yeah. J.J. Abrams had went darker with number three. Um, it felt more like an Alias episode, but now... 
Um, new director Brad Bird comes in, who you know from The Incredibles and, and Ratatouille and, and various Pixar projects, uh, and does a bit of live action. Okay, So JJ was too busy with his movie Super 8 to direct this one. So they bring in Brad Bird, who just crushes it. A um, little bit of trivia. Tom Cruise, uh, sorry, Ethan Hunt in character says light the fuse before the opening credit. So then the fuse that actually is lit through the opening credit sequence is actually a fuse, which is a little bit of fun. Um, the iconic fuse bit. Um, and, and once again, we get that sort of, I find this very strange with um the Mission Impossible movies, but I sort of like the novelty of it. We see in the opening sequence shots from the rest of the movie, like it is a TV series. So you are seeing, oh, that's bits of the movie that are coming up later, but it also goes, makes you go, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I can't can't wait to see that that bit. That's going to be cool. uh, Spoilers. Yeah, I think they I think they're edited in just a way that you make you go, I'm I can't wait for that bit rather than right. why are they showing me the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah, already. Is this the one where the like he has to like climb up a wall in a sandstorm? You are totally right. I We're can't believe get... I'm remembering oh, I really thought they were all blurred together. No, but if you didn't go it. one by one then I probably wouldn't have remembered it. I should have just done them simultaneously. You're right. I <laughs> yeah. had that idea. You should have saying... done it like I watched them. <laughs> mushed together. Maybe in the editing, can you just have me just talking mm. over myself the entire time? Yeah, I think yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. Rather uh, than me talking over you, <laughs> which is what's actually happening. So this was written by uh, former Alias writers, Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec. Uh, and Christopher McQuarrie, who's a regular Cruise collaborator, who's director of Jack Reacher and writer of Edge of Tomorrow, came in for rewrites. He did, he does a, his total script doctor style. I listened to interviews with him, and he's one of those guys who can come in and go, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, what about this? Let's change this character's backstory to make it work with the rest of the movie. Um, and in a movie where people are signing on without even seeing a script and there's just set pieces being laid out before there's a story. You need someone that sort of knows narrative to come in and be like, all right, I can make this work. Is there is, a script cool. doctor on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy has act three problems. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the synopsis of this one, Ethan and the entire IMF are blamed for the bombing of the Kremlin while investigating an individual known only as Cobalt. See, Cobalt's better than Max. Mm. Cobalt's good. And it's better than Ambrose as Much well. Much better. He and, he and three other agents are left to stop him from starting a global nuclear war. Oh. Um, so pretty big deal. Um, so this guy, Cobalt, his name is Kurt Hendricks. Like that's his actual character name. He's played by Michael... Uh, I'm, oh, shit, I never learned how to say this name. N-Y-Q-V-I-S-T. You want to have a go at this? Oh, N-Y-Q. Nickvist? Nickvist, maybe. Nick-vist? Is it a hard, is the Q a hard K sound? Maybe. So. What else could a Q be said? Qua. Qua. Or Nick- silently. <laughs> could be true. skipped over altogether. Ni- Nyquist. Yeah. Nyvist, maybe. Uh, here's the guy who's, here's the hero one of the characters in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Ah. So this follows that sort of James Bond tradition where like someone who's in a good European movie gets plucked out and can play a villain in an upcoming action film, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is always good fun. So he wants nuclear weapons to r- sort of reset the world. I feel like a lot of the Mission Impossible villains pretty much from this movie on have like a let's blow up the world and we'll reset it and that will be sort of a piece in our time sort of motivation. Uh, that's that's pretty much the blanket idea that like 
the world's bad and I'm going to be the one to Noah's blow it up. And, sort of thing. Yeah, and we need we need to have a big explosion in order to reset the world. Now, it's been a while since I heard the story. Is that what happens in the Noah's Ark story? God yeah. goes, let's blow it up. Nuclear weapons. Nuclear yeah. weapons. Yeah. God steals the nuclear codes and gives them to, <laughs> to, to Noah. Yeah, yeah. And he has to put a team together that's two of every animal. Two of every animal is his, fighting, his crime fighting team. I just thought of a great no, screenplay idea. No, a bit idea. of a <laughs> Copyright. Yeah, no, that's that yeah. saved it. You've I think done that's it. legally binding. Yep. Before anyone else, if anyone else is out there doing Noah's Ark, Mission Impossible movie, I've got you. <laughs> uh, time stamped. So the idea here is make this more of a team movie. So you've got Simon Pegg on the away missions now. He's doing a bit of comic relief and also a bit of tension because he's sort of like um, playing the role of like, you know, still figuring it out. Um, oh, he just got his agent license He or just something. got his agent license. So he's, he's not an idiot though. Like he's not just like, oh, I'm dropping stuff all the time. But like he's still imperfect and he wants to make Ethan proud. You know, he's the, it's sort of the apprentice role. Because it's, yeah, it's revealed that Ethan's his dad, isn't it? <laughs> what a twist what's the age difference um jeremy renner is brought in he plays a character called analyst brant uh so brant is a was maybe considered to be a, maybe a future hunt like pass the torch to him in future movies i don't think there's a i don't think he's young enough to there like mm. <laughs> have many more movies in didn't him. they they tried that with renner on the Born movies, well, didn't yeah, they? that's a good point. I guess Reno was just like, "Hey, this guy looks like he get to hold a torch." I suppose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pass him the torch. It turns out he can't. He he cannot. That Born movie was no good. Um, other actors considered were Tom Hardy and Anthony Mackie. Uh, Anthony Mackie also an Avenger. Mm. Uh, Who's Anthony Mackie? He is uh, Falcon. Falcon. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. He's um. Oh, also Captain America now, I should say. Uh, Pardon my friend. He's in, he's in Endgame when Cap's there all by himself. And then he hears Sam. And Sam says, on your left. Oh, it's a beautiful moment. Oh, I didn't know God. you were a big Avengers person. Sometimes I watch that mm. scene on YouTube just to have a cry. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Oh, my God. I, I, I love it so much. I was swept up in the cinema. I was oh, swept up. Loved it. I was like, this is a thrill. Oh, I love it. Love am the I, Avengers. Am I thinking of the right guys also in that uh, Seth Rogen Christmas movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah, I like that guy. He's great. What's that called? The Night Before or something? Yeah. Mm. Started that as one of my many Christmas traditions watching really? that is it year. worth it's worth it uh i like it but you know i'm very sentimental around christmas he so. loves christmas do you like it's a wonderful life i've never seen it oh it's a delight uh, worth a look hmm. oh money is in bill's house and uncle Fred's jimmy house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with my money in your house fred <laughs> yeah it's good stuff uh paula Patton is brought in she's agent jane carter she also has demons, like Agent Brandt does, as a fellow Agent Hannaway, Sawyer from Lost. Oh, Agent Sawyer. Agent Carter, you said. You you were saying they were mm-hmm. ripping off Marvel a bit. Yeah, yeah, she is Agent Carter. That is 100% correct. And I feel like Carter is one of the most overused last names yeah. in, in movie shows as well. We, uh, like Rush Hour, yeah. he's, he's a Carter as well. Um, uh, Luther yeah. is back, but he is only a cameo at the end of the movie. He just sort of rocks up to be like... What just happened? Oh <laughs> so, yeah, just to make sure he keeps his run. Yeah, yeah. just to, just to, just to be there. I don't I don't know the explanation for why. I think maybe just creatively they were like, oh, if Luth is here, that's gonna then like, it's not gonna be as tricky for them to figure things out or 
whatever. I think they, they this one, Brad Bird wanted to go, I want to do a Mission Impossible movie where like all the gadgets and stuff mess up. So like not everything's going to go to plan, like pretty much the whole time to always have that challenge. Um, so yeah, Jeremy Renner signed on without seeing a script. There's less masks in this one, which is delightful to see. So there's more performances. Uh, once again, Tom Cruise, uh, just happens to look like the Russian general that he's impersonating to get into the Kremlin. So he just puts on a, a false nose and like a false chin sort of thing. And Benji, who's accompanying him has no disguise at all for some reason. He just has the uniform. That's all you need. And Benji says, I wish we had masks. And Hunt offers no explanations for why they're not wearing masks. Um, it feels like maybe there was an explanation, but they decided to just, oh, we just not gonna, we're not going to mention why we're not wearing these masks that are always perfect and always convince everyone. <laughs> I'm just going to wear this false nose because that's I've nailed this. Yeah. Um, I've new- just looked up why uh, Luther... Wasn't in Ghost Protocol. Okay, I thought you were just checking your Instagram. <laughs> I am a rude asshole for sure, <laughs> but I was also doing that. Says in an interview with MovieWeb, Rames implied that due to budget cuts, he had a smaller role in the film. Really? I may be doing something very small in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, but I will just say that the budget changed dramatically, and I'll leave it at that. Interesting. Is there a lot of these? Saying he, he he got cut out. That sort of mm. is, is that implying that then after he got cut down, the budget seemed to get bigger again, or is that just him saying they gave him a huge pay there is, cut? There is a lot that like signs that they were pretty conservative with this movie because like even though the the film series really takes off from here in terms of like the DNA of what makes a Mission Impossible movie, the third movie I think did okay, but they were still like we want this to be a sure thing. Mm. So they right. weren't throwing a ton of movie at it. I su- I suspect then they were like here's how much we can pay you Ving Rhames and he went, "Well, that's good enough for me with the one end scene. credit scene. Yeah, <laughs> I can do one scene for that money." Um, new spy power from Ethan Hunt. He is now an excellent um, drawer. So uh, in, a, in a scene where he's in the backseat of a car with Jeremy Renner and the new director of IMF, um, he's seen the villain. He's seen Cobalt um, when he was at the, at the Kremlin. So he go, as he's drawing on his hand with just a, a big pen, he sort of says, oh, this guy's got brown hair and, um, you know, this color eyes, and then just holds up his hand um, to Jeremy Renner's character. And uh, Jeremy Renner goes, mm, it's a crude drawing, but that might be Kurt Hendricks. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so Ethan Hunt has the ability to just quickly, and it's like That's immediately incredible. just quickly sketched it in a matter of seconds. And Renner's got the ability to see a photo in a crude picture. Yeah. He's just, oh, and he, and he knows all the Hendrixes out there. He knows all the potential villains. Jimmy. Um, <laughs> oh, this goes on. But I love as well that he also sort of negs him a little bit. He goes, crude drawing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Could have been better but if it was on paper. It. <laughs> crude yeah. drawing, but I know exactly who that is. I like the fact as well that he's got one pen and he's just like <laughs> drawing it out and then he turns it around and it's in colour. <laughs> <laughs> all these different guys have got the brown like hair w- water, and green eyes. Yeah, and just watercolours yeah, as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is a fun little Easter egg. Like, so we all know that 
you know, the message will self-destruct in five seconds yeah. thing. In this time, the director is giving him the mission in the back of the back of the card and says, says, hey, we're going to have to initiate ghost protocol because they think that you destroyed the Kremlin, so we can't really um, tell you, you know, put you on this mission. But if you were to beat me up and, and, and run away, then you could sort of do this mission as a ghost. Um, but and at that time, uh, suddenly the director gets shot and the car gets run into, and thus the message truly did oh. self-destruct in five seconds from receiving the mission. Wow. So he himself sort of destructed. Whoa. <laughs> which is, is a bit of fun. Is the shadow in this one Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin's in the next one. The next mm-hmm. one, right. And he's, he's not playing the shadow, but... Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> not, not, the same, not the same universe. I wish it was. I think <laughs> the shadow would be amazing to pop up in, in anything. Um, but that's just me. So this is a real roller coaster movie. The action sequences sort of keep coming and coming. So this is the one where uh, he climbs the Burj Khalifa. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Wiz Khalifa. Oh, sorry, the Wiz Khalifa. Uh, he climbs that uh, that musician. I want to say, <laughs> I'm hip. I'm with it. <laughs> it's a very topical reference too. So. Um, and like this scene is amazing. Like this, this, this encapsulates uh, later. Um, Mission Impossible movies where you've got a million things going on, a million things going wrong. The idea being, oh shit, you're gonna have to climb outside of the building. We didn't, we didn't plan for that. Meanwhile, the assassin is meeting the broker on this floor, but we're gonna pretend to be meeting them on the floor underneath. So we're gonna be listening into that one. Oh, great um, scene! Jeremy Renner's gonna wear a contact lens that can photograph these nuclear codes, but also send those um, nuclear codes to a printer inside this briefcase that's going to print out the nuclear codes upstairs to the other meeting going on. And the, and we're hoping that they don't haven't met this person before because they there's no mask right in this one. Yeah, there's so no ma- fully the mask thing. It. The mask machine breaks at the last minute, um, so everything's going wrong. And then there's a dust storm on the horizon. Uh, then there's a chase sequence after that. It's all amazing. Is there a red light, green light callback with the suction cups thing? Is that what is that referencing itself? I believe it's. It's blue is okay. blue and red is oh, dead. So right. as as he's climbing up the building with these gloves, that are, these magic gloves. Yeah, blue is glue, red is red dead. Is yeah, and, and of course one of the mas- one of the gloves fails, and he has to start doing it with one hand and red is dead. Building. Is that a is that a callback to um, Pulp Fiction? Oh, that's red. Zed's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was only for like, the people really paying attention. You know, and like some IMDb trivia is just so shit. You're yeah. like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Well, they'd go. Ving Rhames was also in the Pulp Fiction <laughs> yeah. movie series where someone said Zed's dead, and this one movie they say Red's dead. <laughs> and, and five found that interesting. <laughs> Out of seventy-two. Yeah. How do I delete this information from the internet? Oh, um, now I can't lip read anymore. I've got too many bullshit facts in my head. <laughs> and of course, like beautiful ticking clock stuff going on. The cable guy moment is Tom Cruise now running down the building. Um, Renner is the one that does the starfish or the jump and hang in this one. He does it while wearing like a, a magnet type suit. Uh, the later attempted in the movie. passing of the torch. Passing of the torch. I'm like, oh, well, if he can starfish, then, then anyone can starfish. <laughs> is that the idea? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you can sense me upping the pace as I'm like, all right, this is what you ought to do as we get closer to the end of a Mission Impossible series. <laughs> we are, we're, there's still multiple films left. Um, little fun continuity Easter egg. Uh, 
Ethan goes to meet another arms dealer, but given the same hood uh, on his head, uh, so he doesn't know where he's going as he does in the first movie when he meets Max, the arms dealer. Like the physically the same hood. It's the it's the same hood. Like it's it's a distinct, uh, you know, has distinct patches and stuff on it. Like maybe all the arms dealers have like a hood guy that they get their hoods (laughs) from. Maybe this one's a second hand one. It's got patches on it. We found this hood. Um, the offer went out to Vanessa Redgrave uh, to reprise her role of Skullface slash Max. Um, uh, according to the costume designer, Michael Kaplan, he never designed any costumes for her because she said no immediately. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty clear language, I think. I think that's mm-hmm. nice and clear, actually. Yeah. Mm. Uh, at the end, there's a big uh, showdown in this parking garage in India which is amazing and everything it's like every, oh, every movie everything's come down to the last second is that the parking garage where like it's mechanical and stuff it's mechanical all the cars are being moved around Cruz has to oh, stop yep. this nuclear weapon so like he gets into a car and drives off the ramp and goes and just sick and just goes down and hits the ground uh luckily airbags are incredible and he's able to survive yeah wow we he also is very lucky there's also uh, a plot line throughout here that Jeremy Renner's character was on protection for uh, his uh, Ethan Hunt's wife, um, and his is resting with this this demon, wrestling with this demon that Ethan Hunt's wife is dead on on his watch. Right. But then at the end of the movie, we learn that that was all a trick to uh, disappear Ethan Hunt's wife and make sure she was protected and so he could get into this this Russian prison as well. So it's it's probably more complicated than it is. Also, as a result, learning of that it was Chris McQuarrie that came in and like rewrote his character. So it is a little bit convoluted. It's like, oh, actually, his wife's alive and everything's fine. Because he additionally, they were going to be like, yeah, Ethan Hunt's wife's dead. And Christopher McQuarrie went like, then why is he like still interested in like doing anything like he doesn't have his emotional heartbeat anymore if like oh yeah Ethan Hunt's wife's dead that's Mm. it (laughs) off screen you know nothing yeah that the wife that he fought for in Mission Impossible 3 is just dead now so I needed a screenwriter to come in and be like but what if she was still alive (laughs) okay oh is that an option and at the end we see Michelle Monaghan in a brief sequence in the in the Luther sequence and she's we can see Ethan Hunt sort of watching her at a distance, sort of keeping a protective Reading eye. Her lips. Reading her lips. Or trying to, but failing. <laughs> she's, he lost that she's ability. She's actually got her back to him, but he's still reading her lips. He's that good. Um, I still want to meet, I still want to beat Michelle Brazier's time. So let's let's crack on. Um, <laughs> Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Okay, the synopsis of this one. Um, Hunt is tracking down the syndicate who gets mentioned at the end of this movie. Like he gets his mission at the end of Ghost Protocol saying, uh, introducing this idea of this, this rogue organization called the syndicate. Uh, meanwhile, IMF is being shut down by the CIA. Okay, so... Uh, the CIA agent Alec Baldwin is here. The shadow. The shadow himself, mm. and he wants to retire the IMF. He's, this is sort of like a, a bit of a Captain America Civil War situation yeah. when they're beginning to recognize, like, you guys are pretty wild with your methods. This is pretty silly. 
and uh, one of the people on this this panel that Brandt is having to stand in front of, he they, they say, your unorthodox methods are indistinguishable from chance, which is a mm-hmm. nice little summary of everything that they do in the movies. Yeah. And I like the self-awareness of it as well, that people watching it who are a little bit more, you know, there's people that watch movies and go, oh, as if that would happen. You're like, yeah. have a little bit of fun. Yeah, lighten up. Lighten up. Uh, Cruz is getting older in this one. He's only five years younger than John Voight was in the first Mission Impossible oh, wow. film. So this is... Uh, oh, I didn't write down the year for this one. Can you look look up what the year was for Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation. Yes, I'm on it. Because we got to know where you were. So in this <laughs> one, Benji is back. Um, 2015. 2015. Where were you in 2015? 20... Had, you got, had you gotten over those chicken box? Uh, just. Yeah. I did Comedy Zone, you did Raw. That's true, oh, yes. what a year. Yeah. What a year for comedy. Thank you for remembering that, because I was like, 2015, what was I doing? <laughs> That's when I started comedy. You're absolutely right. Yeah, right. And uh, everyone, everyone knows that. <laughs> everyone knows that. <laughs> Have we been asking you where you were? We're just like, yeah, we'll answer this. thanks. I don't really give <laughs> a fuck about it. a lot. You know, when people ask a question because they want to answer it, mm. Marcel's been patiently Anyone? waiting for that he's had every a great, time. He's had a really good <laughs> joke written down for each one and we haven't asked. Where were you in 2015? I've got like a page worth of stuff for yeah. every... Um, I don't really know. I think I'd moved to Sydney. Oh, I got married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one you should know. I mean, that was one day in that year. Yeah. So it's not like that the 2015? Whole, whole year. Yeah, I believe. It's like 300 well, plus other days mm. that year. I had already... I had met you. Before mm. you got married, so there you, know, you go. Pre and post, yeah. Mm. And I look, didn't... let me say, what an improvement. <laughs> Maybe that year I did it. I don't know if it was your room or if you were just hosting a room above a record store in Sydney. Oh yeah, I would have been hosting. And you that. were, yeah. and you were the record crate. And you um had used this gimmick where you were playing uh, open mic bingo. Oh, yeah. That, did you use that many times? Or was I that... used it a couple of times because like, hosting open mic sucks. So having a little bit of fun with going like, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with the comedians who are on tonight. And yeah. like, we'll tick the box when it says dick joke. We'll tick the joke like yeah. box when someone <laughs> says, so I'm single. And, and we can I can have something to do across the show. And we can have that moment when someone goes, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mem- remembered that. Uh, so, the, yeah, they say Benji is back. Um, Hunt has to pull him out of his new desk job. So, like, Benji gets sent away to the CIA. The IMF is 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 dissolved. What are they going to do? What are they going yeah. to do? Ethan is once again having to sort of work um, in the in the dark, in the shadows. And this sort of becomes a, a sort of a buddy movie between um, Ethan and Benji. And Benji is becoming more and more capable. Meanwhile, Brant and Luther are in buddy mode trying to track them down before Alec Baldwin and the CIA do. So you've got a lot of people being pursued in this movie. Because mm. also, the CIA are on shoot-to-kill orders. <gasps> you know, this idea is like, maybe Ethan Hunt is not a cool guy. We've got to take him out. That's so a this... pretty full-on order. You've got to really be mm. sure. To give the CIA agents a license to kill, so to speak. That yeah, is big. that mm-hmm. is big. They don't give that to everyone. It's a good point. Uh, the new cast member, Rebecca Ferguson, as Ilsa. Sorry, they, I forgot, mm. this is in America. They do give that right to everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone a- has a- the right A-Cab. to shoot to kill. ACAB. Do we say ACAB on this, <laughs> po- on this podcast? Oh. Is this an ACAB podcast? <laughs> Comedians. Comedians are, are beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson has joined the cast as Ilsa Faust. Rebecca Ferguson. 
Why does that ring a bell? She she's she, her biggest films are the are the Mission Impossible films. She's been in a few other things. She's originally, I think, from Sweden. I and believe. she married Prince Andrew. Yes, yes, yes. Or uh, one of the princes. Prince, uh, did she? Oh, mm. she's in bloody. Um, she's in the Greatest Showman. That's why. I, uh, I didn't see it. Look, it's fine. Did she play the bearded lady? She didn't play the bearded lady. She played an, an incredible singer that mm. so many people came to see. It's not her singing at all. Um, oh. Huh. Yeah. Do you want to hum a few bars from the song? Never enough. It was a big, like, you mm. know, she hit some high notes and people went, wow. Really want to double check if you know what hum means, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so she is from British Intelligence and she's undercover with the syndicate who are this this right. this sort of anti IMF, the the bad IMF. The chaos to their control. Mm, yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, so if we're talking about get smart rules. Is that is that what we're talking about? Well that's I see the whole world through that lens. <laughs> also an iconic theme. So um, good. I wonder if they thought with the Steve Carell Get Smart movie they were going to start their own <laughs> uh, <laughs> franchise of films. They should have got Jer- Jeremy Renner. They should have yes. got Jeremy. Pass you the torch. You want to pass the torch, yeah. you got to get Renner. <laughs> uh, so she's in double agent mode. Uh, if you detected, her last name's Faust. Are oh. you familiar with the Faustian legend? <laughs> Deal with the devil. And yeah. so she's... They, they just went like, let's just literally call her Faust. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's very on the nose. And they shook, yeah. a ha- shook hands and said, that's a pact. <laughs> and then they handed her a gun and said, it's Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of those characters that, you've, that we've met in previous films, like Paula Patton and Maggie Q, are just not talked about again. Cool. And it just turns out that it's... Chris McQuarrie, McQuarrie said in an interview that it was just logistics all the time. They're like, oh, do you want to do this next one? No, you're not available. Okay, we'll, we'll figure it out then. Yeah. Um, so what else can I tell you? That oh. was humming. That was humming. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, you've nailed it. <laughs> so let me tell you about you the can, syndicate. You can lip read people humming. Yes, it Oh, can. that person over there is humming. humming. <laughs> Across the room, I can't hear it, but I can see it. They're humming. So the syndicate are the new baddies, and I'll tell you about them because they come up. They're gonna they're gonna be reoccurring baddies now. Wow. So they're here, and they they mean they're a terror shadow terror organization. Um, they're made up of ex spies and agents from the around the world, presumed dead. We later learned they were created by someone from British intelligence, and then they went rogue. So like this guy in British intelligence, is like, oh, what if we experiment with this idea that we could create our own shadow operation that no one knows about? But then. Then the, this rogue operation goes rogue themselves. Yeah. Whoopsie daisy. Did you say shadow operation? I know a guy who'd be really good for this. <laughs> is it what's the this shadow one? knows? Is it this one's called Rogue something as well? Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the original TV series, the Syndicate were actually like American mafia. They were organized crime. This was a result of like because in the TV series, IMF are going to all these countries. And messing with stuff and like, oh, we're American and we'll save the day. We'll sort this out. And then in light of the Vietnam War at the time, audiences started going like, oh, is this? Are you really saving the yeah, day? Yeah, is this cool that you're going in and messing around with these different countries? So they, they Whoa, changed we're the... creating a quagmire. Whoa. <laughs> well, don't, people don't like a quagmire anymore. <laughs> what, we reinserted our own uh, president. Uh, is that a big deal? Um, so yeah, they started doing like. American organized crime right. to be like, uh, hey, this is cool though, right? This is not <laughs> questionable. 
The villain in this movie is Solomon Lane, played by Sean Harris, who's a He's in a lot of he was in a lot of British stuff, but like not really a face. I knew him as like the creepy drug dealer from the Michael Caine movie Harry Brown. Oh, if you saw that, no. Um, oh it, it's no, it's a small it's a small movie, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's who I was. Yeah. I think yeah, I know him I from this of. movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, oh, no, I recognize him. Oh, that's right. I've from seen the movie this. that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> So he's an ex-government agent now using terrorism to create change for himself. Like he's no longer, you know, following orders. He's no longer oh under someone else's control. This is the first film in the franchise where Ethan Hunt and the primary, pri- primary, the <laughs> primary antagonist, the villain, share no physical contact whatsoever. Oh, ah. no shaking hands, no smooches. <laughs> he's really good. He's a great villain. He yeah, was also I, I in, great. he played Ian Curtis in 24-Hour Party People. Oh, I never saw that. Well, do yourself a favor. <laughs> do yourself a flavor. Uh, who said that? <laughs> uh, Craig David, I think. <laughs> What's your flavor? <laughs> do yourself a, a flavor. flavor. <laughs> uh, the, the big heist in this one. <laughs> we're losing it. Yeah, we're getting is, to the. Yeah. This is an epic. We're, we're in an epic. Yeah. I um, love the roller coaster mm. of an epic where you lose and find your mind. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm in the mode of like. Don't ever stay your welcome, Marcel, but do do a decent <laughs> enough job where you're still delivering, but also be aware that, uh, oh my goodness. No, is, I, uh, you're pe- doing great. Genuinely, don't don't feel like you have to rush. And the listeners have said many times, they love the long ones. So I love the long ones too. I just don't, I, I'll listen to them over different. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the beauty sure, of yeah. it, right? Occasionally people complain about lengths, like too long. It's like. Forgetting that they can pause or just stop <laughs> altogether. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. And then on the flip side, sometimes the episodes are too short. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. You're keeping them too short now. Should like... we put an interval in this one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. With more intermissions. Yeah, yeah, like like a half hour silence. Yeah. In the middle, so people can pop out for a, you know, get down the shops or something. <laughs> and then when they see a four hour episode on their uh, on their podcast app, they're like, "What the fuck?" And they're like, "No, no, no, no don't worry, it's most got of two intervals." <laughs> I should say, so the... you can go to the concession stand. Yes. Yeah. The vast majority of people don't complain either way. They don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah. I, I assume they're happy with whatever. Yeah. Imagine writing into one of your favorite podcasts with with feedback. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you done that before? Yes. What did you do? <laughs> oh, no. no comment. All right, the big <laughs> heist. Um, oh, that's ringing the Vegas bell. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was. Um, have we taken it on board? Yeah, it was all a well, well-meaning. Oh, it's all. I think it's well always mean. well-meaning. Yeah, but also it's just hard to it's, stick out. Stay out of it. Myself. Sometimes it's just hard to. You know, when you're getting contradictory feedback, mm. it makes me feel real anxious. Like I can't. I'm like, I don't I know win. what to. I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do here. But also, like longer and I, like any creative thing, like people are figuring it out. You know, and like especially, like you just let let people figure it out. But also, like I I think to. Like who? What's the Australian comedian that told Eric Banner not to take the chopper role? Oh, Dave O'Neill. Dave O'Neill. Like yeah. those sort of moments where, like, just don't say anything <laughs> in those. Imagine that. That's I didn't what, know that. Yeah, he said, "Oh, yeah, don't, don't do that. Stay with, stay with comedy. Don't. That's <laughs> yeah, gonna be yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, Dave O'Neill. So don't, don't. Take oh no, nah, re- Eric, I wouldn't. <laughs> I remember Marcel he emailed saying, "Get rid of this, Dave guy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we finally have. Mm. We didn't. Yeah, yeah. The, the listeners all slowly realise that this European vacation <laughs> goes on for a very long time. Oh yeah, they're still in Europe. It has been for five years, and um, 
We wish him well. Anyway. <laughs> and Marcel's back again. Yeah. He's visiting Melbourne and said he'd drop by. So, so that's yeah. good. That'd be brutal if you use one of his great punchlines about it. And we wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I got that from. Dave. May he rest in peace. Yeah, no, I mean, no, enjoy his holiday. Enjoy oh, you yeah, re- enjoy, enjoy the rest because time rest difference in, means yeah. he's probably sleeping he's a, now. He's a yeah, snoozer. that's all. He's a snoozer he's right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're back from the intermission. Uh, <laughs> so the big heist. I uh, like how we just went on <laughs> quite a, a long, tedious riff mm. off the back of you going. We better hurry up here. Mm. That um, is. Oh, real... I'm, I want to say this for for truth, just so we don't leave early on in this podcast. I love listening to it, and I remember. I must have just been in, I don't know what mood I was in, and I want you to forgive me. A helpful mood. I sent a message being like, I think sometimes the tangents are too long, (laughs) and I love the subject. You know, so it was me being like, yeah. And and this podcast is famous for (laughs) tangents, and like, it's why people love it. So I felt like Eric Bennett, like being told, <laughs> like, hey, what if you don't do that? What if you don't do the thing that makes this show the best? <laughs> I know. I, I think there would be plenty yeah. of people who stop listening mm. for that reason as mm. well. So it's uh, it's That's hard. Uh, we could, uh, yeah. Who knows what? But would I'm happen a big, I'm a big listener of this podcast. Um, mm. I think we also. I think we talked about that at one point. We're mm. like. But what what would we be? Just like it, people can find out stuff on the internet easily. Yeah. This is yeah, exactly. well, look how easily we've found out this stuff. Yeah. What if you just read the entire Wikipedia page, you guys? Yeah. And what if it was just one in. person in the room doing that? Apparently, that is a podcast. It's a sleep time podcast. Maybe you could try that. That's not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I use Wikipedia pretty. I only use it every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is a bit of a misconception about the show that we're just reading the Wikipedia. <laughs> I page. use it a bit. I think it's great. Oh, and Marcel, other, I don't other... think you should really play into this myth. <laughs> that was the other message I sent. You go back into your, into your <laughs> inbox. It's like, also, Wikipedia is brought up too much, and that Wikipedia joke you keep making, <laughs> boring. <laughs> yeah, that also, con- Matt sucks. Jess is a loser. Dave rules. <laughs> <laughs> He's changed his tune. <laughs> Stuff that I've just written, like, you know, drunk at 2 a.m. Yeah. When you're being too honest. And another thing. It's a lot of that. Um, have you ever sent a message to someone like on Facebook and you like you haven't messaged them in ages and like there is a message from ages <laughs> ago like because it, it you know that's that's awkward too yeah yes oh, it's so nice that you can now delete the messages the last message was like begging for a gig and <laughs> yeah. they're like oh hey can I also can yeah, I get a gig last again? time I messaged you was also can I have a gig how um, are you by the way but are I also you see you as a person yeah. <laughs> hey man how's it going I hope you're doing really well can't believe it's been so long. That gig, yeah. <laughs> that, that gig thing? you run above that record store. <laughs> so the big heist in in uh, in Rogue Nation is uh, this impossible mission is uh, how to break into a vault via the server's cooling tank in order to get a ledger that proves the syndicate is real. Because everyone's saying the syndicate's a myth, bro. It doesn't exist. Alec Baldwin's not convinced. So it's only, I think the the sort of series is overdue to have an underwater level by now. You know what I mean? It's only natural. Come to think of it, I don't think they've done, correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't done like a skiing level. There is snow Uh, in the next movie, but there hasn't, there isn't. Yeah. That's a big action play. That's because uh, the guy did Ninja Turtles and Transform. Michael Bay hasn't Mm. done one yet. That'll yeah, definitely right. have a some oh, sort of a ski him. fight. Oh, don't give don't give Michael Bay I this movie. I don't think they would, would they? I don't think so. I think Cruz has uh, has too much control. 
Wait, could you uh, say that more efficiently? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't possibly. Um, one of my, the fun gadgets in this one is a, a, an assassin who, who uses a, a trumpet and he converts it into a into a sniper rifle. Love That's that. cool. Which feels like something out of a Leslie Nielsen movie or something. Yes. <laughs> Only in the lesson, Leslie Neal, it would sound like a trumpet as he shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first Mission Impossible movie to not feature what they call an IMDb a jump and hang, which is the starfish uh, moment. Yep. So how do you even know it's a Mission Impossible movie? I don't know. It doesn't count. It's not canon. My favorite bit in this is there's a battle at an opera. Like while the opera is happening, like Ethan and this guy are are battling this assassin um, and Benji is having to stop this other assassin. There's three assassins going on at the same time in this same opera. Um, there's this, the worst IMDb trivia I've ever seen. At the time of the movie's release, the Chancellor of Austria was Werner Feynman and there was never an attempt on his life. <laughs> Wait, they're saying this is <laughs> fiction? <laughs> that the stupidest thing? Uh... wasn't even the same guy. <laughs> What is this from the future or what? I don't get it. I don't get it. This is dumb. I better put that online. I better I better type that into trivia because they, no one ever tried to kill him. That's weird. They put that in the movie. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so, so funny. good. Um, so this is the big movie where uh, Ethan Hunt uh, climbs on the outside of a, an air, airplane that's taking off. So this was using a lot of promo material that, oh, he's going to hold onto the side of the airplane as it's as it's launching. And this is just in the opening sequence of the movie, oh, like pre, pre-credits roll. Um, but it's an amazing stunt. So hmm. to capture the action, a wind-resistant custom frame for the camera was built and mounted onto the left wing of the plane. The other major problem would be keeping Cruz's eyes open in the presence of the he fast wind. He got very sleepy in his old age. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> it's not exciting enough for him. Like, okay, mm-hmm. good grief. So his eye specialist designed a special lens that can cover the entire eyeball. Doesn't that sound super gross? Oh, wait, yeah. the entire eyeball? Yeah. Oh, I don't like it at all. I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess it's all the all the stuff that the wind would be able to hit. So I guess, like, yeah, a lot of the front, I suppose. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah would... and they cut, they, they cut the bit that connects that cord that puts it into the brain <laughs> or whatever. Sorry, I should say I'm not a scientist. But, <laughs> it, like, it fully wraps the eyeball and he, cut, he goes blind. Just in silicone. Like, but you can keep your eyes open now. Eight takes of the stunt were filmed. Christopher McQuarrie was very concerned that the actor might panic suddenly, but was assured by crews to not stop filming until the stunt had been finished. So, like, that's the thing with these huge stunts. It's like, not only is he doing it, like, like he's doing it eight times to get the footage, which is just wild. It's just crazy. No wonder he couldn't keep his eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> Big day. So, Ethan's back in London for the first time since the first movie. Uh, his new power in this movie, uh, <laughs> towards the end, uh, the syndicate, he got he gets this big list of all the syndicate's like bank information where they'd be able to fund their terrorist attacks and continue to be this rogue IMF, uh, evil IMF. But Cruz destroys the uh, USB stick, but not until he's memorized all the bank information himself. Sure. Uh, so he, so I don't even know my bank information. <laughs> Neither do I. My my wife's very good at remembering any numbers. I can't do it at all. So like so Solomon Lane's there going like I'm going to blow up Benji. He's got a explosive device attached to Benji and says like um he says where's the disc and Ethan Hunt replies you're looking at it. 
I am the disc. That's good. <laughs> the original line was, you can't handle the disc. Um, but they, they changed that at the, at the last minute. Citation needed. <laughs> uh, this is the first Mission Impossible where the main villain is not killed. Oh. So all the other movies. I didn't mention uh, that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character uh, gets uh, hit by a car. Um, they're both underneath a, a truck and Ethan Hunt lifts him up high enough to get taken out by, by the car, um, which is pretty intense. So he, kill, he kills a bit, Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt's not one of those sort of superheroes like... He's not a Batman type. He's not a Batman type. Although I, I was thinking recently about characters like Batman and Spider-Man that that must do some horrific injuries yeah. to these people. Sometimes low-level criminals must yeah. never walk again and Spider-Man is there going, well, you shouldn't have dealt that small amount of drugs. <laughs> yeah, yes, to, to support know. your family. <laughs> I'm yeah. the mo- I've am the. i got the moral high ground here. Yeah. I didn't kill you, though, did I? Kill I'm you. a good guy. You're alive. You've got, actually, you've got an opportunity to turn your life around. And it's like, actually, I don't because I can't walk and I, I couldn't possibly get a job, Spider-Man. Yeah. Can you, are you going to do anything to help me? You're the American healthcare access- system is <laughs> terrible. And you have access to a lot of great tech. Yeah. Could you, Any way you could help me out? Could you ask Tony Stark to get me some new legs or something? No, no you should okay. have thought of that before you dealt that small amount of drugs. Yeah. Or you, you didn't actually do it. You were just next to the guys doing it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, gotta well, go. Anyway, whip, 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 whip. That's just him saying that out loud. Um, there's not enough thwarting in too much thwipping. Yeah, if you ask this me. is true. This is true. So Sean Harris, who plays Solomon Lane, he agreed to appear as as the villain on the proviso that his character be killed and he didn't want to be in any sequels. Um, And they didn't do that. (laughs) They didn't do it. So both writer... So Christopher... Christopher, I can't say the word Christopher today. Christopher Macquarie and Tom Cruise agreed but couldn't find a way to dispose of the character that felt narratively satisfying. As a result, they decided to have Lane be captured with no plans to reappear. However, during the last days of filming Rogue Nation... They both of the idea that the next film's mission should revolve around Hunt having to break Lane out of prison. So they're like, nah. <laughs> you actually are coming back. And what did yeah. L- Lane had to do it against his will? The next movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole movie he's he's like blinking at the camera to like save me. You know, and like no one, no, they had to edit out his eyelids so it didn't distract from the viewing. You know? it's actually, and, and it's creepier. It's yeah. more distracting because he never blinks. Sometimes in the background of some scenes, you can see him mouthing the words "Help me, help me." Yeah. Yeah. It's me, Sean Harris. <laughs> I'm not in character. <laughs> I didn't want to be here. And then Tom Cruise just steps in front of him and shakes his head. And because everything's good here. <laughs> <laughs> they left all of that in. It's it's weird. It's a strangely it's, edited. It's a strange film. choice. So let's talk about the most recent movie to come out. This is Mission Impossible Fallout, twenty eighteen. This is about I I didn't realize there were this many, and I should say mm. I watched them all a few months mm. ago. But I think this is maybe my favorite of all of them. I think, but I, I think they've all like the last three have all been great. Yeah, I think this one is the biggest thrill ride. Dare I say, okay. biggest romp. It's the biggest romp, and I think it's got the best amount of, like, it's got the best characters in it. Um, I also, you know, sometimes when when you see the film and the mood you're in can elevate it. I remember mm. I went to uh, this Indian restaurant in Brisbane. I love Indian. In, in New Farm. Mm. And uh, there's a deal there. You can have a meal deal and get 
includes a two disc. Two <laughs> 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 yeah, and it includes two, two movie tickets for the cinema across the road. Oh right. And I yeah, used one of those tickets to wander across the road and watch this film mm. in an empty cinema by myself. I was there for Brisbane Comedy Festival or something, mm. and it was, I'm just like, I'm living like a king. That's the best. That's what did you do with the second ticket? Uh, well, like any king would do. I lit it and smoked a cigar. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Oh, just like Cape Fear style in the cinema, just laughing it up yeah. while a family of people are like, hey, can you keep it down, buddy? I said it was empty. It was by the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is three years later, making it the shortest gap between mission movies. It's titled Fallout to refer both to nuclear fallout and the fallout of Hunt's actions. Or as one of the villains in the movie warns, the fallout of all your good intentions. Oh. Mm. And they also they did the uh, flossing dance in the film. Um, did that originate from that game? I'm not. Uh, Jess, fl- you're the gamer the, here. Fallout the game. No, you think you're Fortnite. Fortnite. Damn yeah. it, I get yeah. those two confused. Yeah, same. You know those moments where you're like, oh, am I supposed to know this reference? Um, yeah, and just sort of nod and be like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Actually, you fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not like me. <laughs> <laughs> the sharp, the small, the smart one of the group. I'm the brawn. Yeah. Jess, you're the man in the van. I'm the man in the van. Oh, God, actually, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, that's a great I'm a good role. driver. Is there a mattress great in the driver, van? Great driver, great parker. Can I have a snooze in the van? I could be the getaway driver. That's I'm, cool. I'm a pretty good driver. Not unlike baby driver himself. Yeah, but I'd mm. be listening to an audio book and, <laughs> and not cool tunes. That'd be amazing. So just every now and then I'd go... Because <laughs> you still have to match the driving to the yeah, audio. That's book, right, yeah. So it's actually quite a leisurely drive. <laughs> but that makes us less suspicious. That is true. All that skidding around and They're spinning like, well, that's and clearly stuff. the yeah, car. Yeah. You know? People don't drive like that. Yeah. So this is arguably the first uh, proper sequel in the series because it relies substantially on pr- plot devices and even antagonists established in the preceding Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. So, like, if you watch this one without seeing the previous one, you would you would get a little bit lost because there's a lot of stuff going on. Similar to the later Fast and the Furious movies. Like, if you watch them in isolation, you start to go, okay, why do I care about any of these people? I think I that's what I did. I, mm. I hadn't seen the previous ones at this stage. This is the one that got me into it to go back and watch oh, the other ones. Right. And I still really enjoyed it without knowing. I just sort of, you know, you just go, all right, I get it. Yeah, it's these movies are a stuff. bit confusing anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. I think that must be one of the trickiest things for them because they've got this device where anyone can be anyone else because of the masks. Mm. It must be, you've just got to get that balance right so that people watching aren't like, ah, fuck this. Yeah. And I reckon yeah. maybe that second one, the one that had so many masks, got to the point where you're like, oh, this is getting a bit silly now. Yeah. Even though it is silly, but it can be, somehow there's a threshold of how much you take before you're like, I'm not taking anyone at their word now. Yeah, exactly. You've still got to buy into the thing. So the wiki synopsis for this one, when an IMF mission to recover plutonium ends badly, the world is faced with a threat of the Apostles, a terrorist organization formed by former members of the syndicate. As Ethan Hunt takes it upon himself to fulfill the original mission, the CIA begins to question his loyalty and his motives. So the opening shot of this one, Ethan and his wife, Michelle Monaghan, is back uh, getting married on a beach. But what's this? Who's the priest? Only Solomon <gasps> Lane. What? what? And then he wakes up. It's a dream. Uh, a nightmare, if you will. This is okay. the first dream sequence we've seen in the movie. There's a few more in this um, in this movie because Ethan Hunt's, he's not, he's a little bit, 
he's always cool and calm pretty much, but there's a few moments where he's like a little bit on edge. Yeah. Okay. Like he, he always has to be in control, but he's a few moments he goes, oh, I'm a little jittered. <laughs> oh, I'm a little jittered by this. Oh, I just need to, you know what, guys? He like is in the middle of a fight scene. He's like, can I just, can I just have a couple of minutes to gather my yeah, thoughts? Just give me five. Yeah. Just give can me, we all take five? We'll take, take five. five. I'm just, um, if I can be honest, I am in a bit of a weird place at the moment. I'm not sleeping all that well. <laughs> and, in a bit of a um, funk, okay. I'm in a funk. Mm. And um, yeah, I just, I am not myself. I'm so sorry. People call me Ethan Hunt. I'm more Ethan Funk at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, oh, this is, I, I love code phrases in these spy movies. So a knock at his door comes after uh, he does the, after, after he wakes up from his nightmare and the delivery man says, fate whispers to the warrior. And Ethan Hunt says, a storm is coming. The delivery man says, and the warrior whispers back. And Ethan Hunt says, I am the storm. Ooh, Ooh that's, that's a good badass. line. Yeah, I like nice that. little combo. Uh, in the Shadow movies, they have this as well, if I can bring things back to the Shadow. And you can. Um, Please do. Um, fuck, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's something like the guy Like the guy says, the, oh, the ice is slippery. Uh, watch the movie and get back <laughs> yeah, to me. But it's great delightful. sizzle, though. Yeah, great I think a sizzle. lot of people are going, oh, I want to watch it and find out. <laughs> Uh, he does a lot of the shadow does a lot of life saving, and he says, "I saved your life. Now it belongs to me." Which is, oh. it's then he has a lot of operatives that work for him. So if oh, I save your okay. life, you're now at my bidding. Anytime I need you, okay, just let me die. <laughs> oh, if that's the case. <laughs> let me go. Yeah, I'll go. Put me back in the in the back in the water. volcano. Thank you. The water volcano. <laughs> I saved your life. Now it belongs to me. So the first mission of this movie. Uh, fails, so this is the plutonium thing, and Hunt and Benji and Luther lose the plutonium. Luther almost dies. Um, we cut to a series of nuclear attacks on the TV. Uh, Wolf Blitzer is on the news announcing about these nuclear attacks, uh, and there's a man in hospital bed. He's watching this news. He's just woken up, and he's seeing the news on TV. And then Luther and Hunt come in, and they're like, hey, you're the nuclear guy. You're the guy who... Uh, made these nuclear devices, and now look what they've done. They've blown up the whole world. We've got your manifesto here. This was all your intention. And he's like, what happened to me? He's like, oh, you were in a car accident two weeks ago, and since then all these monuments have been exploded by these nuclear weapons. Um, And we need you to unlock this phone because sure. you know we need to be able to get this information from you and we yeah it's it's locked and we we need a sim card to go overseas <laughs> and yeah so if, if, i don't know if you i know this is sort of off topic but if you could i've got a holiday to thailand yeah, just after we end. wrap this up so yeah i just yeah i didn't want to be without a phone obviously and also sometimes it's hard to like to uh, just rely on Wi-Fi, so I want mm. yeah I want to get a SIM card in there, but the phone is unlimited locked. data would be great. If you that's can, not too much to ask. So um, I remember watching this scene and being like, oh my god, the IMF has already lost the mission. Like there's been nuclear explosions in the world, and the guy's like, hey, if you get Wolf Blitzer to read my manifesto on TV, I'll unlock the phone. So they're like, we've got no choice, and they're doing they're doing, and they and they they get on the phone to their bosses. Wolf Blitzer gets his manifesto that he starts reading. The nuclear villain in the bed's like, all right, I'll unlock my phone that has all this information on it. And then Ethan Hunt's like, he just says, go. And then the hospital room yes. falls down around it's him. It's all, been a, it's all been a so set. Uh, 
uh, Wolf Blitzer was just Benji wearing a mask. Whoa. Um, they don't really explain the footage of the nuclear blasts. I guess that maybe like um, Dr. Evil, they just got the footage from Independence Day or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, they, yeah. they put masks on the monuments. <laughs> fire masks. masks. And fire yeah. masks, yeah. Because you can't just be in the movie masks. like, oh, we used, we used CGI for those explosions yeah. like you would if you were in a movie. Uh, <laughs> I think CGI can still exist in a movie with CGI in it. Mm. Surely. Well, you can, but like it also takes you out. Like, then what's the difference between a CGI explosion and a real explosion yeah. in the same world? Do they have to make it look particularly bad, like it's claymation or something like that? In yeah, the, I mean, what's yeah. the difference between a CGI and a real explosion in our world? That's so true. Whoa. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, well, that's whoa, deep. I've been actually, thinking about that for a long time. That spun me around a full 360. Yeah. So I agree with my original <laughs> point of view still. <laughs> <laughs> The villain in this movie is the mysterious John Lark. So once again, you've got like a guy who's like, this is a, there's an evil guy in mm. the midst, but we don't know who it is yet. Even Lark is even, even though it's not what we were talking about before, like a Dr. X or something, it's still La- somehow, something spooky about Lark. Yeah. Mm. Is that mm. a, like a kind of bird or something? Yeah. I believe so. A spooky bird. Like one of those birds that kills. I don't think they're spooky. I think they're just nice little birds. I, th- I think they might herald something. Herald. Oh, yes. Yeah. Herald evil times yes. or something. Or is that, am I thinking the word hark? <laughs> hark, who goes there? Yeah, but, um, but you would hark a lark, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's true. Hark a lark. Um, the big stunt in this one is a huge, is, is, a, is a halo jump. Do you, know, do you know what halo stands for? You want to take a stab? Hey! In relation to like a big jump. Yeah, I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> legs. Hey, all legs over! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're close. It's, it's high altitude, low opening. That's what I said. Yeah. Hey, all legs over. Um, so I guess low opening <laughs> refers to like how like how close to the ground they are before their parachutes are opened. Mm. So this one is is sort of insane. So in this like this sequence was like pra- they practice over a year to, to do this for Tom Cruise to do this for real. Whoa! Um, they also like in, as part of the sequence, he's he's pretending like you know it's obviously all pretending it's a movie, but like the other Henry Cavill's character who we'll talk about in a sec. He's passed out like while falling, and so Ethan Hunt has to try and um, wake him up midair um, and reattach his oxygen, so he can wake up and, and land safely. This guy said that rescuing another another person in freefall while skydiving is very difficult. Alan Hewitt says that it takes accelerated freefall instructors over one thousand jumps to get it right, and something like seventy percent of the people who try to qualify the instructor level fail. Tom just had 100 jumps to perfect this. So Tom Cruise is like some sort of weird machine man. Yeah, yeah he can learn skills real quick. I wonder where he gets his energy from. Coke? Yeah, I don't know. I you mean, it's probably, from Elrond? I mean, you hear about people like these, like, blood from young people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You that think would it's really well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young yeah. blood. Yeah. Young blood. Virgin but like blood, what so. kind of age has the most energy? I'm thinking toddlers. Yeah, that's true. Toddler blood. And okay. remember, he was in Interview with a Vampire. That's true. Think about it. Don't toddlers nap every day? Shit, okay. That's true. So what are you, it's teenagers? What if you get a mix, you mix some toddler blood with some teenager blood? Because teenagers sleep a lot as well, but you know, they just have more resilience to like, do you remember being hung over as a, a teen and early 20s and you were fu- you could go to work? Yeah, I reckon early 20s is probably... Early the, 20s, yeah. is, you, could, you could just survive on so little sleep and the shittest food 
and you never exercised and you looked the best you've ever looked and felt the best you've ever felt. Yeah, let's kill them. <laughs> kill them all. Drain yeah, their blood. You don't have to kill them to get their blood. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is news to me. Well, I've got some families to apologise to. Because <laughs> I've killed a lot of kids. Uh, so Henry Cavill, Superman himself. He's, is, uh, he's great in this. He's amazing in yeah. this. He's, he's, he's a, a beautiful addition. So he's joining the squad on behalf of the CIA. So they're like, hey, we don't try the IMF doing this mission after they lost the plutonium. Mm. So Angela Bassett's character, uh, who's the new director of the CIA, um, after Alec Baldwin's character left to run the IMF, he uh, she's like, all right, we're putting Henry Cavill in there. His is name he is British? No, he's American. His name's August Walker. Oh, <laughs> August Walker. Augie August. Walker. I like Augie, it. Augie Walker. Hello, it's me, Augie Walker. <laughs> August's a great name. Got to listen to named August, or we used to. Yeah. One of my fave names. Great it's name, a good name. August. It's a good name. Like, and as far as the months go, you hear April sometimes, which is fine, sure. or May. April's nice. June. May June is, nice. is yeah. January. I, yeah, I, but January I reckon James. August mm. is the best month name. I've never met a December, though. Or an October. Mm. That feels, I mean, they're, I assume I'm they're right out there. I'm on a hunt for a, a red October. <gasps> October hunt. Mm. <laughs> Oh. We, should we should we get on Ethan? <laughs> Give him some ideas? Yeah. So this is a nice little way to describe these characters. So Angela Bassett's character says, You use a scalpel, I prefer a hammer. So okay. that's that's who Agent Walker is. Here's a hammer yep. to Ethan Hunt's scalpel. Right. And to every problem to Walker is looks like a nail. That's true. He, he is that sort of guy. So he's got this beautiful big moustache. He is a, a tank of a man. <gasps> this is the one, this is the reason they had to CGI out his moustache in one of the Superman movies. Exactly. So they got, they had to do reshoots for Justice mm. League. And, and because of the idea of like, well, we own this guy and we own the other guy. Um, yeah, they had to CGI the moustache because they refused to sort of work around it. Wow. Um, yeah, and it looks awful, and that, that movie is, that whole scene is awful as a result. Uh, Jerry Morena is not in this film due to his commitment. He was he was busy doing Avengers stuff. Apparently, if he was to do the movie, they would have killed him in the first scene. Okay, so, good thing he would good, good wasn't move. available. And, and it sort of doesn't really need to be mentioned where he is because a lot of the movie is like on the run sort of stuff where we're moving quickly. We don't like we haven't really put a team together sort yeah. of stuff. When you're on the run, you don't have a lot of time to check in with old friends. Yeah, exactly. And be like, oh, hey, who can we count on in this moment? Maybe the guy who was in the last two movies? Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Like a lot of those Avengers movies have like moments where like, oh, should we call up our other superhero buddies for this one? They're like, oh no, his yeah, we don't want to bother him because he's doing other this stuff. This isn't an Iron Man mission. This is this is more of an Ant Man thing. We need someone small. We need a small guy. And is how it... how tall is Tony Stark? Uh, mm. He's not. He's, he's not like an five ant size. eight, but then you put him in the yeah. in the suit. He's obviously giving himself platforms. He's, he's like fit, six two. He's not going to fit this mouse hole. Yeah. Is he? No, we need Ant Man. Yeah, we need Ant Man to chase this mouse. Well, mouse like Man in Deadpool or one of those movies, and they just have the two of the cheapest X Men appear. Yeah, they they're like, "Oh, the whole X Men house is empty." Apart from, and now I sort of made a joke of it, mm. but we got Big Metal Man. Deadpool loves a little gag. Oh. He's not afraid of a gag. Yeah, if you like Fourth Walls, this is not the movie for you because they get broken. <laughs> um. So the best fight in this movie, there's this iconic fight scene in a, a bathroom in a giant club in. In Paris, where they parachute into, um, for some reason it is also the cleanest club bathroom you've ever seen, and also <laughs> oh, often, it is so white. Often yes, the emptiest right. as well. Like rarely are people ever coming into this. 
Whenever I see something like that in an action movie, like a really clean thing, or someone's wearing a white shirt, or in a horror, horror movie where they're not wearing shoes and wearing shorts, you're like, well, blood's coming to that clean oh, white interesting. thing. Interesting. It just feels like... I remember I was watching a horror movie the other month, and this guy was walking around at home with <laughs> shorts and no shoes on. I'm like, he's having his legs slashed, and that's what happened. Oh. It's just like, it just feels like, why else would it's they... It's like Chekhov's legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you introduce a pair of bare legs in Act 1, uh, you have to cut slashed. them off by Act 2. <laughs> but did they splatter a lot of blood in the sink? Is that... There's a little bit, but remember, this is a PG-13 movie, so oh. if you put too much blood in, then... Um, you lose, you, you become MA or, or R-rated in America straight away. Yeah, but so, this is more MMA. Does, a bit does, of, <laughs> does American go PG-13 to R? Yeah, they don't have MA. So M that's, or MA. That's why, our, that's why when you hear like, oh, you know, like Deadpool, oh, Deadpool's going to be an R-rated movie. To an Australian audience, it's like, oh, that sounds... Oh, that that's, hardcore that's, porn? That's, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. sounds hardcore. Yeah, um, right. But to an American audience, it's just, yeah, it's 18 plus. Right. So we've got like PG and then M, then MA. yeah. MA they, 15 plus restricted. Yeah. yeah. They don't have it. They just have yeah, PG 13. So they, yeah, it's it's a confusing well, it's, thing. It's different over there. We slowly mature, but over there, they go from teens to adults like boom. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they true. Can, We're they very can handle slow. it. They can handle it. It's so funny how beyond the age of about 13, 14, you don't really pay attention to. I have no idea the ratings of films mm. because I'm a grown up and I can go see any of them. <laughs> oh, really? You know, you don't watch it. You go, oh, this is uh, this might be a bit scary for me. Oh yeah, no. If if I watch a trailer and go, oh, spooky, mm. then I'm not watching it. Yeah, I'd try, ideally, I'd, and I'd ideally don't want to know, especially if it's. PG, because I'll be so aware of it. I'm like, oh, they're not a, like they're not that person. Definitely fuck. would have said fuck there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you the, don't know, you don't miss it. This is the first uh, Mission Impossible movie that they do say fuck in, because <gasps> you can say one fuck that's not sexual, sexual in a PG-13. You can't movie. say I want to fuck. Yeah, you can't say yeah. that. Ethan doesn't say I want to fuck. But you can say oh fuck. Yeah, you can say oh fuck. once. Yeah, I believe it's. I believe it is. Uh, Walker himself that says fucking, I think, in some some scene. Right. So yeah, amazing amazing fight scene. Apparently it uh it was meant to be shot in four days, but it took several weeks to be shot. And and it's just a beautiful fight. This is the fight scene that you might remember from the trailer where um Henry's Henry Cavill's character reloads his arms. Oh. Yeah. And sort of jacks his arms so in a way. Good. Like they're two beefy shotguns and it's <laughs> Just a, a beautiful moment. Love and it. They go, oh, apparently that scene was, that idea was improvised. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Oh, he thought of that. He's a, he, the actor did an acting thing. That's what <laughs> actors are doing. They, they have to fill in a thing because the director is often going like, okay, you'll walk from this space to this space and you're, and you're, and you're angry and you want to fight that guy. So it's not amazing that he's like, oh, maybe I'll move my arms a bit. It's like, oh, that was, you improvised Whoa, that? I thought of that. Are you the most genius man he in the world? is an artist. <laughs> Artiste, I would say. Um, Max is back. Sorry, Skullface. Um, Thank you. But it's her, her daughter this time Ooh, around. Max and her Junior. name, you'll like this, the daughter's code name, The White Widow. Oh, yeah. about that. That's better. Now she doesn't talking. have to be called Skullface because she's already got a cool name. White Widow's good. And she's doing that same sort of shadow broker sort of stuff yeah. as well. Um, the Act 2 mission is is a big one as well. So this one's, we've got to break out Solomon Lane, as I alluded to before. Um, so now Ethan Hunt, uh, 
as under has gone in undercover as John Locke. So, but now he's going undercover as John Locke. But then the CIA is going, but is actually is Ethan Hunt actually John uh. Locke? And now it's just a convenient thing that he's pretending to be undercover as John Locke. But this whole time, actually, he is the evil guy. John is he double Locke, bluffing or is look- he triple bluffing? Yeah, exactly. So now he's <laughs> sort of in John Locke mode, which is confusing. I can see Jess's face begin to yeah glaze over a little bit. Have there. you seen these movies? No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a single one. I think you, I think well, you enjoy. I, them. I feel like yeah. you'd enjoy them too, but maybe not. What mm. What do you reckon? Just on having heard? Oh, I definitely want to watch them. Mm. Yes, because they feel like a fun romp. But I think I've probably avoided them because I am probably in that camp of like I don't really like Tom Cruise that much. Right. Mm. Yep. But then I saw that movie with him and Emily Blunt. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, mm. and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I reckon I that one turned me back it. around as well. Yeah. yeah, that movie's great. I was like, he he had moments in there where I was like, is he funny? Mm. Like, is he capable of funny? Oh my god! I just it's nice think it's really good. Yeah, mm. I love that scene where he's uh, having to learn how to to roll away from everyone doing push-ups, and and the first times he's trying to roll away, he gets crushed by a yeah. car. And and the and the army instructor is like, why the hell would you do that? Yeah, it's good stuff. Very funny. The vibe of this episode would have been so different if Dave was here. Yeah, because he hates Tom Cruise. He would have been saying Pfft, a lot. Oh, Pfft. Tom Cruise did steal his first girlfriend. Oh, uh, that is yeah, true. We should mention that. That's why. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah he that's wore a Dave thing. mask. It was actually really <laughs> fucking weird. Pretty full on, actually. And then he took the mask off, and the girlfriend was like, "Oh, much better." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we wish Dave well. Yeah, we do wish him well on his uh, <laughs> holiday. And I'm holiday. Not do- I'm not doing air quotes right now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they break out Solomon Lane in this amazing, um, like, uh, they he's in, he's in prison transport. Not unlike how they broke out Dom out of prison in uh, one of the Fast and the Furious mm. movies as well. Um, are they set in the same universe? <gasps> Maybe. Maybe. Wow. I would love to see a team up movie. What about in the A team where they just they blast the door off the back of the? Oh, then he rides the door. He rides he? the door. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. That's mm. my favorite. I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. You gotta see it. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a romp. I've that's seen a some freaking romp. Recently, I've seen a few clips of the. TV show and it's awful. Oh yeah, yeah, but but the, I mean, maybe fun. awful in a fun way. I don't know. I watched, I kept watching it for ages. <laughs> what does that say about you? Yeah, I'm just like, I, I can't, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's like, just like every time I'm on TikTok, I get Big Bang Theory clips and I watch them. What's right. the thing with those TikTok clips that are just recaps of TV shows? Yeah, and stuff? those are bizarre. I watch all of them though. Yeah, me too. Well, I think it's good that they're helping the Big Bang Theory find a new audience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally. That niche show. So they they knock this car, the truck that Solomon Lane is in, into the water. There's this great underwater sequence. Meanwhile, uh, Ethan Hunt and uh, Walker have to like they have a they have a truck chase. Then that turns into a, a, a bike chase once again. Uh, Ethan Hunt is not wearing a helmet, nor is he wearing um, sunglasses this time. So he has to now use those weird contact lenses again, ah. so he can. Uh, ride a motorcycle without a helmet or sunglasses, any protective gear, which seems insane. Where where are we at this point? We're we're still in Paris. Paris, Paris, Paris. So like they're doing the bidding of the White Widow. The White Widow's like, hey, if you want to get this plutonium back, You've got to break out Solomon Lane because that's what I, that's the broke that that's the broker that I'm broking today. I'm I'm a broker, 
Yeah, it's confusing. This is how I broke. <laughs> Honestly, it's like a whole personality, you know? Get 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 a hobby or something. Get a yeah, husband. Exactly. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> yes. She did have a husband. Oh, okay. What? We'll get another one. The White Widow. Oh. oh. Get a new husband. Yeah, that's true. Hey, everyone grieves in their own time. That's true. And don't, <laughs> don't make it your whole thing as well. That's going to be a real buzzkill on a date. Like, what's your name? Oh, I go white by the widow. White Widow. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Um, well, I don't Check, need please. to ask any <laughs> questions about your past. Are they the spiders that fuck then kill their partner? Black, black, black Widows. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. I don't know how silly I must sound now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Confusing those you're two a, very different things. You're a silly Billy. Um, this is the one where Tom Cruise uh, broke his ankle on set and it stopped filming for a while. And it's sort of a small stunt that he was doing. He was jumping between two buildings. It wasn't a huge gap, but he misjudged the fall and and broke his ankle. Ow. But he still recovers enough. in Like the shot that they use in the movie is the oh, ankle wow. breaking That's and he still cool. runs off camera with it Holy broken, shit. Which is pretty intense. Um also, the doctors had thought his injury would take nine weeks to heal, but Cruz was able to start running slowly just after seven weeks. Huh. Classic Cruz behavior. Team blood. He definitely, yeah, he does have some sort of healing thing. Yeah. Wolverine style. Yeah, well, Wolverine I mean, he's style. a m- multi millionaire. This is true. So he can afford you got virgin blood. You got a team. Oh, yes, you got a team. You got, you know, a team. You got physios, you got. What, naturopaths, you robots. got robots, mm. you got teenagers to slaughter, it's, nanotechnology, you got, you got, nanotechnology, mm. you got Iron Man on his team. Mm. Yeah, he's fixing stuff for you. It's, yeah, it's, it's not it's... like, oh, I'm so strong, like I did this through willpower alone. It's no, like, no, no, oh, no, yeah, I'm you sure. got a team, you stole someone else's ankle. Yeah, off the black market. you got an ankle repli- mm. um, transplant. Yeah, uh, there is no cable guy moment in this one. What? Uh, there is, there are cables, but there's okay. no like, there's okay. no, there's no, there's no, hang, there's no hanging starfish moment. But uh, at the, so we reveal later on that Walker was like pretty mid mid movie. We reveal that Walker was John Lark, so he's one of the apostles that are working for the, the syndicate and Solomon Lane. Which is Henry Cavill. Yeah, and Henry Cavill's turn from like both initially like I don't like your methods, Hunt, to like I don't like you, Hunt, and you're the yeah. worst. Is is such a great turn. Um, he kills Alec Baldwin. He stabs him, um, uh, which is uh, quite a moment. Uh, their showdown. They have this amazing helicopter showdown at the end of the movie, where of course Tom Cruise flew his helicopter for real. I like to think that he like would challenge Henry Cavill to also fly his helicopter. Be like, well, I'm doing it, so you should do oh, it. You're just going to get a guy to do it, are you? <laughs> well, you probably don't even fly as Superman for real either. <laughs> Lame. Um, and that fight. That fight's pretty amazing. Um, the cable guy moment, if there is one, is uh, Ethan Hunt pulls a cable off a cliff um, that then hooks into Henry Cavill's head, um, and he falls down a mountain. So I don't think we'll see. Damn it! I don't think we'll see Agent Walker in the next Whoa. movie. Unfortunately, it could be revealed like with some other guy in a mask or something. This is true, um, and I, I believe that Solomon Lane once again survives this movie as well. So they stop yeah. this nuclear attack. <laughs> the he guy just who wants doesn't to die. want to. <laughs> Please um, stop saying Am I remembering me? his voice? Right? He sort of talks. He sort of whisper talks. Hunt, I'm coming for your wife. I don't want to see yeah. the next movie, Hunt. <laughs> Please kill me off. I don't want to come to the premiere. Hunt. 
his wife's back in, the, in Act 3. Uh, it's revealed that Solomon Lane, he, he gets away from, um, after the prison break, he gets away from Hunt and the gang. Uh, and they go to, uh, I think it's India. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, internet. I didn't write this part down. Um, Monks Big Mountains. I think Kashmir. Yeah, is Kashmir. Bill, yeah, Bill. yeah. So, which is that Pakistan? I think it's on the border because the Indian Army does turn up at the end um, right. with uh, with Angela Bassett's character to mm. the rescue, but a little bit too late because right. Ethan Hunt's already saved the day with Luther and Benji um, and Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust. They all team up to save the day, but also Michelle Monaghan's there as well. Okay. And it was like, oh. Let's bring your wife to work that, day. No, that's why <laughs> That's why Solomon Lane chose that spot to set off the um, explosions, not only because it was bordering these other places, but he made a point to get Michelle Monaghan's character there ah. as because she's a hospital-type worker. Like, oh, I've, there's been a smallpox outbreak and you need to help this. And it just happens to be on the border of all these different countries. Okay. So Solomon Lane's just like, I hate the fuck out of Ethan Hunt. I'm going, I can say fuck once in this episode because it's yeah, PG-13. Yeah, and that was not a sexual fuck as well. So I can, oh, I've said it too many times. <laughs> um, but yeah, he hates him that much that he, he goes to this level of, I'm going to get his wife there. So he's also extra upset. But so she helps Luther um, defuse the bomb. Everyone is happy. Uh, the end question mark. Oh, so this we're coming to the end. The next movies, the the first trailer has come out for Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh my god! What? So just like the next Fast and the Furious movies are also going to be, I think, filmed back to back and released as a two parter. Okay, that's what the Mission Impossible movies are doing. So we can surmise as well that. This is probably going to be the last outing for old mate Ethan Hunt. Go out with a, a double bang. Go out with a double bang. And of course, like COVID has disrupted this. So these movies already should have been out. But now I think they're coming out in 2020, 2023 uh, in July, July 2014. And then the following year in June 28. So it's still going to be a little bit of a wait until those movies come out, which is enough time for you to catch up. Yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of time. You've really wetted our appetite. I've got Mm. enough time to catch up and then forget the films. (laughs) Yeah, which is kind of what I've done. Yeah. Because I I didn't remember Henry Cavill dying. Right. I I couldn't fully remember if he was the guy who turned bad. Okay. But I remember loving him. And and I think just like you, Jess, if listeners have gotten this far and have gone, oh, is is everything spoiled for me? These are experienced movies. So it's like if someone described a roller coaster to you, you wouldn't go, oh, I don't have to ride that roller coaster now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes the, like real fast <laughs> and then upside down for a bit. And then you go, woo, we do like a little twist. Imagine being that personality type. We'd go, well, I don't need to do that then, do I? Fine. Yeah. Okay. Know, oh. Thanks for ruining that roller coaster for me. <laughs> Um, some tiny things. So Chris, Christopher McQuarrie is coming back to film these. So like he's sort of become the guy. Hayley Atwell, Agent Carter herself, not, you know, Marvel's Agent yeah. Carter, not this film series, Agent Carter, has joined. No talk about whether those previous cast members, you know, um, that we talked about, like Paula Patton, are returning, which would be, like, cool to have a sense that, oh, maybe this would be your team-up movie where everyone sort of comes back to work together on a, on a big mission, but it doesn't seem like that's the case, or at least maybe they're maybe saving that for the for Dead Reckoning Part 2. Who knows? Um, tiny bit of trivia... Uh, I because I I, I made I put the trivia all through the rest of the piece. This is pretty much the only trivia that I've saved for the end. 
George Clooney was offered the part of Ethan Hunt, but turned down to work down in one turned down to work on One Fine Day. Remember that movie? Um no. A song by Boyz II Men and Mariah Carey. <laughs> about that, Bruce Willis, John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, uh, Ray Fiennes, Mel Gibson were all later considered for the part before Tom Cruise got the role. Wow! It um, seems like the. I mean, it, it's always hard to reimagine. Travolta, but oh, it's nineties when it yeah. started. Yeah, but it would. I don't I think, think it'd it still be going. No, nah, it? it wouldn't have gone. Can't imagine long. George Clooney still nah. getting around. Sort of with like the film. Ocean movies, I think. I think if they had continued, they would just be their own thing. Yeah, that, like it's sort of uh, like the true. different directors that might have got on board. They would have just stayed with the espionage thing rather than the action. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, you're right. Thing. I think most of these guys, it's like the like with the Ocean's Eleven movies, they would they stayed very much in the heist movies. There's never really many guns in that, if any guns. No. Um, so never maybe any would have arms just stayed that. cocking and <laughs> getting cocked and yeah. loaded. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta load your arms. <laughs> But, uh, and then the tiniest thing, I can answer that question from before. Members of you 2 remade the theme song in the first movie. Hey. So there you go. And Metallica, when did they do it? Uh, Underrated I... tune. You remember that one? No. Uh, what was it called? Not I refuse to tell you. Uh, yeah. That's your hey, mission. That's hey, your... hey, That one. Here I go now. <laughs> oh, that actually, yeah, I did read no. about that. That yeah. was the one that sort of sparked that. Um, oh, I disappear. It's cool. It sparked that whole uh, issue with Napster and stuff like that uh, as well. Yeah, that was sort of around that time when Metallica started getting real angry at internet downloads, uh, illegal downloads. Oh, it's from Mission Impossible 2. Mm. So that's my report on the Mission Impossible series. I reckon well you probably done. got in just under Michelle's time, too. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I don't Put really... it in, ti- in times two speed and we'll be right. We'll, be, we'll get through that. Do you have a favourite of the franchise? I think Rogue Nation... No, sorry. I think, no, I think for me, Ghost Protocol is my favourite because it's like it started that new era, much in the same way that Fast Five is probably my favorite. Right. But like, I love everything that happens in the in the movies to follow. Like, they almost feel mm-hmm. like their own separate thing. I rewatched all these movies for this report, um, and they all hold up in their own ways, and they all are interesting in their own ways as well. And seeing how they affect one another. But yeah, Ghost Protocol is just beautifully made. It's mm. just so fun. That's that's the one. And you could probably argue, and I'm sure there's plenty of things on the internet about this, that if you were hesitant, you probably could start with Ghost Protocol as your first Mission Impossible movie and then jump back. Yeah, you take out some of the sort of dated 90s stuff. and Yeah, like that's a great way to go, oh, this is what it becomes. Just like you can start the Fast and Furious movies with Fast Five and then go, all right, let's go back and then enjoy how this sort of all comes together. Yeah, Yeah, go back to the prequels. I I still haven't done Fast and the Furious since we spoke to Michelle. Oh, my God, she must be furious. But I'll I'll start at five, I think. I started doing it. I couldn't. I I started from the beginning, and mm. I, maybe I'll go again. Starting at five. Start because it's a heist movie. If you like yeah. a heist movie, it's, love a heist. Yeah, love a heist. Love Ocean's Eleven. Mm. Love They're a my heist. favorite episodes of this show. Big time. Apart mm. from, of, of course, big franchise recaps. <laughs> <laughs> they are a lot of fun. Oh my goodness! Well, it's been an absolute thrill to be on this show. A so thrill to have you. Oh, it's been such a thrill to have you. Well, Marcel, thank you so much for joining us uh, here today. Mm. Um, is there any way you can tell people, 
I've got a gun to your head, so mm-hmm. just be careful that you could read this phrase out, which describes your social media. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, uh, and the, will there be a countdown at the same time? I'm cocking my arms and my gun. <laughs> oh, it's very intimidating. Uh, so you can find me at Marcel the Comedian. on. That's my website. That's my handle on Instagram. Sorry I phrased this so awkwardly. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, please don't use my voice for anything. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, if you're in Sydney, I do a series of uh, I do comedy shows, Best Mates Comedy. And if you're everywhere else, um, you know, follow me. So when I come to your town, I like to travel. You can come and see me do stand-up comedy. And you bloody should hmm. do it. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. We're gonna kick you out before mm-hmm. we do everyone's favorite section of the show. Mm. Because that's for us. That's that, our time. That, that mm. thing's our time, and it's got nothing to do with the fact that you need to go now. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show, where we take about thirty to forty minutes and thank our great Patreon supporters at Patreon.com/slash/DoGoOnPod. But before we get into that, I probably should introduce our guest Shane Dunlop how do you do I'm very well thanks Matthew so Shane is the director of a show we're filming right now called The Beer Pioneer I guess you're the director but you're also the concept creator etc director feels a little bit of an overstatement, overstatement. really. Producer? Anyone ob- casually observing any random shoot day of the show would, would probably say director is a bit of a stretch okay. wouldn't you say? No I don't I think you're being very humble there or or, or maybe you're just trying to Get away from any criticism yeah. once the show comes out. My hands, my hands are off the wheel here, <laughs> yeah. and this is not my responsibility. So where are we now? Uh, we are in Mataranka, oh, specifically the Mataranka Homestead, uh, which is somewhere in between Alice Springs and Catherine. Right, and it's it's got tropical. It's winter time in Australia, but we're in shorts and thongs. And the air conditioning's on. It is freaking hot outside. It is muggy, yes. Uh, we've been down to the, the natural springs earlier today. Had a dip. That's been lovely, yeah. So, uh, having a great time. We're into the last week now. We'll be in Darwin over the next few days. And, uh, yeah, when's this show coming out? Uh, we're hoping that we'll have it ready for eyeballs around the summertime. Hopefully, this side of Christmas. What's the show's concept? Yeah, basically it's you uh, as the host um, and it's, you know, loosely uh, a travel show, loosely a history show, uh, loosely a comedy and uh, (laughs) uh, we also, uh, with beer as the backdrop essentially. So, you know, series one, uh, we visited a whole bunch of craft beer breweries because that was a lot easier to do uh, in Victoria where it was mostly set. Um, We've been going from Adelaide to Darwin, so we've had to slightly shift that a little bit to be more uh, visiting uh, hotels, pubs, roadhouses, that sort of thing. Um, but that's essentially it. Yeah. Hopefully it's a fun watch. It's been fun to make. Yeah. has been a lot of fun to make. Yeah. So, yeah, like you say, I guess if you're not a beer lover, hopefully that doesn't really matter I don't matter think it matter, matter, no. No. Um, we do talk a little bit about beer, but even less than the first season probably. Yeah. It's completely different to the sort of beer nerd vibe of series one it'll still be enough for i think the people who like that kind of vibe but but certainly this is more i think it's really more just a travel show starring matt stewart essentially bloody hell that sounds pretty good <laughs> i've watched that no i i probably would not but um do you want to do the fact quote a question jingle i won't be doing that matt okay great um i'll do- <laughs> I'll, I'll look i'll have a go i've heard it enough uh, fact quote or question 
ding. He always remembers the ding. Anyway, so in this part of the show, Shane, fat quote or question section, uh, some of our supporters have written in with questions, suggestions, facts. You probably figured that out. Yeah. Uh, from the, okay. the name of the, the segment. And uh, I'm going to read them out now. The first one comes from Shannon Burns. Can only assume uh, Burnsy. Burnsy from the Cats. Shannon Burns still play for the Cats? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, they also get to give themselves a, a title, and Shannon's got the title of slightly sarcastic and passive aggressive customer service rep. Awesome. All right, Shannon. <laughs> Looking forward to your question here. Shannon writes Hey, Matt, Dave, and Jess. You're Dave and Jess today. Okay. Thanks for consistently making informative and entertaining shows. I mean, that's a pretty big comp- compliment. No, yeah, well, thank you for, yeah, thank you. I always feel good reading out uh, compliments to me. And <laughs> I always feel very comfortable with it. Uh, I have a question for you. What is the weirdest or most random coincidence that has happened to you? And I always ask the question, ask her to give an answer. It's funny. I reckon this question's come up before. But anyway, here's Shannon's answer. I was walking on a nature path in my town playing Pokemon Go. Okay. While listening to your Super Bowl episode. Oh, that means that that was... You were, you're playing Pokemon Go still. And I love that about you, Shannon. Some people, you know, thought that was a bit of a fad from five years ago. I'm with you. Okay, let's keep... I haven't even played, started playing it yet. That's how far behind I am. But I, I want to. I reckon... You know what? I think Shannon wrote uh, in this question couple of months ago and it got cut off halfway so it was leaving us hanging on this anecdote so i can't wait to hear the end of it uh all right so shannon walking along playing pokemon go listening to the super bowl episode and then uh i mentioned that during one halftime show the main entertainment was a frisbee catching dog named ashley whippet then less than a minute later shannon walked past a pokemon gym and decided to look at the player's who had Pokemon there. One of the players was called, I kid you not, Ashley Whippets. Whoa. (laughs) It was so weird and mildly freaky that I had to tell a couple of friends about it who were similarly weirded (laughs) out. That is... I mean, I don't think I've heard of a niche coincidence. Well, what's a Pokemon gym? I wish I wish the two nerds of the show were here because they would have been able to explain it. Dave and Jess, massive Pokemon. I shouldn't say nerds, fans. Fans. They're gym, Pokemon gym junkies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, not like us, we're just sort of weightlifting, yeah. pumping iron, yeah. how much you bench. Yeah. That sort of is a lot of the small talk we make. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think what they are... Is you what, train? You go and train. Maybe you go, you train your monsters there, your pocket monsters. monsters. Are That's they monsters? A Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, okay. I learned that all... from Dave. Um, oh, right. Um, I think Pikachu's one of them. Right. Uh, Mewtwo is one of them as well. The band. Mewtwo. Oh, Mewtwo. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I no, you were thinking you, of Pono and the boys. Yeah. The Edge. They're not involved. Okay. Uh, the other two. Larry and Greg. No, what's the- Larry. Larry. Yeah, Larry and... Mullins Jr. And what's the fourth one? Oh, it's not Greg. That poor I bastard. I want it to be Greg. You two, Adam. Yes, Adam, Adam Clayton. There we go. You're right. Yeah. Um, Do you they talking, go to Pokemon? Are you talking you two to me? <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> that is a wild. <laughs> that is a wild coincidence, Shannon. I'm glad we finally got to the bottom of it. Uh, I've been sitting on the edge of my seat for the last few months, waiting for that stunning conclusion. Uh, coincidences. Do you have any? Well, uh, this is 
in my entire life or more recently? Yeah, both. Or well, either. Well, I'll go with the more recent okay. one that's, that, that occurred uh, on this trip, on this very trip. Uh, we were uh, always planning on coming to Mataranka Homestead for a scheduled day off. That doesn't that doesn't count as a coincidence. No. <laughs> you, we were planning to yeah, be here and now right. we're here. That's, yeah. There needs to be no, a second. There thing. is more. Oh, there is a second. Okay. Uh, and simultaneously to that uh, plan being made, I'd been talking to a, a, a man who claims to be, and I think is, so let's say he's not, but made it sound like as if uh, it's a- <laughs> You're doubting it. <laughs> yeah. A, cla- a, 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 a ridiculous claim. No, he is probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. You're still putting- <laughs> Well, I haven't fact-checked it. I need to do some more research. Australia's premier uh, whip-cracking oh, entertainer. Are you talking yeah. about Whippy? Nathan Whippy Griggs. Nathan, yeah, the very Nathan one and the same. Griggs. And I thought it would be fun to have Nathan- or whippy, uh, uh, step you through some good old fashioned whip cracking exercises as part of the show. So we were exchanging information, logistical uh, uh, bits and pieces. And he said, well, I'm gonna be in Mataranka on the 7th. If you're in town, uh, let's do something. I said, crazy, we're rolling into Mataranka on the 7th. Um, and he said, well, come and see me. I'll be playing here. And, and as it turned out, that's the exact same place that we right. booked that accommodation. Oh, that was, so we didn't book I thought, I assumed we booked to be here when he was going to be here. No. Oh, wow, that is- We booked here and then Whippy came along uh, and coincidentally was playing or or whipping uh, only uh, several metres from where we were going to be sleeping. You know, I was just about to say this is not quite at the same level as the Ashley Whippet coincidence. Holy shit. Yeah. The coincidence that Shannon talked about is about a dog called a Whippet. Yep. Your coincidence- is about a man called Whippy. Yep. Is this also a coincidence? I think it is. I think we've just had a co- coincidence collision. Yeah, which- Whoa. Has Holy blown shit. my mind. That has blown my mind. I'm going to take a sip and take a deep breath. What a- uh, Whippy. He, it was fun. I got to be- I got called up into the show. He whipped around me for a bit. Yeah. Um, he did a- he, he whipped for an hour. It was a long show. It was a long- Whipping a lot of cracking festivity. He's in. He's in the official. I mean, probably we haven't checked this either. But yeah. he told us, and he said in the show that he's in the uh, Guinness World Book of Records three times, I believe, which is a one of the favourite books. The of, most of this show. cracks in with one whip. Yeah, one handed crack. The most two uh, two whips. Most cracks with two whips per minute, and also the longest, and the longest whip. He he built he, he hundred meter whip made the longest whip of all time. It's, it's in the kiosk if you want to go. And I do want to go and have a look at it. And I think to legitimise it, it had to be whipped. So he had to yeah. whip this hundred meter whip. I know it's at the end of the show. We he took us into the car park and uh, t- yeah, <laughs> sort of in a shady corner of this uh, resort. Yeah. I was uh, being taught Cracking how to- a whip at, at like 10 o'clock at night. Well, it was, like, it was more like 11 o'clock, yeah. Can we talk about what, what how it ended with you and Whippy? If you want to. I mean, well, this who's is... this going out to? Whippy's not going to hear it. Is Whippy going to I mean, if, if Whippy makes it this far into the episode, most of our listeners don't. You were very- You wanted a photo with Whippy at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was. We'd had a fun time with him. Um, perhaps we were over uh, extending the yeah. welcome. Yeah, maybe. Um, and when I took a photo of the two of you, you, I think, wanted to- requ- You requested somebody oh, yeah. else take a photo another, because they'd been taking- Another taking- member of the crew's got a great phone for it. So I called him over and uh, Whippy said, nah, that's enough for me, boys. Yeah, I'm done, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Just I, like didn't want to have anything more to do with yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. He said, I'm going to the bar. Yeah. So he's like- 
<laughs> I thought ended on a real sour. It was. Up. It was an unfortunate end to what was before that a pretty fun a whip song. cracking good it time. It was a whip cracking. When the I thought when the whips were cracking, he'd be there, but yeah. it turns out he, he he wouldn't. No. Um. No. No. It was. It was a lot of fun. Deep down, I kind of respected it. I kind of respected it, but I. I mean, I also enjoy uh, meeting people and and being polite. Being polite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm done. <laughs> no, seriously, man. I'm done. Nah, good on him. Good on you, Whippy. Yeah. All right, well, that's, uh, thanks so much, Shannon Burns, for that whip cracking fact um, or question. The do you insert one- sound effects? Because you really should. Uh, if you can do a live one, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the next one comes from Detective Herbert Covington. Uh, I've just lost him. He, uh, AKA, retired push up specialist due to being shit at push ups. Yeah, you will retire mm. from something like that if you're not good at the thing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the good detective has a suggestion. Which reads like this. Hey, gang. Hopefully this fact, quote, or question finds you well. I should say uh, the other two. Jess is in Melbourne having a great time, having a few weeks off. Dave is currently in Morocco, I believe. I saw that. I saw he's somewhere to do with the set of the mummy. Yeah, that's right. And he's a big mummy head, so... uh, Is that the official term? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Big mummy head. So uh, it's good to see photos because I think in recent weeks... And maybe in some of the episodes we've recorded for coming weeks, we weren't sure if he was alive, <laughs> but we did wish him all the best. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the, the great detective uh, says that he hopes uh, he finds us well, full of pies, beers, and coffee abundant. I have a suggestion, a song from a video game called Persona 5 Strikers called Rivers in the Desert by Lynn. Wow, where, where are we in the desert still? Because uh, we were swimming in a desert river just before. I believe it's an arid zone. Okay. I've, I've just heard that a lot on this trip and right. I like saying it. Yeah, arid. yeah, arid zone is better than desert. Mm. I also learnt a tip at uh, one of the desert pubs we were in mm. when uh, the chef was about to bring over dessert. Yeah. And he said, what was the... SS, double S is sweet stuff sweet stuff so that's how you know it's for dessert yeah SS double s sweet stuff it was a game changer that was a big game and i reckon we've changed some games for the people at home right now as well (laughs) uh do you know are you familiar with the rivers in the desert by lynn uh it's a video game no it's a song in a video game oh well definitely not we will check it out in the van we've been pumping the tunes in the van so we'll get that on there tomorrow uh the message continues. All of the tracks on the album are great, ranging from absolute headbangers to groovy ones you could vibe to on a train. What about a road train? Because we're seeing a lot of those out here. Yeah. Uh, but the guitar riff that this track opens with instantly made me think of Matt and Sam. Big Listen Now vibes. Rest in peace. Oh, I w- should say, uh, Detective, Listen Now will come back. The Stupid Old Studio is going to be ready to go, I think, when we finish filming Beer Pioneer. And I'm going to hopefully catch up with Sam to finish season two. Um, anyway, it suggests we should check it out. And we will do. We'll check that out uh, after. I'll play it in the van tomorrow. Let's play it. At, I think you're going to be driving us to Catherine. Oh, great. Let's, let's start the day tomorrow with, with that with album. Playing that that yeah. sounds fantastic. Great tip. Thank you very much, Detective. Funnily enough, uh, Shane thought, Cold Chisel was a little screamy. No, in the fifth hour of a five-hour uh, journey, uh, you don't you don't need screaming. You did make it through about an hour of Barnsey. 
Well, I was screaming over the I needed hillside. the energy that he was providing, but yeah. then there's a tipping point where yeah, right. it becomes too much. Uh, thank you, Detective. The next one comes from Jess Green, aka Collector of Fine Matching Tracksuit Sets. Oh, Jess, if you have any spares, I'd love to get involved. Mm. A matching tracksuit. I, I never thought I was. I had the you know the confidence to pull it off, but I, I'm, I don't. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jess has a fact writing. I'm not sure if this is a fact, which is a strong start for a fact, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds like how you'd present a fact. Yeah. You, yeah. you did that just earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is a fact, but it's definitely interesting. I am a new listener to the pod. Shout out uh, to Sammy P from the Confessions of the Idiot podcast for the recommendation. Uh, slash all the funny episodes you three have been on. You're, you're a friend of Sammy P. Love Sammy P. Uh so, oh, welcome to the show, Jess. That's very cool. And thanks, Sammy, for sending Jess over. Uh, Jess continues. I've recently gone back and listened to the Trump family mystery episode. Oh, my God. There's a weird coincidence here because I remember vividly that in that episode we talked about Pokemon Go. Whoa. The Tr- coincidence Trump family? Con- Trump. Trump. So, there were, uh, you'd vaguely remember it. It was about five years ago. This family in Victoria just hit the road they left their whole life behind and no one no one in the family seemed to know why it was like they were on the run but they didn't know why right and this it's just sort of this episode and they kept splitting off from each other are they one of them one of the daughters ended up in the back of this guy it just climbed into this guy's ute and he was driving through outside of uh, Goulburn and he looked around and was like oh, who's that it was a really strange story anyway okay um, so Jess has just listened to that episode uh, and continues by saying uh, they Where they lived is very, very close to where my partner grew up and lived until he was 18. So I asked him if he'd heard of the story. He said, nah, it doesn't ring a bell. So I proceed to tell him the story. He cuts me off about 10 seconds in and says, oh, yeah, I know this story. I knew them. I went to school with them. I went to their house a few times. <laughs> You know, the Trump family, this big story. <laughs> nah, I never heard of it. Well, anyway, the well, Trump the family, Trumps. they were in there. <gasps> I know. But it could have been, I mean, I, when you first said it, I heard Trump. Right. And if you had have asked me, do I know the Trump family? I would have said no. But if you were from and their you start town. start telling the story of the Trump family. But he was from that town. I know, but, you know, it can happen. <laughs> I mean, it can happen. <laughs> it can happen if you're not careful. Yeah. So I'm just saying, be careful out there. You know what I mean? Mm. A lot of people are going around I going, I hear Trump, I hear Trump. It doesn't matter. It does yeah. matter. It does matter. Listen carefully. Hey, just stay vigilant. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so Jess says, uh, excited for the potential inside knowledge. All he could say was that they seemed nice and normal and nothing seemed off. Unfortunately, this is still a mystery episode. Although he did say that their table wasn't covered with passports, cards, etc. when he was there. <laughs> so when the, the house was found... Their whole life was just sort of neatly piled. They left their passports, credit cards. They didn't take anything with them. So it's a very strange story. Are they, did they ever get found? Yeah, yeah, they did. One by one, they got found. And, and, and they, 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 they sort never of just explained it? basically just snapped out of it, whatever it was. Jeez. Really, really strange. But that's, wow, that, that would have given me chills, Jess, if I had that interaction with your partner, <laughs> um, which is pretty unlikely. I don't know the man. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, uh, Jess finishes with a little question here. Have you had any weird connections to any of the reports you've done? I, I'm trying to think. 
I don't. I mean, I did a bonus episode about Tony Plugger Lockett, and I watched him play a bunch of games. Yeah. It's a pretty loose connection. Mm. No, I don't think I've been directly connected to any episodes. Sorry, Jess, but that... I think, yeah, you'd trump me anyway. Certainly never or that trump. close. You would have trumped me anyway. <laughs> See, they... It's very Dave, easy, very easy mistake to make. Dave calls me the pun king, but I I don't see him. They're right, right in front of me. I never see him. Right, right. Dave's the pun master. Okay. That was right there. I can't... How did I miss that? Well, anyway, that's why I'm here. That's why you're, you're filling in for Dave the pun master and Jess. Yeah. Uh, final... Fat quote a question comes from Bracken Markins. Fantastic name, Bracken. Yeah. Uh, Bracken has given themselves the title of Chief Marketing Officer of the Give Your Kids Normal Name Society. <laughs> I mean, Bracken, we were just saying how much we loved it. I think, I mean, you know, I've, I live in the very opposite camp of please, please give your kids some slightly interesting names. Matt Stewart is very boring. And there's... Hundreds of Matt Stewart's in the club with me. Uh, Bracken has a fact writing Shane Dunlop also. It's, I reckon it, it's a couple of rungs above Matt Stewart for interest, but it's yeah. still relatively plain. <clears throat> There's no, There are no Shanes under the age of uh, 40. That's true. Shane is a, so an old man's name. Yeah, it's becoming so. Oh, Shane's are dying off. Yeah, but yeah. they're ready for a comeback, I think. Yeah, I reckon. Ready for a little a little bounce? Maybe mm. maybe your appearance this, this on the fact quote question section. Might well, I like I like Bracken. I reckon Bracken's fantastic. Yeah, Brack, Brack, Braxy, Braxy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. Remember there was the old uh, Australian fast bowler Nathan Bracken. That was a surname. Uh, yeah. Okay. But as a first name, even better. Yeah. Uh, Bracken writes, comedy is old. This is a fact. And there's no doubt, no doubt in Bracken's mind about this. No qualifiers. <laughs> right. The first known example of a, quote, walks into a bar joke is written in Sumerian from Suma. Or, is that Suma or Summer? Suma. Yeah. Uh, the world's first civilization, 4500 to 1900 BC. It reads, a dog walked into a tavern and said, I can't see a thing. I'll open this one. Something, it seems, May have been lost in translation. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I don't get it. But apparently it is. Maybe it's not that gettable. A dog walked into a tavern and said, I can't see a thing. I'll open this one. Thank you so much to Brack and Jess, Herbert and Shannon. Next thing we like to do, Shane, don't think this is over yet. <laughs> the next thing we like to do is uh, thank a few of our other great supporters from uh, the last little while. Normally, Jess comes up with a little game related to the topic. So the episode uh, that we're coming in at the end of now was the history of uh, the Mission Impossible franchise. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, so I was thinking maybe, and we're on the, you know, the Beer Pioneer shoot. Mm-hmm. So maybe for each name I read out, you can give them a Tom Cruise role or film mm-hmm. and pair that with a beer. So, okay. you know, oh, I'm watching uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Yep, oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, don't use that one. No. But I'm going to yeah. pair that with a, you know, a can of Melbourne bitter, but you okay. got to shotgun it, you know. Right. Poke a hole. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever. You can take it wherever yeah, you okay. want to go. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So, first up, I'd love to thank from, ooh, 
Location unknown. Ooh. We can only assume. Yeah. Is it coming, one of the one of the uh, Trumps? It could be one of the mm. Trumps. They're very sl- shady. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say slimy. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. It could be. Uh, very slippery. Mm. Uh, but we can only assume uh, coming from deep within the fortress of the mole. And I, for one, would like to welcome our <laughs> future mole overlords. Is it like you realise as you're talking to someone who doesn't listen to the show how bizarre a lot of this must sound? Anyway, uh, I'd love to thank Chloe Button. What's Chloe Button? What's her Tom Cruise film? What beer Chloe are Button. pairing it with? Okay. Great name for, right off the bat. Yeah. As all our listeners right. are beautifully named people. I'm going to say- Not their value. Chloe Button, it's a, it's a lovely name. I'm going to go with Far and Away. Oh, yes. I believe the film- With Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman uh, and Tom Cruise. I remember watching this a long time ago. The basic gist of it is that whatever country he's they a, were in- He's a bare-knuckled boxer, isn't he? Oh, I don't remember. All I remember is it was a race and it, the, you could go grab your own patch of land. If you got there first, you got to claim it. Yeah, they were Irish. Right. Was it in Ireland? Or are they uh, coming to or America that, or something? Possibly, yeah. Was it old timey? Yeah, uh, I just was Tom I, Cruise pulling off an Irish accent. Uh, he might have been, or wow. uh, he might have just been doing his accent, uh, like he did in that yeah. uh, Nazi movie. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it, but I've picked that movie Great. for uh, unknown reasons. Uh, and I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna pair that with uh, because it's a bit old timey. I'm gonna pair that with a a, a, a wheat. Uh, ale. A wheat ale. Yeah. Yeah, right. It feels like, yeah, maybe they, in the film, they probably grow wheat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> something something sort of very old-timey. Yeah. Stout even. Yeah. Well, they're Irish, right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's according to your vague memory. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think maybe- uh, when I just people- remember bare-knuckle boxing. Bare-knuckle boxing. I remember, yeah, I remember that there was like a shotgun start. Everyone goes- shirtless. And- and there was a penny farthing in the race against all these horse and carts, and the penny oh. farthing did not do well. Yeah. I might be making up that, that memory. Doesn't, yeah. That, that doesn't ring any bells. No. Thank you so much, Chloe. Uh, the next one uh, comes from Tacoma in Washington in the United States. Maybe people who've got their addresses down might help you with a beer selection or a movie choice. Yeah, okay. From Tacoma in Washington, it's Marcus Mota. Marcus Moda, that's another great another name. Guy. I'm telling yeah. you, they're all great yeah. names, Shane. Yeah, okay. They're also all very hot. Not their yeah. value, but they are everyone who listens to this show, yeah. especially the support supporters on okay. well, hot, beautiful Marcus people. Marcus Mota, I'm going to use the name for inspiration okay. and go with Days of Thunder. Yeah. Is that Ricky Bobby? No, no, that's no. The that's, one. that's, yeah. No, I forget his name in that. Cold uh, Thunder? That's Cold actually. Trickle. It, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's that's actually. Like that. I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, which is a ridiculous name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> And I think it's also the movie where he he uh, met and fell in love with Nicole Kidman. Oh, so you've gone back to back. Yeah, Tom and yeah. Nicole. I feel they their it's only a classic. No, uh, oh, eyes wide shut. You're right. Yeah, that's the, the, the that's trilogy. The yeah, yeah. Um, the Tom Cat trilogy. Yeah. No, Tom, what's her name? Tom uh, Kid. Yeah. Uh, and I think with this, I'm going to go with one of the. I'll let you pick which one, but I'm going to go with a Sierra Nevada. Oh yeah. What would you choose from there? Oh, that classic pale. Yeah, pale. That feels like that a was good combo. Yeah, that's a great combo, and yeah. that is that's a beer that a, a people say really started this most recent craft beer boom. Yeah, for yep. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just realised there another coincidence mm-hmm. that this Tom Cruise based episode has just come out, and. 
last week we went to a Tom Cruise museum, a different Tom Cruise, at the uh, Mar- Marie Marie Hotel. There was a Tom Cruise museum. What's there? You didn't go in there. I but think it I was, was feel- I was putting petrol in the car. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> That's I didn't, the fun. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, it's spelled with a Z. But he was a um, he was like a he was a bit of an explorer as well. Okay, did I mean we, we, did fil- we film it. Yeah, we filmed okay. me wandering around and excellent. Yeah. So the, the coincidence is coming Tom out Cruise. the freaking wazoo mm. today. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Marcos. Uh, next one comes from Sydney. Wait, this says Sydney in the ACT. There are little Sydney in ACT. Anyway, from Could Sydney be. in the ACT in Australia, Clancy Greening. Another great name. And I mean, we 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 probably can stop saying it because yeah, they're all yeah, great. But yeah. freaking hell, the quality yeah. is high today. Yeah, love it. Right. Is there more facts before I pick? No, no. Right. Cl- Clancy. Um, okay. Uh, because it doesn't sound like Clancy. Clancy might be the opposite of of uh, a name that I would suggest would be a risk taker. Oh yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe in some sort of business yeah. that involves. So risk. I'm going to go with just because. Uh, yeah, just because of that, I'm going to go with risky business. And uh, a movie I've never seen it, but a movie is it, I with, assume is, is does not is Tom stand Cruise up to modern in uh, jocks. No, yeah, well that's yeah, <laughs> and it's, sliding on socks. Is no, that the whole film? No, it's, it's not all sliding yeah, around on. It's socks? It's actually quite terrible. With his, Huey, par- his uh, parents go away. Bob Seger playing in the background. Yeah, and he turns his house basically into a. Um, a brothel. Okay. Yeah, for like a weekend. And then he like wrecks his... He drives his parents' car into a river and... That is yeah, it's, risky it's, business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not mucking around. Uh, what a concept for yeah. a film. And, and just, I guess, with that, uh, then we'll go back to not taking any risks and we'll have a non-alcoholic... Uh, refreshing, um, refreshingly. What is it? Heaps normal. Oh, heaps normal. Yeah. yeah. So we'll go with a a non risky sounding name, risky business. The heaps normal. The XPA. Yeah, I reckon. Oh, a delicious non alcoholic beer. Don't know if you, you know that what? was logical at all, but I think it's I go think with it's me. perfect logic. I'm yeah. with you all the way. But you know, um, I was sent. I remember being in one of the lockdowns. I was sent. A box of beer, mm. which I I think it maybe got sent to the Shibel Studios or something, and I, for whatever reason, I only found it uh, last month, and I opened it up, and it was like an original, like a test version of Heaps Normal, right? Just to I was sending me to sample because of the show, or because of your I think because because of the show, yeah. Right. Wow, and I'm like, oh yeah. shit, holy shit, that's become a, a booming business. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that I I didn't I didn't see if there was a letter in there, but it'd be funny. If there's a letter in there. Hey, if you want, you can have some shares in this company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be worth a fortune now. Um, but yeah, great, a great non-alcoholic beer. Uh, next person again comes from uh, address unknown. Shoom from deep within the fortress of the moles. Mary De Groot. Okay. And I mean, I feel like we've now got to say every time now. I know because I mean, great name, yeah, great. That is obviously a great name. It is, it is, yeah. Mary De Groot, yeah. Holy shit, that's anything a with a de yeah. in front is always and Groot, yeah. I mean, I'd take that any any which way, you know, Groot, Groot to Mary, yeah, De Mary Groot, yeah. <laughs> Groot Mary De, yeah. Yeah. you know, any. Yeah. I think any, but I think you know, uh, I think it's in the perfect order as is. Yep. So okay. what what is what's Mary watching? What's Mary drinking? 
Yeah. Okay. You running out of crews? No, no. I'm just kind of. I'm. Tr- I'm really sort of going through the back catalogue as I. It's good you're here the because name is- Dave hates Tom Cruise. Really? Yeah, he can't stand him. I, I'm a big fan. I've come around. Yeah, a I've bit. come right around. As yeah. Well. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, all right, I'm gonna try something here. So I'm gonna go with Vanilla Sky. Okay. Because I beers. You can get some sort of vanillary notes yeah, in, yeah. in in beers these days, or they try to sort of do that sort of um, strong flavour. The beers help me out with. Uh, I've got with I've something here. Google it, vanilla beer. Yeah, <laughs> just something. Uh, well, something that's got that sort of uh, um, flavour note to it. Yeah, what's a? You know? uh, I'm. I'm blanking. We had a we as part of this show we went to the big shed and they do the Quiet Deeds Vanilla Porter. There we go. That's my favourite brewery probably. Yeah. And I'd really love you to work our show down back into Melbourne. Yeah, so can, yeah. I've never visited, but uh, yeah. I do love. I mean, I've got a lot of favourite brewers, but they're definitely one of them. Yeah, I was, that's what I was thinking. Just something a sort vanilla of in porter. that. Well, something Delicious. that's got that sort of vibe going. On. So we obviously went to a place that had that does a a, um, a stout based on the Golden Gate Time ice cream. Oh yeah, so that's what I was thinking. So that shed kind brewery. of ice creamy, you know, the creamy sort of yeah. stouty porter that was vibe. A, a dessert stout that yeah. one was the. Um, it was the golden stout time. And I think with, uh, was it Mary? Mary's, Mary, yeah. Mary de Groot. It just feels like a, 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 a flavorful uh, package. The next one, I think I'm going to break my own rule of not going over 40 minutes today because we, we've had, been oh, having such a good okay. time here, yeah. Shane. Sorry, Matt. No, I, I'm not blaming you in any way. Uh, and people can just stop listening. Yeah. That's the thing I don't understand about the people who <laughs> no, complain stay about. No, to the end. They, they complain about this section going too long. Yeah, like, right. There's okay. a stop button. Yeah, yeah. Move on with your life. It's very hard to don't do Don't hate that, listen. You've got to see it through. Uh, now, talking about good names, this can't be on the birth certificate, but let's see. From Roseville in Minnesota in the United States, it's not a cat. Okay. I, that just, that's the name? That's the name. I assume, oh, To me, cat. this is... A cat being defensive, right? Mm, okay. Certainly not a cat, if that's mm. what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I would name myself if I was a cat who was trying to make people think I wasn't a cat, which mm-hmm. I assume is probably what they <laughs> that is what they're going for. Yeah. So what is not a cat? What are you going to make me think of? Cat- cattish beers? Uh, it's tough. What, what uh, about a movie? Did, did he play Cat in a Hat? No, that no. was Mike Myers. Yeah. Can you imagine Tom Cruise in, no. a, in such a role? No. Um yeah, so I'm trying to think of a Tom Cruise sort of. I don't even think animal, he's voiced right. any anim, animated no. uh, animals. I could be wrong here. Um, so instead, uh, I think I'm going to go. Wow, gosh, um, this is tricky. Uh, what about what about? Did he ever do a movie with his ex-wife Cat, whatever her name was? Because when they wasn't he in a Tom Cat relationship at one point? Am I thinking of something else? Uh, no. Katie I, Holmes. Yeah. Were, were they called Tomcat? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, that feels like a distant memory. Uh, what are we... I'm just doing a quick Google here. I don't think that... Were they in a movie together? They were in Going Clear, Scientology <laughs> right. and The Prison of Belief. Okay. Well, I feel like perhaps that that might work in this instance because okay. we don't have a lot of information to go on with the name. Yeah. Um, Apart from them not being a cat. Not being a cat. Um, and the only cat sort of related beer is what, you know, Tiger. Oh, yeah, great. You know? Yeah. Um, but Tiger, then she's saying Tiger not from? a cat. I think it's Malaysia. Ti- Malaysia. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Um, but she's, or, or he, or they. Uh, 
uh, are saying that they are not a cat. Not a cat. So maybe we should. Oh, no, they wouldn't that. want to be a no. They wouldn't want. So what's the opposite like of a cat? A dog. A cat is a dog. Is there a dog? Yeah. A dog beer? Moon dog. Moon dog. So moon let's go with the moon dog. Melbourne. And uh, last time I was at Moon Dog, I enjoyed their it's uh, their, their alcoholic ginger beer. Oh, so love the ginger beer. I'm going to lay that one on uh, and pair that with the Scientology movie. A fantastic choice and a, a beautiful Refreshing, market. if anything. Yeah, Not A Cat's going to have a lovely time. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Not A Cat. Next one comes from Cambridge in Great Britain, which is that big uni town, isn't it, Cambridge? I think so. Uh, Vicky H. Ooh. Or Vicky H, depending on... Yeah, okay. Uh, Vic. Hey, where are you from? Yeah. Mm. All right. I'm thinking uh, Minority Report. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking... I started of, watching that recently. I haven't seen it before. I'm thinking of a uh, a long, hard day yeah. filming a, a beer-related TV show. So you want a, a lawnmower-type you've, beer? You've hopped yourself... That's right. You've hopped yourself into a thermal pool. Yes. Like, like one they, of those brains. Like they did in Minority Report. The ones who see the future. And you've got yourself a refreshing lager. Oh, yeah. Just to wash wash the day down. Maybe the Cooperpedia lager? Cooperpedia Big Shed uh, Collab. Collab. Um, uh, I reckon that's the go. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. A nice warm bath. Yep. And a nice cold beer. Perfect. Bloody rip and, and seeing murders before they happen. Bloody unreal. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Vicky. Next one comes from another address unknown. Kate Rue. R-double-O. Kate Rue. Okay. Um, yep. So okay. I'm thinking, you know, what? What has he done any movies set in Australia? Uh, well, I think the Mission Impossible. Possible. <laughs> okay. That's by Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I believe uh, wasn't wasn't uh, the third in the franchise yeah, film one entirely of in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that everyone seems to think was shit. Yeah. Didn't it have uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that? Wasn't oh, it? Oh, Wasn't it a? He's great. Tour de force. Um, and also, uh, what's the guy that plays Rake? Great Aussie actor. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, yeah. Was Phelpsy in it? Oh, Phelpsy should have been I've in seen it. it. If not, why Phelps not? It. Yeah, Gary Sweet. Oh, Gary Sweet's got to be there okay. somewhere. Um, uh, Tony Martin. Tony, yeah, <laughs> the other Tony. Martin. The other Tony. Not yeah. Um, comedy great Tony Martin. Uh, I, I, I really don't know if there is a. Uh, an Australian Tom no. Cruise movie. I bet you there there has to be. Um, uh, so I'm not going to say any of those. I'm going to go with. Um, oh gosh, it's it's starting to get a little bit uh, tricky. Um, so what? Uh, what? I mean, what do you think? What about? Um, uh, what about the recent Maverick one? No, so we're, where are we? We're in, uh, Kate, Kate, we got Kate the last Rue. one here. Right. Katie okay. Rue. Yeah. I mean, Rue, Qantas. Yeah. Rain Man. Rain Man. The famous Qantas scene. Thank you for the assist I'm not, there. I'm no. not going to fly yeah. no, that's via perfect. Melbourne. Yeah. 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 You've done the it. The flying you've, kangaroo. You've connected the dots. And I uh, I think you're... Then go for a beer now that you would order on a plane. Oh, yeah. So an international, one of your classic international yeah, picture beers. Yeah, picturing a Heineken yeah, or a Carlsberg, Carlsberg or something. One of those green yeah. bottles that And a smaller, like, smaller sort of... Sort of like wet coins, yeah, those beers. Yeah, but in a, in a smaller, similar to the can I've got in front of me now, a small oh, yeah, travel can that really uh, makes, you know, that whenever you have one of those travel cans, you know you're traveling, you know you're going somewhere fun. And at those beers, I don't know what, they all taste, they taste slightly weird, but I still yeah. like that taste. Yep, yep. At times, can't drink it too much. But, no. Uh, thank you, Kate Rue. Next one comes from Matt Cosby from Rockmart in Georgia in the United States. 
Great. Got a bit to work with there. Rockmart, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Matt, Cosby, mm. United mm. States, mm. home of Hollywood. He yeah. made a lot of movies in Hollywood, I reckon. Yeah. In which case, um, and I'm not sure, it could have been, um, it may have been filmed in this general area. I'm not sure. Um, uh, some of it, at least. Um, I'm going to go with Tropic Thunder. Oh, yes. Wasn't and- there an Australian in that? I think maybe uh, the guy with Junior at the end of his name played an Australian. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Jr. there's a controversial uh, character work in, uh, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're going Tropic Thunder. We're going to go with a tropical uh, flavoured sour. So something Ooh. like uh, a passion fruit sour. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe like the uh, the passion fruit goes from uh, from Brisbane at the... Yeah, or we could go with a season one thing and go with a passion fruit sour from Two Bays. Oh, yeah. Uh, which choice. was uh, gluten-free. Gluten-free brewery. Yeah. They, they're now doing a stout. Yeah. I'd never heard of a gluten-free stout before. Well, They must be close to leading the world in gluten-free beers. Yeah, yeah. I ended, did I tell you I ended up going back there to do a gig? No, with Richard. Yeah, that was a pretty fun time. Had a few bloody gluten freebies <laughs> and uh, they were delicious. Gluten freebies, <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, I'd love to thank from Kelvin Grove in Queensland, Australia, Flick French. The names do not stop. Flick French. Flick French. Sounds like a like an ace pilot from World War Two. It does, yeah. Okay. I'm really trying to find something here, and, I'm, and I must admit, I'm starting to get to the the, the, the fringes of my Tom Cruise back catalogue. Because he made a lot of films. He's, he's made thousands of them. Um, but uh, how, do, how do we connect Flick French to a Tom Cruise classic? I'll just say, he did Cocktail with Brian Brown. Yeah, that's... American that's, okay, I've got it, and okay. we're going to go with something a little bit different. Maybe not a beer. We're going to go with Cocktail. Oh, yes. Uh, and Brian Brown, my favourite colour, of course. We will have a, a French martini. Oh, shaken not stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to top it off. Right. Move away from the beers. Yeah. A bit of a nightcap. Have a nightcap. Because this, uh, this is the last one you've got to come up with. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. A fantastic combination there. Flick French with a French cocktail. martini. For the French martini. Uh, thank you so much to Flick, Matt, Kate, Vicky, Not a Cat, Mary, Clancy, Marcus, and Chloe. And the last thing, Shane, we like to do is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. These are supporters who've been with us for three straight years wow. at a shout out level or above. And uh, the way we thank them is uh, there's a multitude of ways. Every, once you're in, it's a one way ticket. You're not, you're not allowed to leave even if you wanted to. Oh. <laughs> Goodness. So, uh, normally Jess would come up with a cocktail based on the topic. Well, I mean, maybe we could just serve the everyone tonight. Maybe we could get the French martinis. Yeah. Okay. Right. I think that makes sense. Maybe. Uh, maybe even the bar includes all nine of the drinks you've just mm-hmm. suggested. Yeah. Uh, Dave also books a band. Okay. Often, coincidentally, has something to do with the topic. Not always. Okay. So, what band have you got playing the after party tonight at the Triptych Club? Uh. Tom Cruise ever done? He's not really. He doesn't. He's not one of those actors no, that he's has not a Keanu a, or yeah. a Johnny Depp. But or I kind of feel like you'd appreciate that. 
So, yeah, let's go with a county. Was it Dogstar? Dogstar. Yeah. Maybe supported by uh, 10 odd foot of grunt or whatever. Yeah, 30, 30 odd, odd foot of grunt. 30 odd foot of grunt. I don't want to sell Russell's yeah. short there. And uh, there's got to be more. Uh, Kevin, we'll get Kevin Costner. He had a band. He's still he's still out doing gigs. No kidding. Yeah. Um, a bit of country and western. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. She yeah, and she, yeah, yeah. She's really going to have a festival. Yeah. Festival it'll, it'll after a, music. Yep. I think that would actually go down a storm. Maybe a, maybe one of in reverse. We could have Huey Lewis, who did a little bit of acting, but with more famous for- The news. With or without the news, yeah. yeah. Maybe with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow singing yeah, that's a, a duet. Yeah, that's a, that's a playlist category- that you could get around. Yeah, we've got to get that going to the van tomorrow. Uh, musicians who've become actors. Yes. Or done some acting. Yeah. And vice versa. Vice versa. I love that. I reckon we get that going for mm. the trip tomorrow. All right. So, we've got six people inducted here. And Shane, your work is not done. What Dave- <laughs> This is the, intense. Dave, the pun master, would normally do here is I read out the name. You're basically on stage. This is sort of theatre of the mind. You're on the stage okay. in the Triptych Club. I'm on the door. I'm yeah. the bouncer. I've got the- the clipboard, I've got the, the door list. Yep. I'm telling a lot of people, not in those shoes. Sorry, mate. There's a guest list tonight, that sort of stuff. But right. these six names are on the list. I'm going to read them out. Lift up the velvet rope. Welcome them in. As I say the name, then Dave, normally, you know, you're the MC. You're hyping them up. And everyone who's already inducted and is being held sort of against their will, they're applauding and cheering. Okay. Uh, he would normally work with, like, what I would call a really weak pun based on their name or... Or where they're from. Okay. But you don't have to do that. You can just hype okay. them up in any way you like. Okay. Uh, there's no bad answers here. And right. you could certainly could not do it any worse than Dave. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Let's <laughs> just, just lay in the boots. I do this yeah. when he's here as okay. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little joke I do All that right. I pretend he's doing a worse job than he is. Okay. Because he's obviously fantastic. He's the pun master. No, I love him. Uh, all right, so six names. You ready to go? We keep uh, the pace up. I just yeah, hit, I right. hit you with them. And let's you just, go, let's go. First thoughts yeah, come out. Yeah, right, yeah. from location unknown, it's Vivian Zhang. The Zhangemeister. Oh, welcome in from Mount Waverley in Victoria, Australia. It's Kate Doherty. Doherty, Doherty, Doherty. <laughs> from Mattingly in Victoria, Australia. It's Alison Ramsey. The Rambona. <laughs> from Orlando, Florida in the United States. It is Candace Suda. Su-su-sudia. From Fisher in the Australian Capital Territory, it's Hannah White. Whitey. And from Indianapolis in Indiana, not too far from the God's country, great, greatest city in the world, Gary, Indiana, it's Steve Baker. Baker boy. Welcome in, Steve, Hannah, Candace, Allison, Kate, and Vivian. Make yourselves at home. Grab one of the nine drinks on offer. Enjoy the little music festival that's coming up. Shane, thanks so much for joining us uh, and helping me. I was going to be doing that by myself, so I really appreciate you sitting in the sidecar here. Well, yeah, it's a real pleasure. I've sweated through this T-shirt. Yes. I say you're in the sidecar. I really put you in the driver's seat for most of that, and you did all of the hard work. I really do appreciate that very much. Um, people, please do check out The Beer Pioneer when it comes out. Season one's still out there. Yeah, you can get it in a variety of places. Of course, a stupid old YouTube channel. Uh, it's on CTV+. Plus. Uh, still pops up on a couple of different stations around the country. And Apple TV and Amazon Prime, uh, it's also available there. Yeah, so you know, good luck trying to find a place that doesn't have it. That's right. <laughs> so season one, that was like eight eps, I think. Yeah, yeah, around that. Good fun, and yeah, the next season's going to be even more good fun. A whip cracking, good time. Yeah, if you want to check out Whippy's work, yeah, I mean, get ready for season yeah. two. 
What an interview. I really thought... I think I got to the heart of what yeah. makes him tick. <laughs> Whippy. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, and then what Jess always says, bye, right at the end. Okay, so I'll say, I'll say, laters. Bye. Well, what, what fillings do you want to be? Like really yummy ones. I'm avocado. Okay. Yeah. I'd be like a, um, I reckon I'm lettuce because I'm crunchy. <laughs> this is the sandwich is just avocado and lettuce? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm also cheese. Yeah, he's cheese. Okay, there's a protein. That's I'm good. A, I'm, a, I'm a chutney. Okay, what are we talking about? Spicy chutney? Uh, it's like, it's got a bit of a kick to it, but it's mm. not going to burn your face off, you Some know? chutneys have raisins in it, which I'm against. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a raisinless raisin chutney. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't good. like raisins full stop. Me neither. Why does every baked good have to have a I raisin don't. in it? Yeah. yeah I don't, somehow I forgive it in a bun, but I out, ideally still, no raisins. Especially in savory foods, get rid of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, you're saying like in yeah. a sweet bun. And also yeah. in sweet things, get rid of it. I, okay. I, you can go to Baker's Delight and go, I'll have the apple and custard scroll and they're like great and then it also has raisins nah. oh, excuse me why wasn't that in the title yeah yeah, yeah. why it's is that just it's implied a filler. Yeah. I wanted gross. apple and custard that's yeah. what I wanted because if you go oh you had fruitless then so there isn't a middle ground you're either with raisins or you're without raisins yeah. you can't go well can't I just have a fruit no you're like you nah. have to line up with all the just custard people yeah, yeah get rid of the raisins mm. but then I like Sultana brand and I like fruit and nut chocolate well so. you're a, you're a, I don't understand you yeah. at all <laughs> <laughs> this man makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't explain that. I yeah. think it's things that I I liked as a child. Uh-huh. Have uh, nostalgia gets me through, and out, apart from that, I'm like, ugh. So what like, about those know, sample packs when you get those little sample pack um, cereals mm. when you're on holiday or whatever? You'd oh, go for yeah. the, the Sultana brand, the little mini yeah, box. Yeah, that's probably the one I'd go mm. to as a kid. I would have gone Cocoa Pops and Nutrigrain as well, okay. but they're too sweet for me now. Mm-hmm. It's like the Sultana brand and like corn, uh, cornflakes and rice bubbles. I'm bored of that. Don't okay. miniaturize those. You've ever combined a cereal? Oh, yeah. I love yeah, combining. I love I, combining as well. Lately, I've been working with oats and rice bubbles. Yeah, interesting. It's a good combo. Oh. Wait, you're talking about like, so you actually you can see cooked the oats in a porridge. And no, then no, added... just raw, raw, raw rolled oats on top. On top uh, of your rice bubbles. Yeah, Wait, so I can't eat ra- rice bubbles What's the, what's the ratio? Uh, 50-50. Interesting. I, and I don't like rice bubbles by themselves because I ran out of oats and I still had a, a box of rice bubbles and I had them by myself. I'm like, this is boring. This mm-hmm. is, it felt like mm. labor. And what did you add for, what did you <laughs> Like did you giving add birth. <laughs> <laughs> did you add anything to the mix? Was it just white and, foods? And milk. Oh yeah, milk is a white food, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Geez, we've gone on a weird tangent early. Yeah, good five if people didn't about, turn yeah. off when they heard Dave wasn't here, they certainly have now. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.